Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 98 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast is coming at you live. I am your host, the hip-hop whorehead Snowplow, and his way to the top of the game with his golden mic and his bullshit artist voice, the greasy podcaster, a.k.a. Mood 616. Next up. We have my hetero soulmate, the man who has officially taken over Dave Z for having the most podcasts on the airways at one time. Double Shot J, also known as Married with Multiple Podcasts. Next, we have the man that was asked to, ho- to guest host on one show and kept coming back and back and back and back again. The Boston Brando, also known as Derek. And finally... We have the man that loves slasher films but hates more than he likes, claims he digs Chud 2 more than the original film, and randomly gets attacked by Nazis while doing live chats on YouTube. He is the retro slasher, also known as Andy Barkley in the motherfucking house. Shia! What's going on, homies? What's up, Yo, man? Happy oh, man. New Year 2017, our first show of 2017, and we have to be big. We have to make it big. We have uh, two guest hosts in the house, including uh, the retro slasher Andy coming back. What's up, dude? What's up, guys? Oh, man. Up, my adrenaline was pumping doing that intro. I can't believe <laughs> I spit it out in one shot, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's a mouthful. <laughs> like that shit, man? Very multiple podcasts? I like that. It was good shit. Yeah, that was funny. It's good, just, man. And What's I going on, keep, guys? I just keep coming back and back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't think any anything, so I was like, uh, that'll be okay though. That'll I'll roll with the coming back and back and back. But you know, I like it, man. We love it. We love having you here, man. You know, with your uh with your opinions and stuff. It's good stuff. Yeah. And Andy, welcome back, man. Welcome back to the show for Welcome back from retirement, man. How many shows <laughs> does this make it now, Andy? Uh this is number three. Number third three. time, nice. Oh, you got the mass time. holes in here tonight. Two mass holes, yeah. Uh. so um yeah before we get into the show because we're not going to piss around tonight guys we got a ton of stuff to get to of course the main event is the top 10 round table but i did just want to plug this really quickly uh we still are having the open contest for episode 100 drop a voicemail telling us your greatest horror film of all time and also drop a voicemail uh that's two separate voicemails uh, the second one telling us just anything you want to say about the show, uh, about it being episode 100, stuff like that. So please do that, and uh, you can do so at 724-426-6665. And, you know, we're, I think we'll probably do a big drawing on episode 101 um, for all the different uh, contests that we have going on and stuff. So yeah, man, lots of prizes. We got lots of prizes to give away. So get your submissions in, your voicemails and stuff, and uh, win some easy prizes, guys. It's all you got to do. Just take like, well, you can't take any more than three minutes on a voicemail. So you know, <laughs> get those in, man. Yeah, but also if you rate us on iTunes, uh, review us on iTunes, that also counts as an entry. And tonight, later on, anybody who sent in a top ten list will also be entered in some of those drawings as well um got nice, a ton nice. of submissions so uh you know thank you for that and good yeah. luck yeah good luck <laughs> all righty man <laughs> yes the this is going to be the uh the year-end show top 10 of 2016 um you know my overall thoughts on the year 
2016, man. I thought this was a very interesting year for myself. It started out really, really slow. I mean, the first six months of the year, seven months were, in my opinion, a little bit lackluster. I mean, I think the majority of the good films that got released, in my opinion, again, were, you know, in the latter part of the year. Um, But, you know, it was a polar opposite year for myself uh, compared to 2015. I thought 2015 was a really solid year, but it was a different type of year in horror. I mean, in 2015, we had, you know, a ton of horror comedies and stuff that kind of, you know, they were all over people's lists and top 10 lists and stuff. This year, in my opinion, um, it's kind of like the year of the drama horror film, in a sense, or films or horror films that were kind of non or kind of borderline non horror and things like that. Uh, not so many horror comedies this year. Uh, no, you know what's funny, Moods, is I also noticed that right before we recorded, I, I was going over our uh, awards section and it was best horror comedy. And I was looking down through my rankings because I rank every film that I watch. So every film that I watched total uh, is is in in that ranking. And I was it took me a long time to see you know a handful of horror comedies. I, mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, I can't believe uh, the lack of horror comedies that that is this year. Um, yeah. What did what did uh, Andy? What did you did you notice any themes or anything this year? Uh well, I uh, say what Moose was saying. I think uh, this year was more of a thought-provoking year in the horror genre. Uh, more serious tone films, uh, mm-hmm. you know, along those lines. So, so basically, in my opinion, this year was like it was more of an actual horror year. Last yeah, year there was yeah. just like, there was a lot of comedic <laughs> yeah, yeah. elements to the horror films. This year, and I literally have it written down to a lot of a lot of thinking horror films. A lot of things you had to sit down and actually think about. They were serious toned. Um, a lot of really kind of uh, kind of almost like a slow burn type year too, and a lot of very slow burn atmospheric horror films that I've seen oh, yeah. this year compared to oh, last yeah. year. Agree and that. one thing that really did surprise me though, because I said many many times, even last year and in, in the beginning of 2016, I said 2015 felt to me like it was kind of like the the resurgence of the slasher film. There was a lot of really solid slasher films that came out last year, and this year I can't even make a top ten. I mean, I'm not saying that there wasn't good slasher films. There was five or six really decent ones, but there wasn't a lot. It was it's like oh, yeah. this year's horror films just kind of got away from those basic slasher films and just wanted to do something a little bit different. And, I, don't, uh, I honestly only saw like one slasher film this year. That's how slow it was for me. Like yeah. uh, slashers. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen a total of like seven <laughs> all mm-hmm. in general. Yeah, It was a big I've step down. A, a handful myself. Uh, one thing that I noticed this year a lot was um, sort of uh, parent-kid relationship horror. I swear, I I seen a, a good a, a good ten or so horror flicks centered around uh, a parent and a child, and yep. I was yep. like, yeah, wow, definitely. this is, yeah, this is interesting. Which which is, you know, to Moods' point, more dramatic. It's a more dramatic yeah, horror yeah. film. Um, whether it was father daughter, uh, stepsister, uh, br- stepbrother in like a motherly type role, or even you know, uh, fa- uh, mother daughter as well. Uh, mm-hmm. son i mean the, the, all the combinations were there <laughs> mm-hmm. did you guys feel that there was a lot of uh you know a lot of foreign films that kind of really stuck out this year the, you know, there was to, definitely yeah. a lot of foreign films mm-hmm. uh in like different countries too like not just like our usual like like you know like france or japan or like korea there was mm-hmm. a lot of those too but there was like also a lot like from like uh 
the central like America, like Turkey and Europe and uh, Spain and like a lot of different other countries too. Yep, absolutely. I, yeah, it's always nice that, to yep. see different uh, countries getting involved in in the horror world. Um, and you know, I don't know if you guys thought that this year was kind of weak early on, but me personally, you know, I went into this year. Um, Actually, I went into this year pretty fast-paced. Like, I, I remember just a couple months in, I already had uh, double of what I watched the previous year. Uh, Same thing, done. man, yeah. And I will say that that didn't keep up. I actually finished worse than I finished last year, which we'll get oh, into wow. how many films we watched in a minute. Uh, but early on, I thought this year was super weak, and I had no interest in it. It was, it was like slogging through <laughs> titles. Like, people, people oh, were... Man. were telling me that it's a good year and i'm like i don't see it i don't see it finally towards the end i did see it i probably watched nothing but good films towards the the last couple months of this uh you know year and i did come around heavily on this year and and in fact rating wise this might be the strongest year in terms of ratings that we've done on this podcast and that includes 1968 2002 and 96 uh, mm-hmm. as well as 2013, 14, and 15. Um, I, I was looking at some of the ratings that I gave from the previous years and the ratings that I gave this year, and I think this might be my highest rated year. I'm not, I didn't do the math to check or anything, but I find that very interesting since I still don't think this year blew me away. Even though I think all the films that I've seen, you know, all my top 10, is arguably better than previous years, to me, the biggest the biggest thing that I didn't like about this year is there was no hype on anything. There was two films that got big hype, maybe three films. And then there was no, there was no other hype. I was mentioning the moods the other day. I remember last year, bone Tomahawk, it follows uh, Goodnight mommy. A girl walks home alone, like spring. People talked about spring and creep for months when they came out. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The films this year, I looked down from my first ranked film to my 20th, 25th ranked film there's there's really no hype around many of these films and that that becomes a problem to me in terms of just my excitement on the year if there's no hype if there's no excitement then i'm just watching good movies which is great it's great to watch good great movies but it doesn't have the same impact as if uh at 2013 and there's the resurgence of the horror franchise with you know curse of chucky and and all these films coming out or like 2000 uh, 15 last year that just had hit after hit in the indie circuit that was just just getting tons of love and and that's my general yeah. thoughts on this year. Listen, I do think it's very solid, but it just didn't have the hype for me. I I saw a few returns this year. I saw the return of like the Fulci Nightmare Logic came in one film that will I I will probably talk about tonight and a few like uh, homages like. A lot of like love letters to Italian cinema again, and uh, also good like character study pieces too. Like certain films had like good like uh, character like pieces and sending on certain characters. And we also saw the return of the True King this year, which I'll probably get in a little bit later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it was. Uh... Yeah, I, I, did, I can't even stress how much I was really having problems with this year until, you know, the latter part of the year. But I'm really glad that uh, that I got to check out the most, you know, the films that I got to check out and stuff, you know, coming back to what we actually, um, well, we might as well tell the fans out there or the people listening that um, 
don't know how many films that we actually got to watch this year. Uh, what did you guys get to watch? How many films did you guys get to see from 2016? Who do you want to go first? Go ahead, Moods. You go first. Uh, I ended up watching 131 films. Damn. Damn. My, last one actually, my, my last one actually beaten today, which I won't lie, was probably the funniest shit I'd seen all year. I, I was laughing from, from the first fucking minute of the film. <laughs> in the film. It was so damn funny. I, uh, yeah, go but, ahead. Yeah, but I have to say the majority of the really great films, the really notable films that I've seen was probably in the last like two months. It's really kind of crazy. Um, but I 100% agree with JP about the uh, the non-hype. It's crazy the amount of good films that came out with no hype. None whatsoever. So, There's certain films that I watched. Either. It really makes me wonder why, though. Why are not, none of these films being talked up before they were coming out? Because with the quality of films that we ended up seeing towards the end of the year, you think there would have been a little bit more buzz about this, you know, just on social media or, you know, just on the Internet or wherever we're, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're tuned with pretty much everything. I never heard uh, some of these films that I saw. I couldn't believe that people weren't talking about them. It really blows my mind, and it kind of scares me a little bit. Are people just not worrying, or are they trying to get away from hyping up things? Because, you know, in the past, you know, sometimes hype can be a bad thing for people. Something's overhyped, and then they watch it, and they go, well, it's not really as good as people were saying it. Are people trying to get away from that because they don't want to scare off people from actually watching a good film? Maybe they can go into it all blind and kind of go, shit, man, I discovered this. This was really damn good. It kind of got me thinking all over the place. I didn't really know what to think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm... So- I'm with you on that. I think that I think that it's a combination of uh, not as strong PR this year. Um, not not it, 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 films just weren't pushed as much. I think before they were released, um, a lot of films had quiet releases that just came out quietly. And hell, it's out like like a film, for example, just out of you know picking a random one, um, Under the Shadow, uh, which was I believe an Iranian film. Iranian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so that film came out and like did anybody know it was out? Right? Yeah, oh. that that's the thing. I mean, I solely watched this movie based on reading a synopsis. I'm not going to lie, man. You would think that that film would have generated more hype be, simply because it's, you know, an uh Iranian film or what I don't know. Well, you know, the the funny thing about <laughs> Under the Shadow is I got the I got the new Rue Morgue magazine the other day and of course it was the year in uh, 2016 year in review. And that movie actually won for best indie film in the magazine. But this is like the first thing I'm hearing about it like after mm-hmm. the year's done. It's yep. like, what? Like where's the hype? Like you got to talk yeah, about something like, like that if it's winning shit. A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, which was a film last year. Yeah. Um similar you know, independent, uh, foreign. I believe they're both from the same country, right? Are they? I be- yeah, I believe so. Yeah, and yeah. It, they're both, yeah, Iranian slash American productions, I think, is what yeah. they are. So yeah. both of those films, very similar in, in you know, what, I guess not the story, but, but you know, both, both quality movies that, that are from the same place. Last year, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night had fucking tremendous hype. You couldn't go anywhere without hearing about that one. That's this right. film snuck, you know, under the shadow, snuck in quietly, and I, I almost missed it. I almost didn't even see it till the I, very I think, end. I think, I think, I know why. Why? This is this is the U.S. distribution of the film. Kino is distributing the hell out of a girl walks home alone. Sony, who is distributing uh, under the shadow, hasn't been talking about it. Okay, so again, comes back to 
the failed sort of uh, push uh, by the the marketing. You know, actually, that's a good point, Derek, because you know, Kino revol or you know, kind of makes a business of putting out you know lesser known films more cult films and things like that sony not so much known for that even though they do at times but they are a bigger they're a bigger product and they have bigger fish to fry like you know they're they're bigger films and stuff like that uh-huh. so they don't really they don't really get the name out there because you know it's just it's just a minor release for them where kino puts that's what they specialize in so that mm-hmm. actually is a really good point you know i mean also the I remember, netflix I remember, effect yeah, the yeah I was thinking that night was on netflix and that is true under yep. the shadow is yep. not. But uh, to continue on here with what Moods asked, he posed a question on how many films we watched this year. I figured I would go next. Um, very funny how, how it ended up. I started off way stronger this year than last year. Like last year, it was November, and I had only seen like five, six movies or something crazy like that. Uh, this year, I was in the like 40s in November. And uh, now I finished, and this is interesting. So last year, my entire, ever, counting all films that I watched, not just 2016, um, all films, I ended up at 250, exactly. This mm-hmm. year, I ended up at 251. So <laughs> I literally watched one more film this year than last year. And then check this out. I ended up at 65 2016 watches this year. Last year I had 64. So I literally wow. beat myself by one on both separate <laughs> things. <laughs> and I didn't even I, I didn't even check to see like oh I better, you know, make sure I beat last year's. Like it literally just happened like that. I thought it was That's fucking funny. hilarious. But so yeah, I watched 65 films this year. Um I do think that I watched you know most of them are probably the best movie movies that came out just for a little example here i have five films actually four films under a five so out of 65 movies only only four of them are under a five wow which you know should speak speak well to to the quality that i was watching what about you andy how many did you get in uh, well, coming off last year, I watched probably about 20 uh, 2015 movies. Uh, I said in the beginning of this year that I would uh, make an effort to watch more. So I ended up with about 57 total, which is that's a big, big difference. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that, that's really solid for somebody who doesn't even have a podcast, <laughs> right? Like you just did that <laughs> for the hell of it. <laughs> yeah. Nice, but, nice. Um, what about you, Derek? 125. 125 really wow crazy yeah my goal my goal this year well actually i never had a goal but i remember brandon saying he watched 119 i was like you know what i can i can beat that so i ended up beating him by 12 but he made a point last year of beating me i think i watched what 140 some niners and he watched 151 but he did it purposely just to beat me so so i'm laughing brandon and fuck you i'm better uh, i'm very glad that uh andy didn't make it to 66 because that would have been pretty awkward if everybody beat me <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the fucking co-host <laughs> how, many, how many films out of your 125 did you have under a five do you figure uh, it doesn't have to be an exact answer but uh maybe like, like six seven maybe wow that's that's crazy what about you f- moods? i definitely had more than that i mean like i said in the first 
half of the year I man there was there was quite a few films I would say probably maybe 2025 still not even, I mean the percentage wise to how much I watched is actually quite low it's probably under 20% of the films but oh wait I wrote it down duh yeah that that that's pretty crazy um I I actually had 15 15 oh, yeah. under 5 yeah, yeah. So I, I not plan- too bad yeah um, just a lot of really solid films. I mean, to be honest, if I was to comp- if we were doing a top twenty list tonight, I think seventeen of my films would be a nine or higher. Wow! So that's yeah, I know, super crazy. It's probably honestly the highest rated year I've ever had too. I mean, even uh, oh, so you and, did agree way, with me that I said that it's arguably the highest yeah, rated year, but might not be the best in my opinion. The, in terms the funny of- thing is I think I had, I had two, t- uh, two 10 out of 10s on my list last year. I don't, I will admit I don't have one this year. Um, but, uh, that's interesting in itself. You know, I had, you know, these films that were so highly rated and then I have, you know, just more nines and things like that. But, uh, mm-hmm. it's just a very, very solid, solid year that it turned out to be. And I'm, I'm quite happy with it. Actually. I'm very yeah. happy with it. Andy, do you know how many under five you had? Uh, just off the top of my head, I don't have my list in front of me, but I have like two, two that I know of for sure. So pretty good. I mean, that, that it's always good when you don't have under fives, right? Like, like so under, under fives five, are bad. You know, super low. Yeah. So that kind of proves, you know, I mean, it depends on what the type of films you're watching too, but, uh, I mean, we were probably all over the place at times, and um, we were all watching Legless Corpse films, oh my. Watching <laughs> <laughs> Legless Corpse, man. Oh, lordy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's right. just get it right there. Um, so, <laughs> kind of to get into a little bit of things that, that um, y- you know, I figured we could talk about before we get into our actual lists here. Um, these are the films that did the best at the box office, the horror films. So, uh, this is the top 100 films, and some of them are horror. So the the first horror film we see pop up on the list is The Witch at 94, which made 25 million at the box office, um, which is, is pretty, pretty good. good considering it had a three million dollar budget and it was an independent film, um, mm-hmm. uh, produced and released by A24 Studios. Uh, the next film is at 92, which is The Forest. Uh, with a 26 million take. Um, and then we don't see another one until Ouija origin of evil, which is at 79. And that took in 35 millions. Uh, then we have the boy at 77, which took in 35 million. So, uh, the boy, I know some people were kind of indifferent on that one, but I liked it a lot. And that is not the, uh, that's the second boy film that came out, like the doll one. Yes. We're talking about... Yeah, okay. Yes. That should should be duly noted because there was two films called The Boy and... uh, Yeah, they were both good. Correct. Uh, The Shallows came in at number 57, made $55 million. Blake Lively. Dude, that chick, I just found out... She's married to Ryan Reynolds? Oh, man. And she's and, and she's the she's kids. so hot, dude. She's... I watched the shallows the other night, and, <laughs> and you know, like I, you know me with my shark film. I love shark film. I just kind of put it off forever. Man, that was entertaining, but like, dude, what's with the ending? <laughs> oh, that's my biggest problem with it. Yeah. Oh my god, the whole movie's believable until the ending. It's like, are you kidding me? That just went all Roger Corman on our asses, man. <laughs> Blake Lively, best part of the movie. <laughs> Um, yeah. So after that, we have uh, number forty-three was Lights Out with sixty-seven million. 
Can't believe Lights Out made that much money. That's pretty pretty interesting. Had a $21 million opening. That's mm-hmm. incredible. Uh, then we have number 42, just one space up. We have uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane, which hit $72 million, uh, which had $24 million opening weekend. Uh, and then two spots up from that, we have Boo of Medea Halloween, <laughs> which made I love seventy-three I million. This on here. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> uh, then we at uh, thirty-six, we have Purge Election Year, uh, which made seventy-nine million dollars. Uh, and then it's a little while before we see another one, uh, which I b- is this actually the best? Yeah, I believe this is actually the last one to pop up on the list, I, I believe, here, um, which is Conjuring 2. Oh, wait, actually, hmm. nope, Don't Breathe was right below that at 31. Don't Breathe made $89 million uh, at the box Don't office. Breathe. And then above that, coming in at the best placement of a horror film was at 26 on the box office, and it was The Conjuring 2 with $102 million. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's. Man, I I, I love on this um the, this solely uh box office just for horror films in 2016. Uh, it just has 27 listed, but I love the last one on the list, <laughs> the one that I have. It says number 27, which is Satanic, and <laughs> it's so funny. It made 252 dollars, and 29 tickets were sold. <laughs> Not bad. Like, like, fucking theater, one theater or something. Yeah, Magnet usually does. Just like, made me laugh so hard. I'm like, that's hilarious. Magnet put that out, right? Yeah, Magnet did. Yeah, yeah. yeah they usually do like a limited, or a very limited release on their. Well, time. very. Li- it must have been one theater. Twenty nine tickets. It was like a <laughs> screening or something. <laughs> I love that. Alright, and uh, moving into stuff. the top selling DVDs here, we have uh the first type of horror film popping up is the Hotel Transylvania DVD, <laughs> which sold three hundred three hundred and five thousand units. <laughs> Sandler. Sandler. Um, That's a game. You know what? And I'm actually one of the I have that. <laughs> I've got Hotel Transylvania. Uh, and then check this out. Stephen King's It, which sold Three hundred and fifty-six thousand units. Damn, really? Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, wow. Kings. It was at fifty-nine. It's crazy shit, man. Which which hmm. kind of makes sense now to me, considering every time I go to any website where it's like most popular, it always seems like Stephen King's It is always up there. Uh huh. See, now this makes me more intrigued about. You know, hearing about Arrow and uh, you know Screen Factory sales. I mean, they're probably the two leading media's in the niche com in, in like the niche world, right? Uh, I'd like to hear what they're selling. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then we have Jurassic World, which is at number forty-one, which sold four hundred and thirty-two thousand units. Yeah. Um. Then we have Goosebumps at number twenty, which sold six hundred and thirty-two thousand units. Hmm. Damn. Uh, the Revenant, if that counts at all, sold nine hundred and sixty-one thousand units. Is that, is that the Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Hotel Transylvania two, one million units. Uh, then we had The Martian, which was one point one million units. Uh, and then like the next thing, remotely horror, I guess would be uh, the Hunger Games: Mocking Jay Part Two, which was one point two million units. And those are the DVDs. 
uh, Blu-rays have a separate list. Wow. Huh. 1.2 million in DVD sales. Yeah. Who says DVDs are fucking falling well, off? Stephen man. King's Stephen King's is like five dollars, like in any like store. Yeah. So that makes that's sense. crazy, <laughs> man. Like, you're going, you're, you're selling like platinum fucking <laughs> DVDs. By the way, I'm getting these numbers from thenumbers.com. I, I have not like fact checked any of this stuff. Uh, anyway, moving on to Blu-rays, number seventy-three, Aliens, with one hundred and twenty-six thousand units. Damn. So what? Aliens still, <laughs> still so, selling well. <laughs> I, that's what I'm saying. That's crazy, man. Uh, Blu-rays, uh, also Ten Cloverfield Lane sold 192,000 units. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah. So, um, Goosebumps sold 373,000 units. 263,000 units. Jack Black's just killing those fucking sales. Yeah, right. <laughs> Fucking Jack Black. Um, Hotel Transylvania 2, 698,000 units. Um, And that's kind of more the same right there. It's like Hunger Games and stuff like that. Um, So, uh, you know, this list that I got, uh, I've always been very iffy on on these lists. That's why we've never talked about them before, but I heard some other podcasts doing it this year. So I figured I would try it. But I've always been really iffy on these lists because I don't know where they're getting this data from. Because when I get data, I like to fact check it. And if I can't find a way to fact check it, then I usually don't trust it. Yeah, where are they getting it from? Like Target, Amazon, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's very interesting, though. But, um, yeah, so I would always – I would be curious to see what – if a title like, you know – the Fantastic Four sells ninety five thousand units. Oh God! What does a title like, <laughs> uh, you know, um, fucking one of Vincent Price's movies that Scream Factory puts out? Like, how many units does that sell? Twenty thousand, ten thousand, fifteen thousand? I don't know because they're like fifty dollars, aren't they? For the sets. Well, I mean, I just I was just talking about a random. Oh thing. yeah. Oh okay. Yeah, I was actually thinking about it, like. <laughs> I've always wanted to know, man. I, I wish they would. I mean, obviously, they would never release the numbers, but it'd be curious. I, you know, it'd be interesting to find out. Because I mean, yeah. Screen Factory obviously is selling. I mean, I, you know, I, the thing I'm actually curious about is the IFC titles. The, I bet you those it's, are their best sellers. Yeah, I think they're in the stores. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's crazy. I, I bet, know. I bet, but even then, right? Like, you're looking at a title like Finding Nemo, which sells 102,000 units. Does The Witch, The Witch, oh, I didn't see The Witch on here, which sold 119,000 units. So, look at a film like The Witch, had a theatrical release in Walmart. Does it sell, it sells 100,000 units, 119,000 units. Well, what, like, what would a IFC title sell? Half that? 50,000 units at Walmart? Depends if it's on sale or not. Uh, yeah. I don't think that matters that much, though. Because they are all, they all come out at the same price. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. But the witch, the witch was one of those ones that was like on sale on Black Friday everywhere. So I wonder how many of those numbers were raised because of Black Friday. True. True. True, true. true. Yeah, I don't know. And how many? How many? How many people were uh, bought the witch because Dave Z held them at gunpoint? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. We I guess we'll never really know until we see like official numbers. But I just thought that was interesting to kind of talk about really briefly. Um, and 
you know, before we get into our actual top ten lists, uh, does anybody have any any sort of uh, final things to say about the year? It was a fun year. It was, I had fun with it. It was like like Mood said earlier. It was very slow in the beginning. Then it picked up at the end. Very a lot of really solid films at the very end of the year. Yeah, I I say it super, uh, surpassed my expectations. I thought it was going to be a down year after all these franchises pulled out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the franchises yeah. definitely pulled out, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Moods, you have anything to fi- final thoughts on on the year before we go into our top ten? Anything else you want to say that we didn't talk about? No, I don't think so, man. I think I covered it all. You know, it was it was the year of the non-comedy film, man. That was my that was one of the biggest thing I noticed. All right. So, so. Uh, the final thing that I wanted to note is how we actually decide these films. Uh, we take anything that has a theatrical wide that's a wide theatrical release, VOD or media, meaning DVD and Blu-ray, Region One. In the year of 2016, so from from January 1st till December, what is it? 31, 31st. Yeah. 31. Uh, anything that gets released in between those days of 2016 counts. So that's VOD. Because mm, yeah. VOD is wide. That's a wide release, wide theatrical yeah. or home video. Because home videos wide release too that means that the average joe can see it if the average joe can see it then that's what it all comes down to here. yeah so we don't we didn't count things like the black coat's daughter because uh or february whatever you want to call it because that film although was supposed to have a release never actually had an official release it only had a festival circuit release so that's why i tried so hard to convince dave and brandon to not put it on their list um but you know they had their reasons why they did um, they, covered it, they, they covered it on their <laughs> show, which is understandable. It is understandable but that they would want that, that it would be weird if they didn't say anything about it. Um, and then film like Clown, for example, a lot of people were having that on their top ten list. That didn't count for us this year because it did have a VOD release last year. Um, a couple other films that di- that didn't count for us this year um, was uh, what was it? Um, in the deep did count because technically it did have a release even though it was pulled. Uh, do you guys know of anything that didn't count for us this year that we wanted to kind of get off our chest? <laughs> uh, the Hollow because it had a release last year. Okay, modes. Well, that was the only one because I remember us discussing that before, and yeah, I was kind of pissed off the, about the Hollow. <laughs> yeah, we discussed a, a certain film too that I had issues with on a previous Skype session, so we're all good. All right, so because, yeah. Oh, we play that up. yeah. Uh, so that's if if you're wondering why you didn't see a certain release, it had to have had one at least of those three things that we mentioned within this calendar year. Um, so that's why you did won't see stuff like Black Coat's Daughter, um, but you will see it next year. The similar thing happened to us with the battery a couple years ago. It ended up not on a list at all because we didn't know that it came out. Uh, a year before and that's similar to what's happening with clown right now for us because we didn't know that it was released last year and then it was mm-hmm. too late to use it this year just to kind of say though clown would have made my list last year for sure um so <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh with that said uh i believe Definitely. i believe that's it uh we can get into the actual top 10 now 
Yes. Yeah. All right, so who wants to go first? Who wants to volunteer? Uh, Fuck it, I'll do it. All right. Okay. All right, Eric, sounds good. What is your number 10? Number 10. I have a film that might be a little higher on some other people's list. I'm not sure. I have the film Darling from this year. Nice. Very interesting film. I saw it early in the year. I got to revisit it. It kind of lowered a little bit, but I still enjoyed like the atmosphere and like the black and white setting. This film has like a lot of like great homages to like Roman Polanski's like the Tenet series, like Rosemary's Baby, uh, Repulsion, and of course the Tenet. And it has like amazing performance by the lead actress in it, Ashley Lynn Cotter. Who does a phenomenal job in her role, and a lot of like good like uh, character actors in this one too. Of course, uh, Sean Young and Larry Fessenden make appearances too, which of course they start in Jug Face with Ashley Lynn Cotter also. So it was really cool to see their faces and their interaction, and I see like this group of people working together as actors again. Uh, but I really enjoyed like uh, like the setting and like how the story dwelled in the atmosphere from the black and white. It was really interesting. And I just like how the whole film was set up, and I give it like a 8.5 out of 10. That's my final rating on that one. Nice. Nice. Um, nice. How about, how about we go with moods next? All right, man. Coming in at number 10, 2016, is a Spanish film by the name of Sergio... Sergio? I don't know how to actually fully pronounce <laughs> it. Sergio Diabolico. Sergio Diabolico. Nice. Yeah, man. I really, really enjoyed this film, man. Adrian Garcia Bagalano, man. This guy seems to be putting out nonstop credible horror films in the last few years, man. I mean, he is slowly becoming like one of my favorite directors, man. The dude just kills it with everything. Um, Of course, a couple years ago, he put out Late Phases. He did Here Comes the Devil, uh, Penumbra, Cold Sweat. He did Late Phases? All right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you know he did thirty six steps. He's done a lot of really credible horror Cold films. Sweat, yeah, yeah, and like you know, film like horror films, man, really good stuff. Uh, this one right here, man, Sergio Diabolico. Um, I I just love the preface, man. Like this guy that's just kind of down on his luck, man. He's just getting passed over at work and shit like that, and then just kind of snaps, man. You know, he just kind of starts taking it out. He kidnaps this girl and kind of takes it out on her and things, and then shit kind of goes haywire from there i like this whole premise man but it's the way the film is executed and the performances really sell this film off as being like totally awesome it's totally awesome it just comes Mm -hmm. off as being so great and that's what really in a film like this you need to have great performances and that's what you got the direction was awesome i love the ending of the film was fantastic it just never faltered me you know, and it's funny because the very first thing I heard about this film is that it was considered like a comedy horror film. I think this more, movie's more horror. It's got dark humor in it yeah. at times, but it's not a fucking comedy. I, I read one review that someone said that it was like more of a comedy. I'm like, no, it's definitely not. You know, a lot of these type of films have dark humor in them. So don't read that bullshit or don't read into that bullshit. But uh-huh. uh, Sergio Diabolical, man, it's executed right from the opening scene to the end perfectly in my opinion man it's really really good and uh that's why that's why i made the list and you know like i said before i had a lot of nines and that's what i give this one i give this one a nine out of ten so i had kind of had to pick and choose what i was putting here in the 10 spot and uh that's what made it check it out man it's great 
you're gonna have to read it It is subtitled so (laughs) interesting that's actually one of the films that i did not get to see um i had i had a handful of foreign films on my list that that i never got to see towards the end and that was one that i just decided not to go with um i was kind of putting off a lot of the foreign films because uh just my schedule that i was working and stuff i was i was so tired when i was getting home and i didn't want to have to fucking read read <laughs> this one of the last ones i watched oh was it andy so you did see yeah. this one did everybody else see this one derek yes all right um interesting though i will put it on my short list since it since it did make your top 10 um usually <clears throat> i think pretty much always i go back and watch everybody's top 10 list after after the year's over but um go ahead andy you want to go next all right, so coming into my number 10 spot, I actually had to change it because a previous mentioned film doesn't count for this year, uh, that being the Black Coast Dollar. So I came down to uh, two different films here, and ultimately I went with this one because I personally found it more entertaining. And this is just going to prove how different each one of our lists are probably going to be. And my number 10 film goes to uh, the Bunny the Killer Thing. Whoa! <laughs> yes. Oh man, just just such a good, entertaining, fun <laughs> film, man. I literally never laughed so hard watching a film in my life. Um, it's best it's best going into it not knowing much about it, uh, so you won't be surprised. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But uh, it's definitely a good film. I definitely recommend everybody checking out. It's not a film though for everybody. Uh, if you don't like like sex comedy and stuff like that, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's definitely a film that you should check out if you're like that kind of humor. And it it literally has one of the most bonkers third acts I've ever seen in a film too. Totally. Like things, things <laughs> oh, just yeah. start happening and you're like, what the fuck? This is crazy, man. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a great ride. It's, it's a great fucking ride. hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I just, I just, that's another one that I, I, I had it on the queue and I was like, should I really give this one a shot? Is it, I have a chance to make my top 10. That's and a future I, I didn't ne- think that it did, so I just skipped out that's on a, it. That's, that's a future Netflix and chill show. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's actually not a bad idea. I might have to do that. Is it on Prime? Oh, my gosh. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think it it's on be. Prime. I think it was on Prime. Maybe it's on Prime. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you rate that, Andy? Uh, I'd, I'll give it an 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10 for Bunny the Killer Thing. Oh man, that was a, that was a hype film that I had just because it looked so ridiculous when exploitation announced it. Unfortunately, he got that shitty release. Um, yeah. But you know, rounding out the tens here, that the number ten, uh, I have my number ten, which could potentially surprise a lot of people where it is. But uh, I'm gonna go ahead and announce my number ten spot as Train to Busan. Uh, mm, this was, nice. I believe, a South Korean film. <laughs> Oh my god. South uh, Korean? Is this South Korean? Yeah. Alright, South yeah. Korean train to Busan. Um this is when I was watching it, I was like, this is what World War Z was supposed to be. Right? <laughs> like this this is kind of like the 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 mega scale disaster film that, that World War Z was trying to be. Only this film did it oh. a little bit better. Um yeah. And this was a this was a very entertaining, solid watch from front to back. It keeps you captivated. Um, you're really, really feeling uh, the situation that this father and his daughter are in, and it has very emotional high and low points. Um, my my biggest only complaint with that film, why it didn't rank higher, was there were so many like cliched like action moments that I can't stand. 
and and it was actually taking me out of the film at certain points. Uh, just as an example, there's a character who's under uh, a train and it's it's coming, you know, it's it's like tilted and there's all kind of zombies or infected, whatever you want to call them, on the inside of the train. And the windows are slowly cracking and, and wouldn't yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what happens? All the windows crack at once and the guy gets swarmed. Like, like stuff like that annoys me. It's like, why would all the windows crack at once when you just showed that the, that previously that they don't, they're not all connected. You know what I mean? Like, it's just that action type moment mm-hmm, that I hate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot yeah. of that in this film. Uh, it, it, but if you, it, you know, some people love that stuff. I don't, I actually hate it. Uh, so that was the only problem I had with this film. Otherwise, it was very, very good. Um, you know, very well acted. The performances were good. The little girl was great. There was a there was a duality there where it came to like, should we be banding together or should we be fighting for ourselves? Um, I'm usually the type of person that would be like, I think I should fight for myself. Um, and it turns out in this movie that it, it seems like it should be more, we should band together. But then there were a few moments where it's like, well, if you would have looked out for yourself, that wouldn't have happened. So I don't know. I don't know. It, it's, it's that duality that's constantly there when you're talking about these survival situations, these zombie films like this, these infected films, whatever you want to call it. Um, but the scale of this film is huge and the story's good. And, and there's some tense moments. Um, there's also some very like sort of, um, black comedy that that maybe some viewers might not catch um at least i assume it was uh, supposed to be comedy uh but train to basan uh gonna go ahead and give that one an 8.5 out of 10 for my number 10 spot nice nice nice. q okay it goes back to me now yes sir all right number nine you guys ready for this one (laughs) american guinea pig blood shock Wow. I followed, I followed this film through like its early stages. I funded with the old Indiegogo. I didn't see your name in the fucking credits. <laughs> yeah, we uh, talked about this before. I didn't see your yeah. name in the credits. Is it in there? It's not. It's probably just a mishap from whoever typed the credits. Uh, is but... it, though, or did you actually donate? No, he I donated. Don- I donated. Yeah. I so wait, hold up, hold up. We need to get Marcus Koch on the phone and figure I out mean, where Mark- your goddamn Mark- name is. Oh, so I've been told by Dan Ellis it's actually Cook. <laughs> it's Marcus Cook. Well, that's told dumb. By- he should just spell his name the right way to begin with, and we wouldn't have that problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was told by to Marcus. <laughs> that was Marcus Cook by himself. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no. Derek's got the uh, the Indiegogo edition of Bloodshock too, don't you? Yeah, I have a sign yeah. by Burrow yeah. and Cock. I mean, Cook. I see, <laughs> Kyle's <laughs> name was the very first name that popped up. How about that? I know. That's funny. I know. <laughs> That's hilarious. Funny. And he doesn't even do reviews anymore. He said he, he wanted does. to come back eventually. He's going to do Facebook reviews like he did for Observance. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best shit ever. Sounds like me. <laughs> But getting into American Guinea Pig Bloodshock, if when I was first getting into this film, I was hearing a lot of mixed things like uh, from like the festival circuit and people that saw in like the festivals, and of course the, the thing that uh, the first uh, bouquet of gore and blood like is it going to be like the same stuff or because you know a lot of people have mixed feelings on that film, 
this film is a totally different like film and like style and sense of like the way it is told. It's more about like uh, the physical and mental stability of pain through uh, our main character of Dan Ellis, and he does a terrific job and performance in this film as this guy who's going through like all these experiments through like this mad scientist and weird like sort of scenes and i like the black and white aspect of this the black and white in this film reminds me of like uh i was telling moods this uh in our talkings about the film like uh it was filmed a lot like uh japanese cyberpunk the subgenre of that like like tessio the iron man and uh rubber's lover which i know marcus because i talked to him on the horror amino chats he was actually a big fan of like cyberpunk films so i he took that like filmmaking style and used it to his advantage with like this stylistic setting and this film has it works for its uh, abilities with the gore because it has like a lot of like good atmospheric scenes with its gore but it's not a lot of like full-blown gore like the first film was it's very subtle and it takes doses because then it goes from like uh the padded room back to the experiment table back to the padded room and you just feel for this guy's pain, and you're wondering what's going on with him throughout it. And then it has like this amazing ending that I really enjoyed and was very shocked. And it has this tantalizing were you blood shocked? I, I was just gonna say, were you blood shocked? Yeah, <laughs> I was blood shocked. They got me. <laughs> they so, got me. I was blood shocked. They got me. So I really. Wait, wait. Yeah, I mean, it, it completely makes sense, though, man. I, I never even caught on to the uh, the cyberpunk thing, but it does, man. All those films like Tetsio and uh, uh, Rubber's Lover, it, you know, those things were shot in black and white. It does kind of make sense that, you know, he took that style from there and just kind of incorporated into there. I never even really even put two and two together, to be honest. So It's not as weird as those films, too. Oh, though. it's definitely not as weird. But the thing I like about this film compared to uh, Bouquet of Guts and Gore is that this one kind of it breaks itself a little bit, you know, between the the psychological elements and the physical abuse, you know, in the first film, it's just, it's straight up torture, man. <laughs> you know, this one is just like, it's balls to the wall torture. This one kind of gives you those breaks and it allows you to kind of absorb things and think about what's actually going on and, and almost, and almost create, you know, while I was watching, I was like, man, I think this movie is a big metaphor for, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. and uh, and I was coming up with like all these kind of ideas and, and things like that. And and that's interesting in a film like this, because you generally wouldn't, you know, sit there and, and be able to think about, you know, what is this movie projecting on a bigger scale? And I was coming up with all these ideas and thoughts and premise, you know, premises of, uh, you know, these metaphors and shit. And I don't know. I mean, who knows if they're right or correct? It doesn't really matter. But I took a lot from the film. Yeah, you and know what? Ending, um, I was... ending was really shocking to me, and I was fucking. I literally shut the movie off and went, "Damn, that's really good, <laughs> really uh, good." Like it's crazy. I think I wish more people give it a shot because if you're thinking it's exactly like American, uh, you know, the first one, it's not. It's it's a lot different. And it, I have to admit, though, I was expecting it to be a gory mess because of Marcus Cook, <laughs> Marcus Cooks. <laughs> Uh, fucking, you know, being an effects artist, that's what he's mostly known for. He's worked yeah. on the films. Like, I mean, he's directed four or five full-length films, but, you know, him, you know, being so established as a makeup artist and effects artist, I was expecting it to be crazy, crazy amounts of gore. It, it's it's more a ton lines. of gore. What are you talking about? There was a no, ton there, of gore. No, there is a ton of gore, but I mean, you know, I mean, compared to the first one, it was, it was a lot lesser. Uh, and okay. I heard that from a lot of 
people that it was one of the biggest complaints like man this one didn't have any gore and you know the black and white elements of the film took away from the whole uh you know the whole aspect of the blood and gore because it doesn't really it doesn't have that same effect and i was like that's bullshit it it had the same effect to me because if you look at the film the way it's presented to you and the way you're supposed to look at it it's quite effective yeah i i think that um it was much better than it deserved to be and i don't mean to sound like a dick when i say that but i'm just saying like these films the guinea pig films were not really like like serious movies almost like the first one's like a 15 like isn't the first one like super short and it's like uh the asian guinea pig ones it's like super short and it's just this girl being like bound and tortured and yeah, then some like 60 minutes or something like that yeah, but like yeah 60 no- minutes like they're not they're not they shouldn't require thought is what i'm saying and and like you said there was a little bit more to this one um than somebody might think and especially myself right like like to me these aren't really the type types of movies that i go after um and i ended up actually enjoying it as well and i thought that it actually was way better than than anybody would probably think including myself. i like what steve i like what steven's doing with this series because he just took the first film as like a homage to the original and he's doing his own thing with it like the next one's gonna be a possession film mm-hmm. yeah i'm but actually it's... starting to sort of be interested in this little franchise yeah because it's gonna be like a whole like different thing but they might go back to like what the first film was of course and like some of the further sequels, who knows? Well, in the original but, uh, guinea pig franchise, I mean, fuck, dude, what is it like? The third and fourth, they're like straight up comedies. Mm-hmm. You know, they have the most different tone than the original, uh, the first yeah. ones and stuff. Yeah, they yeah. got like super comical and stuff. So I'm kind of hoping that they don't do that with this one. But I like the f- aspect of them doing something like a possession film. I mean, that's completely yeah. out of left that, field and different. So you know, like if they're on doing that in these films, like indie actress, she's a really yeah. good indie actress. So I'm very looking forward to. Plus, you got like Jim Van Beber in a role as a priest, so who mm-hmm. knows? Mm-hmm. But uh, like I was gonna say, like when Marcus Cook is his films, uh, he uh, I actually reviewed all three of his previous films on my YouTube channel, like beforehand, like when I first started YouTube. And there's this film called Fell that he did, which is very in the same vein as this, very psychological, very mental. Uh, it goes into the mentality of its characters. And this film dwells more into that than like a hundred tears would, you know what I mean? So what, yeah, did, yeah. You, what did you rate this? I give this one a nine out of 10. I, I rated it a little higher when I first rated it, but I was high on painkillers at the time because when wait, I reviewed wait, it, wait, you mean nine <laughs> out of 10 isn't the high rating? No, I, no, I originally Jesus rated Jesus Christ. N- enough said. Whose turn? <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's my turn, right? Okay, so coming in at number nine, and this is, man, uh, seriously, a uh, little bit of a spoiler alert, but this is kind of the, the surprise of the year for myself. Um, this is a film that uh, that obviously has been talked about for a long time, and I didn't really know what to expect from it because I was expecting super, super type indie film and being, you know, good, you know, a decent, decent film. But what I got was an overwhelming, wow, that's, I mean, for lack of a better term, I was just like, damn. Uh, The film in question here is The Barn. Wow. This movie was really, really spectacular, man, on all levels. This is honestly one of the best Halloween films of all time. I'm going to say that right there. This is honestly one of the best written 
and executed horror films of recent memory. And this is an indie film, you got to remember. Um, but it does it very well. There's so much damn good script in this film, and so much so much mythology behind all the characters that are in this film and stuff. It's it's simply about a group of friends that were, uh, you know, basically going to this concert and they stop off at this small town. And you know, there's this whole legend about the barn and you know all these characters and things like that. And if you go and knock on the barn, it'll kind of set this evil free, and then you know you'll kind of be fucked kind of deal. And that's essentially what happens, and it sets off these characters. But, um. What we get here is a lot of mythology and a lot of really clever writing how these characters that you're introduced to, like the the monsters, um, how they work together and, you know, combine with the mythology of Halloween and the main character's ideas of Halloween. Because our main character in this film is someone that's obsessed with Halloween and he's got his own set of rules and stuff. And he need, essentially has to use his own rules to kind of beat these monsters and stuff mm-hmm. and it's really fantastic how they did this man it's really fucking cool like you got hollow jack you got uh, the boogeyman and you got um the candy corn uh the candy corn scarecrow <laughs> and these are these three monsters that are that are you know set free from this barn and then they go and terrorize and do their thing and stuff but how they do it you know like hollow jack is got a pumpkin head and you know he can basically he can't see you know, just, you know, on his normal body, but his eyes are all the pumpkins around the neighborhood. So, and shit like that. And in like how everything kind of interconnects with itself, really, really well written. It's, um, it's set in 1989. So it kind of has this eighties feel, but it's one of these feel, one of these movies that doesn't have to constantly remind you that it's from the eighties and stuff. It's just naturally done. And it feels like the eighties. And, uh, my really, my only complaint about the film some of the acting at times kind of falters itself, but it's really easy to overlook because it's so entertaining. It's very well paced, really good story, really, really amazing story. Um, it was a fucking massive surprise. Like I, I literally finished the film and I wanted to watch it again. I just, I was literally going to watch it again if it wasn't so late at night. And it's very seldomly done you know, with films. I mean, we're always trying to watch as many films as we can, but, um, I wanted to watch this one back to back. It was that good. It was so much fun. Um, Really, really great idea. Uh, Music was fantastic in the film all over the place. Really fantastic soundtrack. I thought it was shot really well, edited really well too. You know, for an indie film, the transitions and everything was really well done Uh, and not really a lot of plot holes and stuff. You know, I mean, obviously things that you're going to have to kind of set yourself away from a little bit because, you know, it's a, kind of a monster film a little bit but uh um but it's like a monster film slash slasher film with amazing mythology awesome couldn't really? recommend this one enough it's just fantastically done damn this you post man yeah <laughs> really great forward to this one this one is gonna make a great uh halloween companion from years to come uh mark my words on that i think once more people get the chance to see this film they're really gonna enjoy it man really really enjoy it uh yeah, it's awesome. I, I'm just thinking about the third actor now. It's really good stuff. But nine out of ten, uh, definitely check out the barn. It's it's really really fantastic. It's fun. Wow, that's uh that's interesting because uh, the barn is produced by uh, you know Pittsburgh natives, like like made by Pittsburgh natives, and it was actually you know I've seen it in a few spots, like little advertisements for it and stuff like that, like even locally. And um, one of the drive-ins that we go to uh, two times a year, uh, they was doing a screening of it um, a couple back in like October, I think. And I, they they would always show the trailer. And honestly, like I just I thought it was co- look, cool looking, 
but I just didn't think that it was going to be that good. So I just, I, w- I mean, it's a far trip anyway, but I, I, it, that wasn't solely why I didn't go see it, but it just didn't sell me enough to, to go way out of my way to go see. But, uh, now I guess I will see it. <laughs> so, uh, damn, damn me. I can't wait till, I can't wait till my DVD comes in tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Mine should be here this week. <laughs> I was like, so fucking pissed. You kind of hyped me on it, man, because like I had no, I had very little hype for it, and I, it did pop up on one other person's list. Um, that, oh, that, really? That sent them in, yeah. The the listener submissions that we had, it, it popped up on one list, I think. I think I know two. who it was. And um, I wonder if a lot of people didn't get a chance to see it because I think if more people got a chance to see this film, they would probably think a little bit different. I, I, you might have saw it on more lists. Do I you think, know because... if Brandon and Dave and those guys got to see it? No, you know I never actually asked. I was going to actually ask Brandon if he'd seen it or not, but uh, no, no, I did ask. But no, Brandon didn't see it. Brandon didn't see it because those those guys kind of seen everything this year. You know, they did a really mm-hmm. good job. Um, so, so if they didn't see it, ha 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 ha. <laughs> they might have slipped one in there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, go ahead, Andy. All right. So coming at number nine is one of these films that. Uh, number nine is the green room. Uh-huh. Uh, it's kind, room. kind of relatable now to me, I guess, since Nazis are after me, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I did say I, that. <laughs> overall, overall, I thought it was just like a fantastic. Uh, I don't know what kind of horror film you would label it as. Survival. Yeah, just just really well done. Uh, it's actually pretty scary to me. I couldn't imagine being trapped inside a uh, bar with Nazis trying to kill me. Uh, but it's a fantastic film. That's really all I have to say about it. Alright, so we got The Green Room. What was your rating on that? It's an 8. What was it? 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. Nice. Alright. So back, coming back. to oh, me. Okay, uh, so my number nine is another foreign film, actually. Uh-huh. Um, this one also, I believe, from South Korea. Not sure, but I think. Uh, it is The Wailing. Nice. Is this from South Korea, guys? I'm bad with it. It is. Locations. Yep, it is. Okay. It is. <laughs> so The Wailing. Man, this movie was just just very unique, dude. Like It just oh, didn't, dude, it didn't have... Uh, it didn't have like a beat for beat like any time like the whole time I'm like what the fuck is like this you know and that's good that's good to have in a film. Um, this film uh, has so many like cool aspects, but uh, of like you know things that we know in America, but it also has it has a nice twist on it where it, it seems like um, there might be a cultural disconnect with certain things. And actually, I did hear um, I believe Elric from the uh, Shockwaves podcast. Uh, he talked that when he's seen it, I believe he's seen it with people who were from Korea, South Korea. And some of the things that they interpreted was like sort of different than what we we did. Like they kind of knew more about the mythology. It was like common things to them. So it's like there's it seems like it has a ton of like interesting things that that we might not pick up on in it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my, my only complaint on this one, really, you know, I know you shouldn't really have complaints on a top 10 list, but, uh, I, I just felt like this one was just, just fucking too long, man. It, it just really was for me. Um, I think it clocks in at like two, two and a half, 
you know what? Honestly, man, I 100% agree with you on that one. I mean, it's not very often we watch a, you know, a horror film that's two and a half hours. But, uh, you know, considering the simplistic, almost simplistic storyline that, that's presented to us, I mean, it's not overly confusing or anything. But, you know, you probably could have, you know, done it within 120 minutes. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, you know it's, it's just two it hours and 36 minutes, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but I will I will say, though, man, one thing about the whaling that really kind of intrigued me because it's been minor complaints on films like Krampus and other things like that, where the tonal switch is kind of kind of jar me to the point dollar in the jar. Uh, they kind of um, they kind of throw me on the left field a little bit with the tonal switches. This film right here at first, I wasn't 100 percent sure if it was supposed to be a comedy or not. The first like, you know, 30, 35, 40 minutes of the film where we're mm-hmm. getting introduced to all of our characters and stuff. There's a lot of comedic elements to the especially with our main character, who's the cop. And, uh, you know, I wasn't really 100% sure where this thing was actually going to go, um, if it was going to keep that same comedic elements going on. But I love the way they developed the character because they show the lighthearted side of them. And I really understood by the end of the film why they did it because it really kind of – it's a nice companion piece. You know, you show the lighter heart, lighter side of this guy. You know, he's found the guy, blah, blah, blah. He's kind of goofy and stuff. He's a cop. But when shit needs to go or when shit starts going down – he becomes that real cop and he becomes real serious and stuff like that. And I thought the tonal switch in the film was done perfectly. Unlike Krampus, this is a way better film. Um, and they did it properly, even though the running time is a little bit too damn long. I think it's an amazing film. It's an amazing film with a really cool third act. Yeah. So, you know, one thing that I will say about, you mentioned the third act, I feel like this film almost throws away the three act, uh, narrative that we're used to and kind of just does its own thing like it it, it really doesn't feel like a three-act film you know what i mean it, it feels yeah. like it, yeah. it kind of has more acts maybe because two and two hours and 36 minutes but um it just it just feels very weird like i love the mythology like the concept of like this stranger coming into this little quaint village and and like wrecking havoc it kind of reminded me a little bit of like uh uh, Stephen King's Storm of the Century and and certain other things, um, great like sort of um, exorcism stu- type stuff in this one. Uh, I, you know, honestly, even though it is a very long movie, it's very hard to critique it and say like that. There's a ton of bad things about it. It's it's terrifying at times. It's got it's got tense moments. It's it's really good. You know, uh, I give yeah. it an eight point five out of ten. Yeah, nice, nice. 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 Derek. Okay. Back to me. And number eight, I have the witch. Clickety clackety. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I just, New England horror, one of my favorite subgenres of horror, of course. Look how unbiased he's being around. <laughs> New England. He's like, this is number eight. <laughs> so. You know, it's a really good film. It has a lot of, like, great atmospheric moments in it. I love, like, the characters of uh, uh, the main girl in the film. I can't think of her name off the top of my head. I should have wrote notes on her name. But uh, I really enjoy her performance in the film. And the dwelling of her character throughout with her family going through, like, this madness that ensues throughout it. I really enjoy, like, a... how uh, we get to meet like uh, Brandon's lover there, Black Philip, uh, and how he uh, dwells into the story and what he really is in the story. But I'm not going to really, if no one has seen the film yet, which of course, if Dave Z 
was on this, he probably fucking made everyone go see it by gunpoint by now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a really well-made film. It has one little nick in it that I can't get past, and it's the very end of the film that has my little set grades of problems. But it's still a really well-made atmospheric film. So I'm going to give it a solid 9 out of 10. Yeah. Nice. All right. The witch. Moods. All right. So coming in at number eight is a, um, I think this is, what is it? Uh, I think it's actually an Argentinian film. Mm -hmm. It's an Italian film uh, released by Unearthed Films and it's Francesca. Finally, a movie I've seen that moods lists. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was I was starting to get scared. I was like, "Oh shit!" Like seriously, am I not going to see his entire top ten? <laughs> yeah, th- this movie right here actually blew my socks off. I I couldn't believe it, man. I think if you showed this film to the average film goer, they would honestly believe this one was made in the seventies. Yeah, th- that's there's how no hell. way. Like, I wanted to almost test that theory on uh, my friend from work, the one that I do the new podcast, the uh, Netflix yeah, show. Yeah. I just uh-huh. plugged that, plug that in there real quick. But, you know, I was going to test that, and I, I 100% guarantee she thinks it's from the 70s. Oh, I wouldn't – I wouldn't even question it for sure, for sure. Um, you know, it's uh, – yeah, it's like a, a freaking Argentinian uh, giallo film. It, it's really, really crazy, man. You know, it's so well executed too. Yeah. In style and in story. I actually read one brief review where they said, Francesca is everything you want from an Italian giallo. It's a great love letter. It's done to a T, except for the acting is too good. <laughs> it actually kind of made me laugh. And, you know, I was like, wow, that's that's funny. I mean, because that's kind of one thing that, you know, Italian films are known for not really having the greatest acting sometimes in their films and stuff. But this one just has it all, man. It has that very kind of simple story. Um that are, you know, these detectives are trying to solve this story or solve this case about this missing girl. And then, you know, there's a lot of twists and turns and shit in this one and stuff. Great soundtrack. But it's just the way it's filmed and edited, the music, everything. It's so fucking good. It even has creepy ass dolls in it. I mean, you can't go wrong with this film, man. It's just really fantastic stuff, man. Uh, watched it a couple times. And, um, you know, the second time around, I was looking for you know, things that would kind of give it away that, you know, it wasn't set in the seventies and I can't find anything, man. The set pieces used, the locations, everything, the clothes. Yeah. It's just really well done. This is a really good, I don't, I don't really like to use the word homage. This, I think it's just him. He's a big fan of Italian giallos and this is, you know, his, his film, you know, this is what he's doing. So, um, I couldn't recommend it enough. My only gripe on this film and the reason why it's a little bit lower on the, on my, on my list is the fact that the very end is kind of unbelievable a little bit to me. And, you know, it doesn't ruin the film at all because it's just, it's such a great overall product that it's my one little minor gripe. I'm, I obviously can't say anything, but uh, that was one thing that just kind of like, what really? Like, no, I don't know about that. I'm still a little bit unsure about it, but um, I think it's great. I, I think this INDB rating of five out of 10 is just ridiculous, but uh I mean, maybe it's a lot yeah. of people that don't watch Giallo's or rating this film. I don't know, but I couldn't recommend this one enough, man. If you're a big fan of 70s films, Giallo's Italian style, check this out. This is very, very unique. You don't come across a film like this very often that is that representative of 
its um, genre that it's trying to mimic. You know, it's it's unbelievable. It, it really is actually unbelievable and stuff. So, uh, nine out of ten, Francesca. The ending a little bit, a uh, little bit of problems with, but uh, overall, a really fantastically done film. Um, I can't wait to see what he does next, man. I mean, this is the second film that I've actually reviewed. Oh, I already I know what he's doing next. He's doing an eighties, like a full blown slasher next. Nice. What the water's <laughs> left behind? Huh? The water's left behind? Yeah, it's a slasher film. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah, his first film, Son of Profond, that I reviewed on here, was more or less like a silent kind of giallo film. But this guy's got a lot of talent. Yeah, Lucio Nati really nice guy. I actually talked to him a few times. Just This guy's one of those up-and-comers, man. I'm just really, really feeling their style and their love, their fucking love for cinema, man. You know, the fine detail that's put into these films is just enough for me to, you know, to notice. And, that, and that's good. So big ups to him, man, Francesca, in a number eight Fantastic film. Check it out, peeps. Awesomeness. I really enjoyed that one as well. Andy. All right. So my number eight one might be a little bit of a shocker, uh, but it's a film that uh, definitely benefit from a rewatch because uh, originally I didn't have this film in my top ten at all after my first viewing. But after a second view, uh, it goes to uh, Fender Bender, a slasher film. Nice. Yeah. You know, I will say right off the bat, Fender Bender is my favorite slasher film of the year same here man it, it was just so well done uh if if it wasn't for the modern technology that they used in the film uh the way this film was like shot it definitely felt like an 80s style style slasher mm-hmm. uh just fantastic film all around I had a blast watching it it definitely definitely benefits from a rewatch though andy um i actually this one i completely put out of my even watch zone um just because i i mean i thought it was just gonna be kind of lame oh, like but what, yeah. what is it actually I, I, about like what's the storyline is it road well War? bender bender actually is a very good <laughs> title for the film man but it's very Gordon. it's very creative uh, they, they tied that it is it's it. original it's it's honestly you could put this into a conversation of the most original type setups for even like a slasher film like mm-hmm. who's ever done this before nobody yeah, yeah. Man, no, yeah, see it. honestly yeah 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 but basically it's just about a, a guy he goes around causing these car accidents uh whether and whatnot and then he stalks he stalks these people that he gets into accident as they're exchanging like information with him um it, just like mood says it's a real original thing i never had seen anything like it um well, the they, kills, pretty behind, good. Yeah, yeah sorry andy but the idea is so amazing because it flushes out all those plot holes of where these people you know how like sometimes the slasher films are like how the fuck did he end up at this house and how did exactly. he know where they live and stuff well they yeah. showcase this because he's literally on the road after he gets into an accident with people and he's getting their information. So he's finding out where they live and stuff. And that's how he stalks them and shit. It's fucking great. It's totally awesome. <laughs> and I must say he's a pretty cool looking killer. Myself is get up. Uh, I, I dug it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I give that one an eight out of 10. Interesting. Yeah. I have to say, man, I agree, man. Um, you know, even though some of the characters in the film are a little bit cliched, you know, the group of friends and stuff like that. Yeah, I think exactly. the main, yeah. the main girl uh, in the film, I thought her performance was fantastic. I thought the killer was great. His outfit, the way he killed people, just the whole aspect of having a car had like this kind of minor death proof, you know, kind of influence in it and stuff like that. And But the ending of this film is what yeah, sold it. Uh, yeah. I thought the ending was so powerful. I actually went, oh, my God. I was like... Holy yeah. fuck! This is why a cop out or anything. <laughs> this is why sometimes when you when you really like your characters and stuff like that, that it can be so fucking powerful, man. It, it can be so goddamn powerful, and um, 
definitely the best slash of the of the year. That's Agreed. cool, would, man. That's a scream factor. That's one produced. That's one I missed too. I just haven't had a chance to pick it up. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. Huh. It's you know really good. what's interesting is uh, Mark uh, Pavia directed that. The and guy who made Night Flyer. Flyer. Yeah, but if you look at yeah, his yeah. filmography, dude, he did the Night Flyer. Nothing until 2010, where he only has special thanks credits from 2010 to 2012. So the yeah, dude literally hasn't produced, wrote, did anything since the Night Flyer in 1997, and then he directed that film in 2016. Like, how the fuck did that happen? <laughs> like, technology probably completely changed. Like, I don't even know if you'd know well, your let's way put it around way. anything. Let's put it this way, man. Screen Factory is looking for somebody they could hire for cheap to direct this script that they came up with. And Buddy hadn't worked in a long time, and he probably... He probably took a cheap cheap paycheck. <laughs> I'm assuming, right? Yeah, and or he probably just maybe they were like, "Hey, this guy hasn't worked since the '90s, and we're trying to make an old school slasher. Maybe he can make it feel old school or something." Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But that's pretty cool. I'm gonna have to check that one out. I yeah, really me didn't too. Expect to be that many films on this top ten that I didn't see. It's starting to annoy me now. Uh, well, that's what I said to you the other night, JP. I said, man, are you sure you've seen everything, man? <laughs> I guess you might be surprised. Now I'm so. going. Now I'm going. I'm gonna have to go hard on 2017. I say it every year, but damn it, I'm I'm doing it next year. <laughs> We're going hard. <laughs> so uh, coming in at my number eight um, is a film that got re- released pretty late in 2016. Actually, you know, like final couple weeks, and that's why uh, a lot of shows that were already posting their show looking at you exploding heads didn't even get to uh, see this film and in fact one of their hosts actually retroactively went and changed their list so they should have waited that's uh, that's the complications of doing your show too fucking early if you wait to the ears over then you have no excuses yeah but but you know we you, they know as well as i know if they put their show out first, then they're going to get the, the height of the numbers, the downloads, because everybody's going to download it. But you really oh, should wait. You really horse. should wait. <laughs> Don't be a whore. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, anyway, so continuing here, we have my number eight, which is The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Now, nice. Damn, I'm surprised this made your top ten. Crazy. Yes. Cool. Okay. Um, the feels that I got in the first you know, 45 minutes or so of this film um, are, are, are very close to being second to none for this year. Like, to, I was 100% with it. I was just like, what the hell is going on? This is interesting. Mm-hmm. Three people in yeah. a room. One of them's dead. You know what I mean? That That's my type of movie. And and there's this big mystery. And the the, the practical effects were great on the body. Uh, the, the actress herself, who was... Uh, laying there fantastic the the two characters uh father and son <laughs> duo again sticking with the 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 same sort of i think now three of my films had sort of a a, a, a father or a, do- a, a or family mother, connection a family connection yeah. yeah very interesting how that played out this year but um i, I like their dynamics back and forth uh the, mm-hmm. the it was just an it was fucking original just this this concept of the, of this body came in late at night working working you know late having to do this for the sheriff or whatever figure out what happened to this girl very mysterious it's like how could these how how are these you know si- things happening like how are they possible and you you're really wondering the whole time it's like I think he said something. There was one fucking re- uh, metaphor that he used, like, 
like to how like oh he said finding a bullet in the brain with no um no sign of entry or, or something like that you know what i mean and, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. what this whole conundrum is with this body like how are these identification marks and these different things on her without having any evidence of how they're there and um a lot of people yeah, say that, that internal, yeah all that in- internal uh damage you know Smoke damage that was going like her lungs were fucked. there was you know uh organs that were all fucked yeah yeah yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that's cool man that's and cool. i was just really into it and as they were getting further because they you know start with like regular autopsy type shit and then they go further into it and they're cutting things open it was like really making me squirm because for some reason like an <laughs> autopsy does that to me and um a lot of people say that once you know a certain point in time they the 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 film shifts a little bit into um a different territory and okay i'm with you on that that it isn't as good as the other stuff but once the reveal happens i'm a hundred percent fine with them like where did you fucking expect for it to go you know what i mean it's Mm -hmm. it that's what it is that's the story that's that it isn't as intriguing, of course not, because the the first part they've never done before. The second part has been done a few times, but but it's combining the two together that I thought worked really well. So um, I was happy with the ending. I was happy with the final reveal, and it actually was a little chilling to me once you found out what was happening. It, it I was like, oh my god, it fucking makes perfect sense, of course. And you know, I I really really love the autopsy of Jane Doe. It, to me, it. It, it was not disappointing at all. Um, I'll take those first 45 minutes of like squirminess and interest uh, and still have, you know, that that to me is more important than maybe the, the 20 minutes of dullness um, that, that has been done before. And then the final ending, which is super sharp to me. So, you know, mm-hmm. to me, it, it works out. It's a great movie. I give it an 8.5 out of 10. Do you think these endings are becoming super prevalent in, you know, today's world? Like, I mean, you know, 20 five years ago kind of thing like these type of endings never really went down a whole lot like i mean especially in studio films they were just like nah you know you can't really do that kind of thing yeah um you you see it a lot more now do you think it's starting to lose its uh kind of kind of punch or it's still to the point where you're like fuck yeah that's good you know it's kind of good depends on the situation yeah it it really (coughs) goes film by film for me um but yeah, I don't know, man. No, I, I, I really I, enjoyed this film. Uh, yeah, oh, this, this is a hard film to talk about without spoiling it. Because, yeah, yeah. You know, there's there's an obvious there's an obvious kind of word or whatever. But uh, man, this is this is a good film, man. I, I don't know what the hell Brandon was talking about. You, you know, being all cliche and shit. I thought the ending was great. I thought the reveal was awesome. Ryan I thought Cox it was, was very, awesome very atmospheric. I, it's it's one of these almost contained horror films. I mean, they're stuck that's in this what area. I love, man, that's the type of and movies I love. There's a, and, cu- a couple and moments. Another, another thing that's like, great about it is it's from the director of Troll Hunter, and you're like thinking to yourself, like, wait, yeah. this is from the director of Troll Hunter. I thought like, this was Derek. I was. This is a completely polar opposite type film. I but can't wait till what he does fucking next because it's going to be fucking awesome too. I hope. I hope he does another film based on some type of myth, methodical, you know, creatures and you know, type stories and things like yeah. that. Yeah, it's cool, yeah. man. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I was. That's that's cool, man. I'm proud that you had that in there, JP. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good stuff, JP. So uh, number seven, Derek. Seven. Okay. A film that was just talked about earlier, Francesca. Yeah. So our first repeat. 
<laughs> oh yeah, Luciano and Eddie, amazing job. I fell in love with the fucking cinematography of this film. The first time I popped in the Unearth Films release of it, amazing cinematography. What he did with this film, and he also composed the film, which is very mind blowing. It has an amazing, very Italian based uh, composer. It's very reminiscent of a lot of like of the old school like uh, composers of our time, like. The De Angelis Brothers and the Omericone Goblin. There's a lot of like hints and tones of their uh, soundtracks from the past in his score, and it's amazing. I love how this film dwells into like the Giallo and like Mood said earlier with like all the setups, like the J and B bottles on the table. It's just a, like a little nice touch. Like if you're a fan of Giallo's films and you see those, and you know, like you're in a Giallo film. It's a staple drink of a giallo. Yeah. You gotta have the JB bottle in there. I know. And it and doesn't take so, that much more money to make that happen either. No, those are the subtleties that make this shit so damn good. You know, and only people like I'm I don't want to sound retarded or not, but you know, like people like that watch these type of films on a on a regular basis, we notice shit like that. And yeah. that it's it's just perfect, man. It, it's it's perfect to me. It's great. Yeah. You know, I, it shows a love for it, man. And and, you, and when you watch a film like this, you totally understand where they're coming from. You can connect with it so hard. It's great, man. And it's like really all of like the doll references from like Deep Red and like exactly different. Yeah. Like it just it works for me. And unlike you, because I actually did really enjoy the twist in this film. It because I wasn't expecting it at all to happen, and because I, I kind of let let the the beginning scenes like as a side note, just to give a little thing what happens, but it really fucking blew me away. Like I'm like, my mouth actually dropped and the twist happened. I'm like, holy shit. But does it make sense? It, it doesn't make sense, but I enjoyed it. Because I, <laughs> no, 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 it doesn't make sense. No, but I enjoyed it because I like that. Cause it, it threw me off guard. So I, as long as you just come up with the most random ass thing ever. And then you're going to, you're going to, you're going to make Derek happy. <laughs> doesn't have to make sense at all. <laughs> No, it, does, it doesn't. But it, it just—I really enjoyed it because it, because it, I'm used to like giallos are like the most generic endings ever, like of the ones I've seen, anyways. Like I said, previous and certain other films, and this one did something a little different, which I did like that they try to do something different. That's all I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah so I I'm at the same at nine out of ten. Really enjoyed Francesca a lot. Okay, really one good. little note that I have here. So far, all of Moods' top ten has been nines. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> Derek only had one that wasn't a, a nine or higher, I believe. I I had a lot of 8.5s. It was the year of 8.5s. And then um, Andy and myself have yet to hit a nine. That's interesting. Man, yeah, like I said, I had about 15 nines in my 131 <laughs> films, so this was getting... It was tough. It was tough to cut films. I wish the top 10 could have been a top 15. would have been great. All right, Moods. All right, man. Coming in at number seven is officially the second repeat of the night, and that is The Wailing. Nice. A film that, man, I fuck, dude. I, if you haven't seen this film, you got to check it out, man. I know this might, the length of this film might uh, kind of defer people from checking it out. I mean, 
honestly, it's not really that inviting when you see a film that's two hours and 36 minutes. You're like, shit, man. This isn't fucking shiny. Come on, this is ridiculous. But Yeah, uh, you know what, Moods? There's another film that I didn't watch for this year, and it was based on the running time. Wow. Every time I forgot to pop it in, every time I went to pop it in, I'd look at the running time, and I'd be like, oh, fuck, I forgot. And it was Masks. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Because that, that one runs just under two hours, doesn't it? Uh, dude. Something like that is like an hour. It's uh, 109 minutes. 109 minutes? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, yeah, the whaling man. What hasn't said before, or what wasn't said before? I, I don't. I don't know, man. Um, it's just one of those films. It's 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 a very beautiful, captivating film with with lots of twists and turns and stuff. And this one had me guessing a lot. You know, I was really intrigued in the story, and I think that's what sells this film. I mean, even though the running length is the running time is so long, it doesn't really. You know, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day because it was still interesting enough uh, with what they were trying to do. Um, but, you know, with that said, I mean, I think they probably could have cut some of it out. I mean, that's probably my one little gripe, but uh, the story's interesting. It's really cool. You, it, It's another one of these films with, you know, that fa- or that family bond, you know, father, daughter, you know, shit that's going on and stuff. And I really like where this one, man, there's something about South Korean films that uh, are just captivating. They I really make some damn good films, man. They're really invested in the story. And it's it's sold so well. Like I said before, man, this has one of the best tonal switches I've ever seen in a film. Uh-huh. In recent and it sells it so good to me that when you get all these twists and turns and all these type of things that are going on in the film, you're just like, fuck, man. Like, what a great setup to the film. What a great goddamn setup, man. And... I feel sorry for people that haven't seen, didn't watch this film this year, who made a top ten list because it needs to be on there. So <laughs> yeah, dude, South Korean films, man. I mean, I say it all the time, but they they work for me like nine times out of ten, like more than Japanese. Um, yeah, yeah, talking about Asian cinema, like like South Korea has not done me wrong. I think that I think the thing about South Korean films that really sells to the Western audience is that. Um, you know, as much as we, we like our comedy and things like that over here, at the same time, we like our seriousness of films and stuff like that. And sometimes when we're searching out of out of uh, our comfort zone, which, you know, are, is these westernized films and stuff like that, when you see a film like The Wailing and it has these great kind of transitions from tonal switches and stuff, these are the type of films that we can come invested in and still have, rep- you know, replay value and stuff. With, with some Japanese films, the translation and the comedy a lot of the times isn't what we're looking for. You know, I know JPU, like you have a hard time with Japanese comedy and, and the type of films that are, that come out of Japan a lot of the times. I mean, there are some serious ones, but there is a lot of, yeah. they, they just make different type of weird yeah, films. Yeah. It's like the Novoro Gucci films are not for JPU. Oh yeah. Gucci films, <laughs> man. I find that South Koreans, man, are more appealing sometimes because they do make those type of uh, more serious type tone films. Yeah. Maybe it's because they don't have a sense of humor because they can't have one because they're worried about North <laughs> Korea. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, like I've, I've definitely seen funny or South Korean films like thirst, um, mm-hmm. which is uh, the guy who yeah, made, uh, what the hell is Park Chan. Park Chan. Yeah. Park Chan. Yeah. yeah. For yeah sure. Which I really like that one as well. I don't know. It's just, I, I seem like I can, there's less of a cultural disconnect or at least what there is, like I find fascinating than instead of just weird, right? Because a lot of the cultural disconnect with Japanese is just weird to me, 
you know, and you know, it, it's kind of ironic too when we sit here and compare or talk about South Korean films with Japanese and stuff, where uh, one of the characters in this film is actually, you know, the foreign Japanese character, John Caminara, <laughs> yeah, from the Wailing. So uh, it's cool, man. It's cool, man. I, I really enjoy this film, man. I think everyone needs to check it out. It's 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 a beautiful toned awesome film man i i couldn't recommend enough um it's another nine out of ten <laughs> so ten. the year of the nines <laughs> yeah the year of the nines for me man but yeah all right what you got andy all right so to keep the repeat train rolling uh we got a film here the witch uh yeah uh to be honest i've never really ever seen a film like this before it's just not like a type of film that i usually seek out to watch but this movie totally blew me away uh just they nailed the the time period to being from that part that part of the country and whatnot uh, knowing a little bit about the witch trials and stuff uh, i just think they executed that aspect of it well the you know uh, i don't really know what else to say about it it's it's kind of a it's not the still moves word but like a jarring film <laughs> uh yeah it's quite unique and different, and it's really got me interested to seek out other period piece horror films uh, that have like a slow burn Do type you like effect. Period to it. pieces, Andy. I, honestly, I, I'm not really too familiar with period pieces. You know, uh, I haven't seen too many. Yeah, there was uh, yeah. one we reviewed on here. I can't remember uh, the Doctor and the Devil. Check that one out. That's a period piece. It's yeah, Freddie yeah, Francis cool film. film. Really good stuff. Yeah. Yep. What um, was your rating on that? That one is eight point five. All right, <clears throat> back to me, I believe, which is, what are we on, seven? All right, uh, my number seven is a film that made quite a huge splash on Netflix this year, uh, and it is Hush. Uh, Hush, to me, uh, is is a great horror film. It, it is that, uh, from the very setup uh, where you have this um, deaf girl, uh, as a slasher killer just happens upon her, notices that she's deaf, and then decides to fuck with her a bit because, hey, she's deaf, and I'm a slasher killer. Um, slasher killer guy got on a pretty cool mask, but he takes it off. And way too soon. I thought, <laughs> I, maybe way too soon, but I kind of almost liked it because I was like, all right, you're creepy, but I guess you don't really care about that because you're going to just kill this chick. Um, just just the, the, the this film, to me... Um, is the most exciting final chase scene in a slasher into one film. The whole film is that final chase scene. And it's like as exciting as it can get. Uh, cat and mouse the whole time. Just, just very, 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 um, you know, she gains the upper hand. She loses the upper hand. She's, you know, rises above it all. She sinks below it all. Like just ups and downs, like uh, a very, very, very likable uh, lead lead girl um who directed this flanagan yep yep yeah flanagan does a great job um just just a super simple premise for a slasher that just works really well it just it, it just they nailed it with just the idea of this deaf girl home alone and and you know um they set up her character well she, they, they do fantastic character development with her um and then the it's mainly those two but then they do sort of introduce other characters and they introduce them excellently and um it adds to the tension and drama just the super tense filled film i absolutely loved hush uh 8.5 out of 10 
Uh, you know, it's, it's funny. I always considered Hush to be more of a uh, home invasion film than like a slasher film. Yeah, so is yeah. It, I mean, technically it is. It is a home invasion film, but a lot of home invasion films are also slasher films in a way. And I don't actually mean that this is a slasher because, you know, it, the body count's low. Just to me, the end, the whole film is like the end chase scene of a slasher film. You know, you kind of get what I'm saying. Like yeah, all yeah. the bodies yeah. are already dead. People, like it's like they just took the final act of a slasher film, and then, you know, expanded it into an entire movie. Yeah, yeah. At least that's how I seen it. So the uh, the lead girl in the film, Derek, what's her name? I'm sure. Uh, oh, you actually don't know where they are. No, she did a good job, man. She did a really, yeah, really good job. That's Flanagan's yeah. wife. Is it really? Okay. Yeah, she wrote the screenplay with him. Oh, oh nice. But yeah, she, that's why it felt so. Made, so maybe that's so she was already invested in the film a lot. Kate she Siegel. knew the character and she wrote it, so that kind of makes sense why her performance is so well done. Crazy. Cool. Awesome. Good stuff. Okay. Derek. Derek here. Number six. Are you ready for this? Are y'all ready for this? <laughs> Baskin. Baskin. Nice. nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Can Everall. Can tell this guy who fucking loves movies, man. Fucking, he has like that sense of like, this film brings back like the Lucio Fulci nightmare logic of filmmaking. Oh, this, that's what you were talking about. Okay, now, now I'm with Yeah, you. this film isn't told in like real logic. It's told in nightmare logic. It yep. doesn't tell like, it's not like a film. This is what people were getting confused. Like I've been hearing a lot of negative things about this, like in like the festival circuit. And I can see why that like this film would get negative reviews because it's not like a basic film that gives you like a full like link story and feeds it to you like a normal film. This film is told in like the, like, like a Lucio Fulcher, like uh phantasm, like a dream logic where there's things in it that, kind of are confusing and jarring in a way but i enjoyed that about it because it brought back like the reminiscence of like all those like old school horror films that i loved and grew up with like phantasm and like the beyond and city of the living dead and it has like that vibe and the soundtrack's fucking amazing it just creeps and the soundtrack works so like the creepiness of its moments and I like like how he like has like all these like argento blue and red tinges throughout it, and it's just a fucking mindfuck of a film. This film is like a visual nightmare, and it's a masterpiece in my opinion. It has like these visual like landscapes and landscapes, and it has like you know a little reminiscence of Apocalypse Now in a way with like a. Uh, uh, the father character that comes later in the film, very like uh, <laughs> wow, like, crazy, like a. Uh, Marlon Brando's performance in Kurtz even does like even the, like the water patent on his head, like Marlon Brando did in that film. Of course, Marlon Brando's here. So, yeah, I really fucking dug this one, man. Really great film from Turkey. I enjoyed it from top to bottom. Nine out of ten, awesomeness. <clears throat> I, yeah, I I really dug Baskin, but I I was probably one of the people that spoke a little negatively about it. Um, that you were referencing because I know you listened to the podcast that I talked about it on. Um, to me, I felt like, like I understood what the, like the whole, like I know what the ending meant, right? Like I, I, I'm not going to spoil it, but, but I know that 
it does what it does the thing that moods doesn't like where something happens earlier in the film but it does it in a different way so he probably didn't mind it um but i just didn't think it was that cool i was like okay but that's been done a bunch um and you know it's actually kind of it's almost been kind of done on a film that uh that we reviewed on this show before and actually andy was even on that show Yep, I remember you was talking to that to me about it. You messaged me saying, "Doesn't this right? I finished watching the film and I went, "Man, does you know when you watch it, uh, just kind of put two and two together? <laughs> it's like the same thing. Yeah, it's crazy. But um, so, so that and to me, it was like it, it, it had like cool nightmare logic and stuff, but it wasn't in in the film enough. It was like, okay, now we're gonna show you all this nightmare logic shit." But it just by that point I was just like, uh, oh, eh, it's it's kind of cool, like you know what I mean. It felt like Hellraiser. It, it was like yeah. a less good Hellraiser. But to be honest, man, you have to admit, like that that character that's in the film, it, if he had pins in his head, it would have been like you know Pinhead. pinhead. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that, that was creepy. It's all living shit though, and it, you know I, I I don't know. I think you I would have maybe gave it an extra point if I knew that was his real skin and and he wasn't wearing makeup. <laughs> Dude. That's one creepy looking dude, man. <laughs> like, for legitimately, <laughs> creepiest character that year goes to that one right there. Yeah. Bonafide. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff, man. All right. So, what'd you have on that one? Eight and a half? Nine. Nine out of ten. Oh, nine out of ten. Okay. Uh, coming in number six is probably going to be a little bit of a shocker to some people because I know this shocker one. Time. Or... Is shocker time. Shocker. 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 Is it shocker? Is it shocker? Wes Craven's shocker. That, that would be a shocker. <laughs> Fingers and a pinky right here, man. Two pinkies. <laughs> <laughs> two pinkies in one cup. Yeah, two pinkies. Yeah. Because um, I know this one topped a lot of lists this year, man. Uh-oh. A lot of fucking Uh-oh. lists. I mean, I'm it's nervous. in the top 10. I watched, I watched 131 films. Come on. So, you know, whatever. Um, in at number six is The Neon Demon. I knew this Whoa. was coming. <laughs> Man, this conversation. <laughs> this is a, in my opinion, a little bit of an unfairly hated on film. I I don't know what it is with people. I mean, okay, I, I I'm I'm gonna try and not be rude, <laughs> but sometimes with films like this where you have to be overly patient and actually kind of read between the lines. And you know, kind of figure out things and figure out all the metaphors. Neon Demon is just filled with them it's it's actually a really good expression of what the story that they're telling in this film there's a lot of different elements to that story within the film i mean to me it's basically beauty versus the beast Mm -hmm. and what i mean by that is you know obviously our main character is the beauty the beast is everything else that's in the film it's from her it's from her three film or her three friends it's uh keanu reeves the, the you know the shitty hotel owner it's um it's the whole machine which is the industry it's the model industry it's the yeah. fucking uh you know it's hollywood it's california it's, she's a foreigner it's yeah, she, beauty versus the beast dude, this is what the film they took um an industry right much like the acting industry which we saw with sorry eyes they took an industry that is highly competitive and has a a uh set of rules and regulations that are known between the people within that industry that just list of rules and stuff and then they created a film out of it and made everything a metaphor like it was it was exactly it was great 
in a sense, if you kind of broke it down, it's almost an anthology film with all the things that are going on. You know, her mm. friends. The I mean, all these type of things. There's so many. The way that the metaphor is being shown in this film is in in different levels, and it all comes to the end, and it's literally. It literally shows you how the machine, the industry, chews you up and spits you out. That is the whole point of this fucking film. It's really amazing. Um, Cinematography-wise, it's shot beautifully. I thought it's acted well. I think the whole composition of the movie is amazing. I like these slow burn type films. I do have the inevitable patience to watch these type of films. Unlike some people, they just can't dig the slowness. They need a little bit more, you know, they need a little bit more what they call substance to the films. I think this one has almost too much substance. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. There's a lot of things that are going on in here. I'm really baffled and blown away by people that just can't stand. I, I know Andy, I know you're Andy not a big fan of this talk. film, but, <laughs> but like, I mean, is there anything I'm saying that's making sense to you? Because, this one right here, man, on a on a whole level, after I finished watching, I went, fuck me. I, it sat with me for days. I thought about it. I literally wrote two pages on this film. And it's only number after six. After I watched it, on my thoughts, it was crazy. I'm just like, I started my I started my writing with Beauty vs. the Beast. And I just went off on it. And I could talk about this film for like an hour, I swear to God. It was so good. It was really, really damn good. And oh. I mean, visually wise, this one's influenced by... You know, obviously, it has all the elements of Italian films and, you know, things like that color wise. And there's there's shout outs to tons of films in this tons and tons of films, the shining, the tons of films. I don't want to name I don't want to ruin everything, but uh, <laughs> it, it's it's crazy to me that this is a film that people are going, no, this is shitty. And I, I'm not just referring to you, Andy. There's lots of people out there that didn't really care for this one. It's been very polar opposite on this on the spectrum of good and bad for the 2016 year. You know, personally, I I, so I, I don't want to sit here and dick ride the film and suck its cock, but <laughs> at the same time, I, you know, I, I think it's a really damn good film. I, you know, I'm a big fan of the director. I loved, you know, I'm probably... You know, in the minority that loved Only God Forgives. I love that film. I thought it was really, really good. Um, I enjoyed it. But yeah, I don't know. I don't didn't understand the hate, but I like these type of films where it makes me go, shit, man, I can think about this. I can really kind of look into it and, uh, you know, kind of analyze the film. Hence, the 2016 year can be summed up by the Neon Demon. This is the film that represents 2016, in my opinion. So... Yeah, I think it's really, really good. Uh, I think at times it's it's almost exploiting its metaphor a little bit too much. Um, that's my one kind of complaint with this because I'm I'm understanding what they're doing and, and it's you know it's in folds too, right? Because there's all these different type of elements in the film. Uh, it's it's just a minor gripe. I think it's a really, really good and beautiful film. Well, apparently uh, they didn't explain it enough for most people, though, right? Well, <laughs> that's one of the biggest complaints is there's nothing there. I I just I don't don't understand see these are the type of films that you're gonna see I guarantee if you take a film class in 10 years neon demon's gonna be shown in your film class and you go and write and your film teacher will explain the shit out of it this is what's uh-huh. gonna happen with this film i mean they won't do it now because it's so new they never show new films in film class trust me i've been in them <laughs> but uh <laughs> this is the type of movie that represents the year it's the thinker it's the thinker it's the it's the metaphorical film that um just accentuates the artistic value of the story. And uh, 
I loved it. I thought it was really damn good. I liked. I loved the whole thing. It summed up Beauty vs. the Beast in multiple ways. Keanu Reeves is great in the film, man. I thought he, he was fantastic. Oh, oh he's a fucking asshole. <laughs> he's just such a little yeah. dirtbag. And he plays the character perfect because this is what we need in the film because that's one element of it. There's so many shitty characters. Oh, in. he's like he's like an older version of himself in River's Edge. Yeah, <laughs> just... Uh, it, it, it's really good, like, how they introduce these characters. And, you know, the guy, the guy that presumably would probably be the scumbag you know the guy that's picking up the girl and stuff and you know her kind of offshoot boyfriend or whatever but he turns yeah. out to be like a really good guy and you know it's like I like this contrast that they had in the film and stuff and uh, I thought all these type of characters were introduced perfectly you know it shows those big wig fucking asshole you know industry type people that are just like you know they, there's there's brilliant dialogue in the film too where you know, they even say like, oh, you know, she was 20 years old and uh, she's totally over the top and shit like that. And it's just like, damn, that really is reality in that world, in that industry. It's cutthroat yeah. to the point where it's all it's kind of a prelude to what's happening in the film later on, you know, chewing you up and spitting you out and shit like that. And I will say, man, I mean, those scenes are those scenes are amazing. The third act is really good. It's really, really damn good. And I think what happens in the third act is just like it needs to happen. (laughs) So without going too far, without ruining it, um, I think it's a beautiful, executed, awesome film. And I'm not just I'm not just riding on this uh, this, uh, you know, this train of um, lovers and stuff. I, I really honestly thought this movie was great. The wife fell asleep. (laughs) <laughs> because she's brain she's, you know she's brain dead too <laughs> you know no she had a long day and she got home she didn't really want to even start the film but she fell asleep you know she's like what happened what happened i'm like you gotta watch it <laughs> but it was like J- it was like the jason marathon all over again all the good good parts you know but like um but no neon demon man good shit man it's good shit uh i'm gonna give it a nine out of ten i think it's a really good film um yeah, it's good. It's good. All right, All so right. Andy, do you care to say anything about it? Because now's your opportunity. Because you were not <laughs> high on this film. You said that it no. was good. Nothing. No, I what I what I said is it's a snooze fest. In my <laughs> <opinion>. <laughs> I mean, but I, I I won't deny that it's a beautifully shot movie. The acting's good. It has little teases of greatness, in my opinion. You know, with the certain scene involving. A lesbian act on a couple other things but it, it just didn't do do it for me i kept constantly looking at the running time on and see how much time was left it just felt really long i couldn't really relate to anything that was going on in the film it, it's it's basically kind of like the same problems i have with other films like this like suspiria and uh films like that and black swan and things like that uh but it just it just didn't work for me i, I found it utterly kind of boring to be honest i know it's kind of a bad word to use but uh, when you're trying to talk about a film, but it's just what it was to me. Uh, okay, I get so why a lot of people like it, it, it. It's interesting too, because, you know, a lot of people have compared this to Suspiria I've, uh, that I've read, mm-hmm. you know, and they're saying, oh, this one's just, you know, more style over substance. But the thing is, is man, this movie, and as much as I love Suspiria, this one dominates in substance. <laughs> it's such yeah. a better film in substance than Suspiria. Cause Suspiria doesn't have all these, this huge metaphor it doesn't have any of that right there it, it, it literally is and i've said many times the spirit is a lot of style over substance but the neon demon yeah it's got a lot of style but it actually backs up with the substance you just have to to find it you have to see it in what it is it's a good movie it actually really is but i understand 
you know, the slowness and being boring and stuff like that. I mean, if you're not, if you're not connected with it right away, it's probably one of those heart, those films that's going to be tough to stay with through the, you know, hour and 10 running. I don't even know how fucking long is this movie. It, it is pretty long. It, it was two hours. It is two hours. So you're checking the time because yeah, it's two hours long. Um, to me, I was just like, I literally was sitting up watching the movie like on the edge of my couch because I, I get like that. Like it's, I just want to, I just, I, I can't wait for the third act. I want the reveal. Like I want to find yeah. out what's going on, you know, kind of figure it out and stuff. But, uh, but I mean, different films for different folks, man. I mean, yeah. it is what I it will. is. I mean, not everyone's going to like, and this is what makes these type of shows so interesting is when people completely don't like a film, they find a snooze fest and other people are like, man, really? Like I found this, I found that and stuff, but this is why we talk about these films, man. Yeah. You know, it's, so. it's, it's not that I don't like slow burn films and stuff like that. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, there's a movie on my list that will <laughs> justify my like for it, but yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's just the payoff for it. Didn't work for me. Uh, so, you talked about Starry Eyes. I felt like the payoff in that film uh, definitely, definitely worked, and it was probably my favorite film of that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one just, this one just didn't pay off for me. I didn't really care for the ending. I kind of saw it coming. <laughs> to to uh, me, what it sounds like, Andy, is all the stuff that me and Moods mentioned that we liked, like the <laughs> the the sort of metaphorical nature of the uh, modeling industry. Like to me, it just sounds like you weren't even, you just weren't interested in what that was. Yeah, right. I guess I guess, gotcha. I guess that's the way it could sum it up. <laughs> All right, so um, Andy, back to you, buddy. Okay. Well, speaking of a uh, well, let me say this: it's a movie that was reviewed on the show that I was part of. Uh, no. It's it's it, I knew that was no. going to come before you guys have a heart failure. It, it is not the Blair Witch. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Although I did like that film, that movie did not make. He's like, before you got that heart attack. I liked it. Uh, but not the last show I was on, which which was the Blair Witch show, uh, we all reviewed uh, Don't Breathe. Uh, oh, shit artist. Oh, man. Now, I, I, I thought, just, just touch on things we talked about before. I, I thought this movie had everything going for it. The, the whole sequence in the basement when it went pitch black, totally creepy feeling. Uh, the blind guy... I'm blanking on his name or something, but uh, he delivered a great performance. The whole Steve turkey, ba- the whole turkey uh, baster scene. But, uh, didn't really find it to be like stupid or anything. Like some people didn't think it fit the film. Uh, overall, it was a enjoyable film, and I, I honestly I never even noticed the bathroom window thing until JP pointed it out. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, that was it, me that pointed it out. Oh, it was you, yeah. <laughs> Um, um, if you yeah, just all the damn fucking windows in the house, man, why leave one? Uh, yeah, I, it's, it's yeah, I explained it away. It makes sense to me. Yeah, <laughs> Let's see. Uh, yeah. Now, this, this this movie works on all levels for what it is. It's a it's a home invasion that kind of flips into a reverse home invasion film. Uh, I rated at eight point five originally, and I stick with that rating. You know, my biggest problem with the phenomenon of don't breathe is have a lot of sites and a lot of reviewers out there keep classifying it as the most original horror film of the year or one of the most original horror films you know just in general i'm like what do you mean man i mean i can think of two or three films that even came out last year that had this type of reversible home invasion type story and i'm like did you not see these or because it's not like they were like completely underground type films and stuff i mean i'm not i'm not trying to discredit 
Yeah, I get it too, man. But I mean, there is there's other type. Is is that really the big fucking? T- yeah, I guess so. Don't but. smell. <laughs> I guess. But, I mean, there's there's been a couple films with a couple other. Well, I, w- I won't you know say them or whatever. But uh, I mean, the general idea is there. It's just yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It, it, that's not my biggest problem. I, I just think that uh, the film is good. I, I like Don't Breathe. I think it was it was really well done. I just had a couple minor quacks with it, but uh, good shit though. Good yeah, shit. it was an enjoyable yeah. film. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, the villain in this film, man, he fucking. Oh, he's oh, he's mean, like, man. Great, great actor, <laughs> scary. Man. He actually was scary. Like the size of him, it was great casting. That was one thing that I did say about the film. It was perfect casting. He, he always was like, one of those great menace and like villain roles. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I like Don't Breathe a lot too. So much, in fact, that it does make my number six spot. Um, Don't Breathe to me was my favorite theatrical experience this year because I did see this one in the theater and i i loved it it was it was scary to me i was i love the setting this the, 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 the detroit setting which i i wish more films would use we saw it last year with it follows it just has a sense of like desperation right like like the, all all three of these characters are just desperate they just they don't have anything going for them um mm-hmm. and you know maybe the 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 lead male character might have something going for him but because everything around him sucks he's pulled into that suckness which is the other two characters trying to find a better life for themselves and if that means robin and stealing that's what it means to them and i like the the dynamic of well who the fuck do i root for in this film because everybody has the, the you know these these lead characters uh, are criminals they're 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 stealers and robbers and and they're they're fucking with this old man and then you have this old man who should be the 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 character that you feel bad for but he's also a piece of shit too and i like that i love that dynamic because it shows that you can feel bad for somebody who is a bad person and you can feel you know distaste for somebody who is is a good person at heart because Everybody has sort of these different dynamics to them. Nobody's cut and cut and paste, you know, good or bad. And I've always felt that way. And uh-huh. I feel that way with myself. Like I, I've done bad things in my life. I've done terrible things in my life. I've done amazing things in my life. And, and it, it's not, and you know, I don't let those one single moments define me because uh, you can always move on. And, and I saw a lot of that in this film, not to mention that the concept was cool as hell. Fetty Alvarez does a damn good job directing once we're inside the house. And the first shot is these like swooping uh, shots of it, it you know, the, trying to be quiet and just it looked beautiful. Uh, the, the stuff in the basement was filmed good. I love the sort of twists and turns involved in the film. The killer was actually terrifying to me. There would be moments where the, the char- we'd be looking at through the character's point of view and he would just turn to the right and the dude would just be standing there but he can't see you because he's blind but he's standing there and you know he can hear so you better be goddamn quiet like that to me was terrifying um i will admit that there are some fuckery moments in the film um the window thing i can explain it away enough but what i can't explain away is the alarm system completely ridiculous uh did not care for the which leads right they, into it right yeah through that system. unexplained window and then they uh-huh. unexplainably get to that alarm and turn it off it's like come on 
sounds a little far-fetched. So, yeah. so I agree. that That is the one sort of negative that I have on this film, and that's why it's not higher on the list. Um, to me, I just, I just really like the nature of the characters. I love the, the duality between them, and um, I love the, you know, what Brandon said he didn't like was the fact that he didn't know who to root for is exactly what sold me on the film most of all, because I don't need to fucking root for somebody. I can watch this story play out and like certain aspects about this character and like certain aspects about this character and understand that the world isn't perfect and, and sometimes bad people meet bad people. And sometimes bad, good people do bad things. And sometimes bad people do bad things. It's fucking, it's always all over the place and it should be because that's life and that's what it should be. Um, so I, I love this movie. I, I fucking, besides the few little negatives I had for it, uh, some people said the turkey based or stuff, you know, t- took it into a stupid direction. Me, I thought it was great because um it seems i enjoyed it too i I didn't really see what the i I guess people said that it it just seemed unrealistic that this guy would that was my some of my favorite stuff but but i'm like why the hell not i mean he's crazy (laughs) he's fucking you know like he he seems like a weird old dude to me (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah i love the story good stuff uh i give it an 8.5 out of 10 nice god still in the 8.5 is crazy Yep. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That was number Which, six, man. Crazy. Honestly, is um. You so know, you only it, had like a couple nines or higher for the whole year. It, well, <laughs> the thing is, right? Like last year, I think my list started at eights. Right. This year, it actually yeah. started at 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 eight point fives. Wow. Nice. Crazy. Whose turn? Back to you, Derek. Okay, number five, the Whalen. So that's three Pete. Three Pete. Our first three Pete. <laughs> three oh, Pete. Yeah. Yeah. We're Chicago oh, Bulls in it up right now. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> the Whalen. Yeah. Fucking. What? What else could I say about this film that has been said? This film is really a lot of based on like faith and like religion and like certain aspects of like like yeah. certain characters that come throughout it, and I like how the director expresses that self about religion and faith and what you believe in. And it goes into the character of the stranger who's a terrific performance by a Japanese actor, John Kenamara, who have I seen over the years in a few other films. I know he was, uh, in, uh, Sonia Sono's, uh, why don't you play in hell? He was the mob boss in that film. And he does a fucking terrific job because you kind of, he could go either way with his character, and I like the way that his character does go. And but it's a mystery his whole character throughout the film of what he's really all about, and it's just an amazing and stunning performance to watch on screen. And not to say like the main character of the film, the cop, is any good. He's really great too. I like his character shifts too. Like he's one of the character that we follow throughout the film. For most of the film, there's a lot of like sub characters that come throughout it uh the length of it it is a little problemsome but i don't mind it as much because i'm used to watching films this long to be honest i watched tons of like four hour and plus films in my past like because derek watches godfather like every odd week <laughs> love sonny sano's love exposure is four hours long yeah yeah i, I still haven't seen that one man yeah and uh heaven's yeah. gate if you survive heaven's gate then you could survive anything 
It's like a five-hour western. <laughs> Damn, that's a long-ass western, man. It's crazy. Yeah, Michael Cinema. Yeah, fucking insane. Five-hour western. If you can survive that, you can survive any movie. Shit. <laughs> so, yeah, the Whalen fucking loved how atmospheric, and I loved the, how this film built. Nine out of ten, like everyone else. Awesomeness. Cool, cool, man. Nice, nice. Yeah, Whalen, <laughs> man. So three out of four. That's not bad. That's not bad. So, dipping into the top five here um, is a film that, uh, this is not a repeat. This is not a repeat. This is new to everyone's list. Um, uh, where is this one from? I always forget, man. Uh, was actually, I, don't, I don't really know about that. But um, <laughs> anyways, it is The Eyes of My Mother. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, no one else likes this film. Man, I thought this movie was... Oh, dude, it was really, really fucking tantalizing, man. I love this movie. Um, I thought it was a great, great uh, character study of this uh, of this unfortunate girl, man. You know, she lives in this isolated environment, and she witnesses <coughs> her mother being killed when she's young and stuff, and uh, yeah. it just kind of escalates from there. You know, you know it kind of shows yeah, the growth of her from... It shows the growth of her from, you know, a young child into like a teenager into an adult. And it's done in steps in the film, too. It literally kind of breaks it in, into like, you know, parts and stuff. And uh, it kind of follows her her character and, and what she's been dealing with and stuff. She was obviously kind of like, well, whatever you want to say, homeschooled. She's been at home her entire life. And, uh, you know, eventually, like, she has to deal with more tragedies like her father passing and things like that. And. It's just this really mm-hmm. kind of dark character study of this person that, you know, unfortunately went through these tra- tragedies and then turned into that type of person, you know. And, uh, you know, kind of leave it at that and stuff. Shot entirely in black and white. Amazing cinematography. I thought this movie was just, it was tantalizing. It was <clears throat> it was short and sweet. It only runs about 76 minutes long. Um, but I thought it was just fantastic. I know, um, I think it was Brandon said he hated this movie. Yeah, he did. Uh, I, I really don't understand how you hate this movie. I thought it was fucking phenomenal. <laughs> Love this movie. Right from the very start, I was I was intrigued by it, and and just everything that was going on. Like she was so disturbed, you know. Uh, with with and I, I shouldn't really just I shouldn't really say that, but um, but yeah, just eventually what she does and what she becomes and things like that. This is um. It's kind of a it, it it's a heartbreaking story because you know she probably shouldn't have been like this you know and then due in due to these unfortunate events and stuff it creates this monster I should say, um, uh, but all in all man it just kind of fits together and uh, I thought it was, I thought it was really brilliantly executed man it was really well done, um, I heard from some people they they thought the ending was kind of like you know whatever and stuff but um, to me it kind of made sense. It really did kind of make sense of how it went down. I mean, I mean, it could go either one of two ways, and you know, either either way would have been fine. But this one I thought was excellent. I thought the lead character's performance was phenomenal. I thought she just did a great job, um, like amazing, amazing stuff. So I, I really don't know what to say about this film without ruining it or kind of giving away spoilers and stuff because there is it's so short, man. It's so short you don't want to kind yeah. of reveal everything. But uh, the eyes of my mother beautiful you know black and white film another modern day black and white well i shouldn't say masterpiece it's not like completely uh 
masterpiece. But uh, it's, it's another one of those modern day black and white films that really kind of sticks out. A lot of black know? and white films this year. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And I, this I one, enjoyed this one. It's just a it's 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 such a sad story that yeah. I like these type of movies, man. Where I'm so invested in the character, I'm just like, oh my god, it's just so brutal, man. Like she's she's like an anti character, you know. Like you know, she's your main character. She's not good, but she's mentally ill, and oh, it's good shit, man. Eyes of my mother, check it out, man. I really enjoyed this one. Nine out of ten. Again, thought it was fantastic. Short and sweet. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that film. I had to rewatch that one again. All right, Andy. Yeah, so it's the country. The country of origin for that one was USA, but like, it's uh, it's totally done, and it says language in por- por- Portuguese. So, so yeah, uh, I don't it know. It would be Brazilian or Portugal, something like, or Portugal. Something like that. <laughs> it's probably an American funded film, but you know, the movie is subtitled. Yeah, By yeah. the way, I kind of consider it a foreign film, which is, you know, according to my calculations here, this is one. Two, three. This is my fourth out of my top five films <laughs> have been foreign films. So. I have a bunch. Yeah. So far. All right. Nice. Andy. All right. Well, continuing the, the theme with Don't Breathe, uh, another home invasion film uh, with the genre uh, that's usually pretty hit and miss and with a lot more misses than hit. Uh, number five is Hush. Nice. Nice. Uh, nice. Um, it's it's kind of noticeable, too, that the two best home invasion films to share, uh, both the vict- well, the victims kind of suffer from uh, disabilities. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, it's True. a perfect double feature, right? Hush totally. and Don't Breathe. Like, it is the best double feature. One is deaf and one is blind. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. Uh, what? I think somebody mentioned this film before, right? JP? It was JP? Yeah, yeah. It was my it was. number seven. Um. Yeah, like well, like I said during his thing, I said that the guy removed the mask a little too soon. Uh, I can see why they did it. Uh, I understand why he could just kill her at any time, so it really didn't make a difference. But I don't know. I just found it creepier if he would have left the mask on closer to the end of the film, uh, so we don't really know what he looks like or what what his what his deal is. I you uh, know but, what, Andy? I don't think they wanted to make it a reveal, like a big thing, since since. You know, had they waited till the end to take the mask off, it would be like, well, what the fuck does that mean? Who's that dude? You know what I mean? So, I you know, think that's that, a good point. I think that's that a good that point. It, I think the idea was like, this guy is not wearing a mask to protect his identity. He doesn't feel yeah. like the type that that really cares about that. He's just wearing the mask because it's fucking cool, and then he feels like <laughs> taking it off, so he takes it off. <laughs> Now, now, now it's been a while since I've seen this one because this is one of the ones I watched in the beginning of the year. But uh, before he took off the mask, it went. I I was thinking because she was texting her, her ex boyfriend or something, so I could see. What, I thought they were going to try to play off that, like maybe he's out to kill her. Yeah. But that that was my biggest complaint. But I'm but I'm glad it kind of wasn't that because then that would have been kind of lame and predictable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is just a random guy torturing people. What did you think of his uh, crossbow? He's just walking around with a crossbow, all like uh, like it, it was neat how they're. That he couldn't, he knew that she couldn't hear after a couple minutes, you know, and he's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, nah, and yeah, I, I definitely like the crossbow thing. God, uh, <laughs> uh, they kind of took that from your next, but I think I think it worked in this film. I uh, thought it was pretty creepy, uh, just some of the visual shots of him staring through the windows and whatnot, and uh, psychologically fucking with her. <laughs> uh, I thought it was a good film all around. I'd give that one an eight point five out of ten too. Wow. Still in the eight point fives. It's 
Kind of crazy too, though, that two home invasion films made my uh, top ten. Usually, usually you wouldn't see those type of genre in anybody's top ten. <laughs> yeah, home sure. invasion is is legitimately frightening, though. Yeah, uh, I like home times invasion on the show that it, it fucking that's like the ultimate thing that freaks me the fuck out. It's crazy. <laughs> it's kind of a noticeable trend this year well, too. There's a lot, of, like, a lot of good ones. You do have like thousands of dollars in CDs and DVDs that. That you have. So he might be a little for sure, for sure, for sure. But it's it's just the whole notion of like you know when you're in your house you you honestly feel comfortable. It's your safe, you know. And if someone was just like breaking at any time and be like fuck, you, like you would never fully be prepared prepared for that. Yeah, it's and you to do me. live where it's hard to like own guns, right? No, no. I mean, the average person around here owns like ten guns because oh, everyone, okay. so so everyone has guns in their house. It's just we just we have stricter handgun laws. Okay. Everyone has high-powered fucking three hundred rifles and shit, which is way more damaging than a shitty handgun. <laughs> but you but know, I mean, guns, guns is not an issue, but it's it's harder for us to get them. I mean, in Canada, we have laws where you have to have your guns locked up in a certain area, and you have to have your ammo in a completely different area locked up. You can't have them together. So yeah, but what if you done. need the ammo because somebody broke into your house and they're coming into your bedroom? Well, the thing is in Canada, I mean, if someone broke into your house and you shot them dead, you would probably get charged with murder. Oh, fuck. You know? <laughs> I know. I, I know. That's kind of fucked up. I mean, especially if you shoot them in the back and stuff because it looks like they were running away kind of thing. I mean, there's a little bit different things here. It's can't quite get away. You can't get away with it as easy as the U.S. But Listen, uh, uh, no shit, dude. I'm not even joking. Last year, my friend like one of my best friends went to somebody's house, knocked on their door, opened the door. They shot him in the stomach and he almost died. Jesus. Nothing Christ. happened to that dude. <laughs> nothing. Mm-hmm, it, he, mm-hmm. it tore four holes in his colon. This happened like two years what? ago. There's a word you wouldn't hear if Jeremy was on the <laughs> show right now. Yeah. You would have been charged with something here, man. He, <laughs> that, that person definitely would have did some, probably yeah, sometime. That, yeah, my dude was yeah. laying up in a hospital for like weeks, you know, with holes in his That's... colon, and, and dude just got off on like a accidental thing, which they were friends. So I mean, you know, <laughs> it, it was like a Dick Cheney incident. Yeah, but um, so anyway, yeah. getting into my top five here uh, to round out the number five spot, I have um, a film that I was super hyped to see. Like I remember early in the year. One of the first films that I went to see showed a trailer for this film, and I was like, oh, shit, I got to see that. Not to mention, it had Festival Circuit hype from last year, so I was like, this is this is probably going to make my top ten. And I watched it, and it did not disappoint. Arguably not a horror fi- film for some people. This is one of the hotly debated films, but I, I consider it a horror film, and it is The Green Room. So, uh, yeah, The nice. Green Room is... Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a really good watch for me. First of all, I love the idea of having this like punk band, right? It's, it's, you know, it's this punk band who's like traveling, like show to show. Like it just, it just gives it a great fucking feel right away. You know what I mean? Like, and I feel like they, I'm not super familiar. Like I was not like a punk or anything, you know, but I, I knew people that were in that scene. And from an outsider looking in, it feels like they nail it. And I've heard some people who who grew up in that scene say that they nail it. So I'm going to just say they nailed it. You know, I'm going to just go with that. And to me, it's like it's such a cool um, sort of uh, world to, to look into because I'm not familiar with it. 
and to see them sort of go to this this show and there's like these skinhead Nazi dudes there and shit just gets out of hand and then they're stuck in this building and it's just pure violence. Um, great, great, great acting, great performances. Anton Yelchin, like rest in peace to that dude. I think that yeah. dude was just gaining traction in in the horror genre and he was going to be a huge star that people were going to, you know, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, be standing at a booth getting his autograph and shit like that. And, and it's unfortunate that he died in such a, you know, terrible way. Uh, but he was great in this film and uh, I, I actually... I actually th- liked him even before, you know, I, I, I've always talked good about the Fright Night remake, you know, as much as you guys talk shit on me, like, and he was one of the reasons that I liked it, but he's also in, uh, <laughs> he's in, he's in that, uh, burying the X too, that, uh, Joe Dante film. Yeah. You said he was an alpha dog. Yeah. Yeah. Which was is he, another he's... movie that I absolutely love. Me too. Absolutely love Alpha Dog. Fantastic. Not horror, but very dark. Uh, but the green room, yeah. Um, love the setting. Love the style to this film. The the like neon painted walls and shit. Uh, I love like the sort of crime under, you know, tones to this film. That once you find out what's really going on, it's like, oh, this yeah. like, this dude's like a piece of shit. Good performance by the the lead villain. Um, Patrick Stewart. A, a film that just pulls no punches. It just feels like. Uh, it's Captain it's Picard. gonna be hardcore from the start to the end, and it is. It's it's hardcore. It's it doesn't feel like it holds anything back, which is what I always I I want to watch a horror film and feel like anybody can die at any time. Because if not, then what the fuck am I there for? You know what I mean? Like like how can I care that this person's gonna die if I know that they're not? If I know they're not gonna kill them, then how can I care? And if it's a film that's focused on caring about the characters, I need to know that they're expendable. And this film, it felt like that violence on every character. Like any any character can receive this this graphic level of violence. And I do think that the 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 abnormal violence that's in this film is what creates it and and causes it to then cross over into the horror threshold instead of just the thriller or dramatic piece uh, film. You know, I, I do think uh-huh. that because the the violence and the level of <laughs> and the type of violence. Yeah. It's so funny. I, I was watching this movie, man, and the wife came downstairs and she was doing laundry, and she she walked in at the part where, um, I think it, I think it was the part where the dog gets shot or whatever, and she's like, "Oh, she's like that's fucking mean," <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "You just saw that completely out of context. <laughs> like you would not believe." <laughs> what that dog was doing it was earlier. so funny i burst out laughing i was like holy shit yeah it was just like, so jarring to me to see that like to hear her have you know to say that to me i was like oh my god that's <laughs> like um, adam green has said a, a billion times in his podcast that he would never kill a dog on one of his films because it's just something that he wouldn't do and he's like it would really have to be in the right context and i feel like maybe if he saw this film it would be in the right context you know what i mean exactly um, exactly so yeah. totally. and then she watches the yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, then I was going to joke around, like, Mood's wife watches the rest of the film. Oh, they killed Professor X. <laughs> what assholes. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I, I just find that funny. She always walks in at, like, the funniest parts on films, you know? <laughs> and, like and it's like, oh, they killed the dog. That's mean. <laughs> <laughs> but, they yeah, killed John Luke Picard. <laughs> but yeah, uh I absolutely love this film. For the longest time this film was actually in my number 
uh, two to one spot, you know, early in the year, it, it did drop yeah. a little bit, but, um, I love this movie when I seen it. it, I just love the level of violence in it. And to me, it's just a great story and the setting and the music and everything about it. I just, I just dug, I just dug the setting and, and the characters and stuff. Uh, I gave that one 8.5 as well. Nice. Nice. Okay, so I guess it's back to me. It is back Correct. to me. Nice. Number four. Are you ready for this one? I don't think this one's been said yet. Uh-oh. Nice. Ma- masks. masks. Nice. Yes. Right. Uh, film that was kind of... Because technically this is a German film that was released in Germany and... 2011 type deal but is that was... crazy that's like the biggest gap when like technically a film was made and released like i think of um uh what <laughs> all the boys love mandy lane which was like made yeah. in 2006 or something and it got released yeah, in yeah. 2012 cabin <laughs> in the woods that's another one that had like a big gap between it yeah mm-hmm. that's yeah. right yeah and fucking yeah this film just fucking blew me the fuck away andre mm-hmm. Michal, like there was a quote on it I said he was like a a German Dario Argento, and he fucking lives up to that. It's fucking amazing. It opens up with this amazing fucking theme song. This film, it's some of the best music out there. It's like the second best soundtrack out of the year for me. It's fucking amazing. Like the main theme of this theme song, this movie is fucking outstanding. It just gets a hold of you right there and then. And you follow, like, this very interesting story. Like, of course, this film takes place in, like, a girl's school for acting. It's a spear, yeah. Of course. And <laughs> it has all those motif, like, giallo things that happen. And the cool thing that the, the kills are actually fucking awesome in this film. There's mm-hmm. one kill that's fucking really, like, gripping and leans onto, like, the killer, like, stabbing somebody in the face with it. And it's fucking awesome. It's like one of the best kills I've seen all year. It's fucking really mesmerizing, gripping. <laughs> this is a really fucking awesome film with its mesmerizing green tinges and its mesmerizing cinematography. It's a standing film. If you're a fan of Giallo cinema, this is a film you have to really see. 9.5 out of 10. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> you know what? I love when Derek gets excited about a film because every second word out of his mouth is fucking. It's yeah. so great. <laughs> and. <laughs> you well, can legitimately tell that he was super excited to talk about this. <laughs> it's like it's fucking awesome. Cinematography is fucking awesome. <laughs> these these, these harpoon beers are taking effect, guys. It's gonna be a real Massachusetts massacre in here. So. Yeah. yeah, I agree, man. The soundtrack to Masks is is fantastic, and and you know, thank God that you know a company like Real Gore releasing actually put it out uh with the soundtrack you know kind of yeah. like uh, grindhouse you know the same type of thing they put the slipcase soundtrack in there and stuff and uh it's fantastic it really really is i mean who would have thought that you know films like you know uh uh you know masks and stuff like that would be on our list of this year you know these older type films that you know just get the releases and shit like that but in francesca i mean these yeah. kind of shout out films to Italian cinema, you know. Yeah, you know what? I mean, man, that's masks. Two, that's two on our list, so it's I, crazy. I, I was really bummed not to see it because even uh, Jason Lloyd kept hyping it and telling me to check it out. And I think it was on Christian's list on their top ten show. And I swear to God, man, last I night told you to watch it, man. Last night I go to pop in the Blu-ray, uh, and 
your Blu-ray it pops player up does. that there is it, that it's uh, two hours long. And I was like, dude, no fucking way am I watching a two-hour movie. You, you, it doesn't feel like it's two hours at all. Listen, Once but you get dude, it, I, it was so late because I was marathoning movies and uh, I watched football. And I was just like, there's no – I literally looked at the TV. I swear to God. And I was like, there's no fucking way I'm watching a two-hour movie right you now. You should have got some adrenaline from the hospital and shot <laughs> and, it. And I pulled it out and I put in uh, – um, under the shadow the iranian film which was an hour and like 24 minutes and i was like this is more like it <laughs> but i swear to god i looked at the screen i was like there's no fucking way i'm watching a two-hour movie right now i didn't know it was that long and and then i was like oh yeah that's the reason i didn't watch it the other month <laughs> but um uh, man, yeah. drop the ball this year guys my bad <laughs> <laughs> how many films now is that you haven't seen that's crazy uh, it's a, it's a, it's a hand it's more than ever has been before i'll tell you that when that's we did crazy. 2002 96 um 2013 14 and 15 i'm pretty sure i've seen i seen uh there was only like two or three that i hadn't seen on all lists combined wow wow crazy crazy shit uh would you get that one derek nine and a half yeah and that was your number four. All right, so coming in at my number four here is another foreign film. What a surprise. <laughs> Yay. Um, this one is uh, representing, uh, it's like an Iranian film, I believe. I think it's. it might be a, I think it's an Iranian UK production, I believe, or something like that. Um, and, of course, it is called Under the Shadow. Oh, shit. <laughs> we were just talking about this one. <laughs> Yeah, Under the Shadow Man is probably the first film in a while to actually terrify me while watching this film. And it, it was due to a couple different elements, man. Basically, what this film is about is about uh, it's set in the 80s. It's set like kind of in the late 80s, I think, I believe, or something, you know, post revolution and stuff in, in, Iraq, in, in Iran or whatever it is. And you know um, what? I always hate that I don't know the history to these countries because, like, they do give a little backstory. And I was like, I was like, man, I wish I knew a little bit more about this because I feel like it would hold a little bit more weight. But I found it very fascinating. Anyway, the only thing that I'll say, Modes, I, I want to ask you this before you get into your review. Um, was your subtitles moving really fast, like more fast than normal, or was it fine? On Under the Shadow, um, yeah. I think this one might have been pretty normal. I, I think the only subtitle issue I had was. Was it the whaling? Or I watched some film this year, and they were like behind, mm. and it was so frustrating to watch, man. I, See, I think the whaling might have been fine. I feel like this film. I like, they, yeah, that one was. Oh, they talk yeah. so fast in this film that I, I like. I don't know if it's just that that language, um, mm-hmm. or what it is, but it, it's felt like I, I like I would miss like the very like last two words a couple of times when I don't know. It was weird of my cops annoying how I watched it because when I put it in like full like. On the computer, I watched it, and it was on, like, full screen. The subtitles didn't even come up when I had, like, all the menu on the whole screen. It was weird. So I had to watch it, like, on minimal screen. Like, fuck. Oh, that's weird. That's weird. Okay. I believe Eyes My Mother actually – Eyes My Mother actually had weird subtitles, too. It was funny because it's shot in uh, uh, the kind of, like, letterbox, you know, widescreen or whatever, right? But the subtitles were actually – you know where the the black bar on the bottom was? They were Mm -hmm. down there. 
Yeah. It was like so strange. I'm like, that's so fucking weird. It's like it wasn't on the picture. It, it was so bizarre because I was like looking down. <laughs> you know, while we're, reading the we're, sorry, we're so used to watching them on giant screens. <laughs> well, no, I, I watched all these on my big screen and stuff. Like, uh, you know, just yeah, just plug it in, just the HDMI right into my computer, right? And yeah. but, anyways, um, but uh, under the shadow, man, it's 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 another one of those um, kind of uh, family type, not family type films, but you know, about a mother and a daughter. You know, uh, they're living in this post-revolution type era, um, and basically, you know, she was a aspiring doctor at one time the mother was aspiring doctor and stuff like that but you know she's kind of living in the shadow of her husband a little bit because her husband actually is one and he keeps getting stationed at different places out of the country and stuff so essentially she's at home now um raising her daughter drafted yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so that's the thing yeah so he's out there doing all that type of stuff and you know unfortunately she kind of got kicked out of school because at one time in in her life she was you know part of like this revolution and stuff and i guess in those countries they don't look upon that as being a good thing and then <laughs> so she tried kinda... to go back to school because it's been it'd been a while since she stopped her yeah, studies and, and she tries to go back and, the, and the, they're like uh-uh, you'll never ever be able to come back yeah and she was you know not accepted again because of her history with you know the you know the revolution stuff and yeah, and uh, so yeah, she's at home, and the husband leaves, and they're living in this war zone. And this is the most scary thing about the film is that, you know, throughout the film, she's trying to raise her daughter. She's very pissed off at the world and things like that. And every couple minutes, you hear these sirens, and what that means is that they have to go downstairs into this bomb shelter to get away from the potential bomb that might hit their building. And it was fucking terrorizing me. I was just like, oh my god, I couldn't imagine living like this. This is. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah, it really is a beautiful look, like beautiful in sort of a negative way of like the yeah. different types of areas in the world. Like, like this it's is a, real, like people had to do this. Yeah, it's a very political film, but this is very true to what was actually going on at this times and stuff. And it kind of showcases this, this, this bond between this, this mother and her daughter and stuff. And, you know, she kind of doesn't really care for her daughter a whole lot. And it's kind of kind of got this whole thing going on which kind of adds to the element of the film and stuff and essentially what starts happening is you know their building gets bombed and they start getting haunted by this kind of this gin yeah i guess uh a gin is a very it's almost like um more like uh, like our mythological type of witch in the middle east area Uh, a lot of uh, folklore with like a a, a gin which i guess is like a genie right but like an yeah one it travels and it haunts certain things by exactly how this happened you know this bomb hit this place and it kind of traveled in like that way and stuff and it allowed it to get in there and they start getting you know haunted and stuff and then they kind of got to deal with that stuff but uh this is it was a scary scary film and i was very surprised because at first when i first you know read about under the shadow i wasn't 100 percent sure on the film because i was like wow it's pg-13 and i was like i don't you know a lot of the times pg-13 is just kind of a red flag to kind of bypass you know if you're in the crunch yeah. here you watch a lot of stuff it's like well, am i going to check out a pg-13 film is this really going to actually make a top 10 kind of thing i'm really glad i did because uh-huh. i thought the performances were excellent this was an actual terrifying film it scared me i was like if you put yourself into their position it is absolutely horrifying I mean, they're not only being terrorized by, 
you know, their surroundings, the, the, you know, the political means of, you know, the wars and things like that. But now you're being terrorized by this, this unapologetic, uh, you know, demon. And it's like, holy fuck, man. Like, what else could go wrong for these people? You fucking feel so sorry and bad for these characters, man. You're just like, oh, my God, this is awful. And then everything kind of everything that kind of happens from there and stuff is it's really well done. It shot beautifully. I thought the score in this film was really good. I thought the acting was phenomenal. I thought the the mom was excellent in this film. She was really, I loved really her, good. Dude. I loved her a lot. She was Yeah, she, she was, was a great performer. Oh, so good, man. I just love how they even, you know, they, they throw in the aspects of, you know, she's doing the uh, the Jane Fonda workout tape. And you gotta remember this yeah. is taking place <laughs> in, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in these countries, they weren't allowed to own VCRs, and that's a real thing. Yeah. And you know, and she even gives her daughter shit at one time. She's like, You, you don't tell anybody that we have a vcr blah 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 but the the mom is you, you can know, really working. feel her like oppression the exactly the, the women it's, face it's, in that territory oh, mm-hmm. the, the oppression i mean it, it 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 not only becomes you know prevalent within that though but also the time where she's trying to save her family running out of the building but you know in those countries they have to be covered women if they're outside in public they have to be fully covered up so at one point in this film she actually gets arrested for being exposed, which is just her natural skin. Yeah. You yeah. know, so it has all these elements. You're just like, oh my God, it's so fucking frustrating to watch because we live in the Western world. This is not the case. Um, oddly enough, I do see Iranians, even in where I live, you know, they're still covered up and stuff. And I'm like, you know, that's like your country type thing. It's, <laughs> but it's, and it's so bizarre to see people like that still, mm-hmm. you know, in the Western world. It's really crazy. Yeah. But when you're watching this, it's 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 scary on so many different levels. You know, there's so many political undertones. This not undertones. I mean, they're overtones. Really, it's it's very political film. Yeah. Uh, performances are fantastic. It's scary, and you know the setting along with the uh, the story that kind of underlies you know the, the the bond between this mother and daughter. It's a really fantastic film. I, I, I this is the type of film I can't believe that didn't get any hype. You yeah, know, yeah. It's, I, it's, I was super surprised that this film didn't get hype. And I don't know. Do you know if the Exploding Heads crew watched this one? Because I, I was surprised that this thing so. like Brandon's list. This seems like something that Brandon would like. Man, I, I, you know what? I so obviously didn't make it into the list. That's amazing. They apparently did not watch it because they should have. <laughs> <laughs> because they did their list too late. So good, really? man. So good. Like this is a really amazing, heartfelt type film. That you know, just because it's PG thirteen. Don't let it, uh, you know, what Jeremy always used to say, what he said, uh, what did he call it? for under 13 or something. Garbage he literally messaged me that today. He's like, he's like, bye bye man looks pretty interesting, but, uh, I, I can't, something about a pure garbage for 13. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like I've watched a handful of PG 13 films this year that was solid. I didn't actually so, even know that this one was, that's, that's how, you know, yeah. I didn't notice it. I didn't know that until after when I was on IMDb, it says PG 13, but um yeah i mean unfortunately he would miss something like this it's it's a really really damn good movie mm-hmm. and it has a great conclusion and uh it's scary this is one of those films that actually terrified me i was on the edge of my seat the whole thing i'm just like fuck man like bombs and like hitting buildings i'm like oh my it was terrifying me i was i couldn't imagine living like this it, it really hit me in a place where i was like i i just feel blessed to be living in the western world and don't, and don't have to deal with this type of thing. Yeah, again you know? with the uh, the family dynamic, the mother daughter, pretty interesting. The family. Yeah, nice. and uh, exactly another one of these type family films. And um, I really enjoy this one. This is one that 
I might not be a little less higher than you are, but I did enjoy it. It's one that I might see myself rewatching time from time when the DVD comes out and it will grow on me more. Oh, just the time I, that I watched it. Yeah, I thought it was just oh, it was it was an agonizing watch to me, man. It was brutal. I, I loved it. It was crazy. It sat with me for days and days. Um, yeah, not just one last minute. Out of work. Nine. Nine out of oh, ten. Nine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Again, it's you know same level as the other films. Andy, but, uh, did you see that one? I did not. Oh, it's good. Good. Good film. It is a good film. I've got to revisit it more because it's just the time that I watched it. Actually, Dylan actually texted me the other day and he said, Hey, man, you got any films that I definitely did check out and stuff? And I gave him a, you know, a bunch of films. And he's like, yeah, I watched Under the Shadow, but and he didn't sound like overly overwhelmed by it and stuff. And I'm like, really? Like Under the Shadow was amazing. <laughs> you know, I t- tried to sell him on. He's like, ah, I don't know, but that happens, I guess. But um, check it out, peeps, man. Really, really scary stuff. Scary stuff. All right, yeah. Uh, go ahead, Andy. Okay, we're on number four, right? Correct. All right, so my number four one is a film that I'm surprised hasn't been mentioned yet. Uh, it either means you guys didn't like it as much as I did or you liked it more. Uh, <laughs> and it's an anthology film called Southbound. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, this was just a fan- fantastic anthology film. Uh, it-, it appeals more to me because I like the anthology style when the stories kind of just intertwine each other and more of like separate different stories with a, a narrator. Uh, but I- all around, I enjoyed every single story in this one. Uh, I love the setting all set on this highway and everything just clicks together. Uh, all the different characters and different uh, stories appearing and whatnot. Really, really fantastic anthology. Uh, the best one of the year, uh, the few that came out. The only other one I saw was Holidays. I know you guys didn't really care for that one too much, but uh, <laughs> yeah, this this one was definitely way better than that one. Uh, and this one is an 8.5 out of 10. Nice. nice. Nice, nice. I would probably say Southbound is my favorite anthology film of the year, too. Yeah. It's really, really done. I would agree Good with stuff. that. Yeah, it's favorite. got the voice. It's got the voice of Larry Fezzard in it, so that gives it <laughs> yeah, the forehead voice of the film. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, coming into my number four, um, a film that has gotten mixed reviews, but I think the people that like it really like it, and I'm one of the people that really like it. And I mentioned earlier when watching um, – you know, a film that uh, popped up earlier on my list that I got the feels like this is the other one that I was talking about where I got I got strong feelings while watching this film. And uh, that is The Invitation. Um, uh-huh. I absolutely love this movie from start to finish. Um, I was so invested in the characters that um, when things start happening, I was just I, I just I felt something connection towards like the main character and every conversation that happens in this film is almost like whispers. Like it's everybody is talking in these like reserved sort of tones. And I'm just like, this feels like real life to me. I don't know. It felt like the characters interactions with each other were genuine. All of them, whether they were negative or positive were probably the most genuine I've felt in a movie this year. They didn't feel manufactured or script written. They felt genuine. And, uh, to, the, the type of story that this follows, again, with the the father-child uh, dynamic, the mother-child dynamic, it, it just had um, 
these these great themes of loss involved in it in many ways uh, uh it had themes of loss not just not just the main theme that you notice but like other themes like relationships dying relationships getting older like different things that 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 you lose connection with uh where where somebody you can know and and love and be best friends with can be a different person one day out of nowhere and how that affects you and how that affects them and it, it just had so many cool themes to it and um the the actual the actual story like what's happening um i loved it i, I was like it, it was intense to me i was on edge uh it, it's probably the most thrilling film that I, that i've seen this year uh it just had me on the edge of my seat and just so uncomfortable and um Man, I, I just really like this one, and the, and I thought the final shot in the film was fantastic. It it really put the you know icing on the cake of this movie. Um, I, I, I the performances, everything about this movie was good. It was shot fantastically. Uh, the setting was great. This sort of Hollywood Hills vibe that it that it gave off. Um, you know the, the the performances by every single character in this movie were fantastic, fantastic. Uh, absolutely loved it. Uh, give it an eight point five out of ten. <laughs> Dan, you're right. still in the eights now. <laughs> Fucking nuts, man. An eight um, an eight point five is a great rating, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I mean that's uh that's pretty much where I'm in with this one too. Uh I just I felt honestly it was a little predictable. Yeah, in itself. I heard you and, say and that, that was the thing. But what it, but this film wasn't like the it wasn't about like what what they were like that's obvious from the get-go the only just, thing is well that's that, that's the problem because i thought that they were showcasing that aspect of the story you know as a you know almost like a deployed to like put it somewhere else you know but it, it actually ends up kind of being exactly where it started off as and i, I thought it was going to go somewhere else and mm-hmm. have like some kind of crazy twist with, within the characters that were within the story because it's not really it you know you could do that within the story because it wouldn't be a plot hole because they're there they're already there i mean all these characters in that setting have a story you just need to exploit it and kind of put it into the mix of the way i just felt like if it had gone somewhere like that it would have been like holy fuck that that's that's awesome but i just thought maybe i i think i was let down because i was like well it's gonna go this way and it did and I was like, oh, really? Like, I was yeah, totally expecting th- something else. No, there was no point in this film where you might have questioned, like, well, maybe this all could oh, be of in course, Of course. Heads. But they do that. They do that with the Asian guy, right? Like, I mean, they kind of question. Yeah, and, the, and that yeah. was a good – good because right. I, didn't, I didn't see that coming. And I was like, okay, that was a good enough derail. That's but I did not want it to go that way anyway. So I was like, thank yeah, God yeah. it didn't go that way because that would have been like every other fucking movie that tries this. Exactly. But that, I mean, that was the one attempt and that was the one deploy away from the uh, the narrative that was like, well, OK, OK. But I felt like all you needed is one, though. I didn't have a huge, huge problem with it. It was just I, I thought that just the way it was presented, I was like, oh, I want I want I wanted it to kind of develop into something else. I mean, could you imagine if it just developed into like a creature feature? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the, the entire like a giant, film was like, resting he upon... walks behind the roses, comes out of the fucking yeah. ground. Like, 
<laughs> just totally <laughs> history cinema is from dust till dawn. It's like this film, and all of a sudden it turns into this vampires. I mean, when you watch that film for the first time, it's like, holy fuck, it's crazy. It, it's th- so amazing. This movie is about relationships and loss, dude. It, it, the, the, the whole, yeah. you know, yeah. main aspect of what's going on at the end, like it's not really about that. I mean, it adds to the to the tension, but there's a lot. There's a lot of there's a lot of moments where it actually is though, you know, it, it theoretically kind of is, but it isn't at the same time. Yeah. There's more to the story than just this, Yeah, but, but, but the whole reason why it's happening is from loss, you know, it's somebody who couldn't handle loss. And that's yeah. what was powerful to me about the film, because it's like certain people just can't deal with this type of situation. They just can't, mm-hmm. they look for other, uh, worldly, things to fall into to to sort of heal their wounds and it did kind of work but it didn't kind of work like it i'm not sure a lot of that aspect to it i i think once I, when i was actually watching the film and i was you know 20 25 minutes in the film and I, I i i mentioned in our group chat i said just randomly out of the blue i said don't drink the kool-aid <laughs> And yeah, that but was, that's what. But, but I, I got those vibes right away. As soon as, as soon as they stepped in the house, and then they're like, "I'm like, okay, that that person's weird. That person's a little too weird." Like I knew, yeah. I knew right away that that's what it was. But it didn't bother me. It didn't bother me because like that, that like that is the story. So I, I don't know. I. I I think that the the intention was to let you know right away that, that something's wrong here and then throw you for a loop a little later to maybe second guess your judgment, which did work because I did second guess. Turns out, I was, you know, once it is revealed. The end of the film was on. cool. The end of the film was cool. It's yeah. haunting. Like, it's I'll, chilling. I'll, I'll, I'll give it that. Yeah. yeah I, and that's that's one thing that redeemed. And that's the reason why, you know, that film is going to be, you know, on my other list. <laughs> but no, I really, yeah, I thought that was a redeemable a quality to the film. And I was like, yeah, that's actually really cool. So it has some cool performances like uh, Logan Marshall Green and John Carroll Lynch. They do. God, Jobs God Derek, when his fucking names. John knows Car- everybody. Who, who was the, um, the girl, the, the ex-wife. <clears throat> she killed it for me. Mm-hmm. Tammy Blanchard. I loved her, like, and I loved the lead, the lead guy. I like yeah, Logan Marshall Green. Yeah. Uh, just, I don't know, man. From the very beginning of the film, where where they're just sort John, of in this John, stupor, they're just going through life in this this just sort of numb. The ass, one moment, this, this the, numb fucking. Ugh, it's it, it just works. There for is me this tension that is hard to ignore in the film. Mad, you know, and, and and it's very. It's very appalling too. You're just like, ah, oh, God, and and it's very, it's uneasy and shit like that. And that's actually this one of the biggest selling points of the film for me is because it's like it's kind of like that. But I'm like, ah, oh, I, I kept think thinking to myself, like, it is it going this way? The one uh, high, it, it's definitely uh, it's an eight point five for me too. It's why it's not on my list, of course. But it's going to be in my top like thirty list later down. But mm-hmm. one high, like jo- John Carroll Lynch's, uh, he plays a. Uh, the 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 girlfriend the ex wife's husband's friend that comes and visits it's him of course he's from like a Zodiac and a Drew Carey show and uh, <laughs> oh, yeah 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 man. yeah Drew Carey's I brother. love that show man Cleveland yeah. rocks <laughs> but when he's telling the story about what happened to his wife in the film it's like like very dark and like fucking like this guy killed his wife and then. He went and murdered that guy, and then he's like, "What the fuck?" 
<laughs> okay. No, it, oh, it was like very dark. Like, like don't know, like, drink the Kool Aid. Yeah. <laughs> In right. this case, why? But yeah. Derek, you're next. What you got for the top three? Top three time. Top three. Baby, oh, baby. Yeah. Three. Number three. The Neon Demon. Oh. Oh wow! I'm I'm actually surprised you had him on the list. I thought you were gonna hate on it and be like, "It sucks." <laughs> no, I fucking love this you film, can man. Up time, man. It's cool. It's cool. I don't understand the hate for this film at all. It's a visual, stunning masterpiece, and it has a lot of going for it. It has a lot of like character development with like its psychological aspect of Ellie Fannin's character. I, I missed what what you said, Derek. What was it? Psychological. No, no, the movie. The Neon Demon. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yes. And with Ellie Fannin's character who goes through her everyday life and it's her against this modeling system and the characters that are surrounding her life like Keanu Reeves and her boyfriend and the other models, Jenna Malone. And I like, like, this is like one of those casts that works very well together. I like like Jenna Malone. At, I watched her like growing up in like other films, like different, not like horror films, but other films. But it was just really surreal to see like all these like characters together, and they work well with like the situations and what is going on in the film. It's like Mood said earlier, like with the beauty versus the beast, and it really tells that story well with like the aspect that goes into its ending. And the soundtrack's outstanding in this film, and like with its neon colors, and it's very Italian influenced. Even the fucking posters look amazing for this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. 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 Is it wrong that I uh, that I jerked off like four times during the Jenna Malone? Ne- necrophilia scene. Of course not. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why Zach doesn't like that. It has Dude, that shit was like shocking to me. I was like, oh my god. I would have like, too if they threw in some incest, but Dude, when she threw her tongue into the that mouth, was, I actually like her- I actually puked in my mouth a little bit. I was like, oh but I was jerking off, so I was like, I'm enjoying this. <laughs> it was like so wrong. That was a fucked up scene, man. That was a fucked up scene. That's the what the fuck moment of the year for me. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah, so yeah, I fucking love this film, man. Nine point five out of ten. Nine point nice. five out of ten. All right. Fuck you, Zach. Move back to you. <laughs> Shit, man. So into the top three, man. Um, this is a film that has been brought up already, and it is, of course, the witch. I clickety clackety. clackety. What is this? Wait, all three, all four of us, three, four. I don't know. Um, yeah, man, the witch. What a, a, a an immense slow burn awesomeness this film has, man. I, it's so great. The the one thing about this film that really sold me was the fucking dialogue, man. The dialect used in this film was mind blowing. Was mind blowing. I someone had told me before I watched this film, I'm like, man keep the subtitles on kind of thing. Good thing I did when I first watched it because I wouldn't be able to understand anything that old, you know, kind of 50 or 17th century type talk or whatever the fuck it is. Oh, dude, it was so amazing. I I, I give mad props just for writing that shit. I don't even know how the fuck you spell those words, man. It's crazy. (laughs) It's crazy to me, man. But I thought the whole dialect and the whole approach to the film being a period piece was done so well. The cinematography is second to none. It's it's probably it's by far the best 
a shot film of the year acted the story is fantastic it's a great slow burn um it just the way it develops is is like almost like a perfect film um my one little gripe is the end of this film a little bit it, it was kind of a little bit dis, dis uh disheartening uh just kind of the way it went down but it didn't ruin anything for me you know too too much but the witch is a fantastic fantastic film it's one that i don't really like to talk about a whole lot because you can't really say a whole lot about it yeah without ruining things because mm-hmm. it's just that type of it's such a slow burn film that like when something happens that's a major thing <laughs> you know it's like uh but i do like the story man i like the whole banished you know family they're out here they're doing their thing and stuff but really really amazing stuff man haunting score um yeah, fantastic stuff, man. Uh, I give this one another 9 out of 10. The ending was kind of a big thing for me. It was like, oh, fuck. I, I, I never fully wanted... I, I didn't really get it too, too much, but... Not get it, get it, but I... I just wanted, you know, something else, but, uh, you know, I, even upon rewatch, I was like, uh, same thing, same thing. Beautiful film. Really good stuff. Deserving to be... You know, in everyone's top ten list, in my opinion. But uh, besides Zach, the Vavitch. Listen, <laughs> fucking drives me crazy when people type it out as VV itch. Drives me yeah. fucking nuts. <laughs> I it's not what it is. Okay, I listen to the commentary, and even the director points out that like I, it's kind of annoying <laughs> because it's just a font. It's an old looking font, and like it's so- it's not V's. Okay, it's a W. <laughs> especially especially when the Explosive it's, Heads guys it's a, does it. The bitch. <laughs> it's, especially it's when those fucking, Explosive Heads guys do it. it like, I, I heard Ryan Tierick say it, that like he's like, man, journalist, like, seriously, you don't have to type it VV itch every time. And I'm like, I'm with you on that, bro. Because it was annoying the hell out of me, too. Like, it's, yeah. little stuff like that gets under my skin. Go ahead, Andy. What's your number three? All right, my number three. It might be kind of shocking, I guess. Uh, it's a film that's got a lot of mixed reviews. Uh, I didn't really hear anybody say they didn't like it. They just didn't think it was as good as the first film. And that is The Conjuring 2. Oh, you know, I actually forgot about that one. Uh, personally, I might be the only person on the planet to say this, but I actually enjoyed this one more than the first movie. Quite a bit, actually. Probably uh, not. I, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> You're probably not wrong, man. You might be the only person. No, too. I've no, heard I, a bunch of people say that. I feel that way too. I didn't enjoy it much more, but I did enjoy it more. Oh, by the way, JP, I actually went back. At last show, you said that I gave the original Conjuring a seven and a half. I actually gave it an eight. Hence my rating on this one, which was lower. You're like, hey, you gave it the same rating. No, I thought I no, said I you gave it. An eight. <laughs> no, you said I gave it a seven and a half. You're like, hey, you gave it the same damn rating. Because remember, I was talking about. I said I gave, I gave it a seven and a half. You're like, how could it be? Because you said you liked the first one more. I'm like, I did. I gave it an eight. <laughs> wait, you went. Wait, so you went back and listened to the top ten show? I did not. I went back and checked out the top ten uh, page on our fucking on our uh, website. Uh, <laughs> it's out of ten on there. Yeah, I, thought, I was like, I, I could have sworn that I took. Are you talking? I think you're talking about a different film, man. No, no, no. You were like because we were talking about it on the show, and you're like, no. I was like, what did I rate the first one? Yeah, it was during the what uh, we I, watched when I, I reviewed it. Yeah, that's right. When he reviewed it, and you're like, "Ah, uh, you gave it a seven and a half," and I was like, "I give it a, I give the part two a seven and a half." You're like, "You give it the same thing." I thought you liked that one more, and I'm like, "Nah." But uh, turns out that I gave the first one an eight. Uh, are you sure you didn't just give this this new one an eight as well? 
He might have said eight. I think on you gave this new one an eight as well. Me a seven and a half. It's literally sitting in front of me as a seven and a half. I'll so, have to yeah, check that, the audio. That, that fucking CGI <laughs> dog scene still pisses me off. In that, <laughs> I, I actually, I actually thought it was probably entertaining when they did that. <laughs> uh, but, seven and a half, but whatever. No, this but, is a lot of, this is one thing I like in the CGI realm is real animals. Yeah, I guess. But I, I get what it was trying to do. It was appealing yeah. to things that would scare kids. You know, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I just found this one to be extremely creepy and atmospheric. Uh, uh, I love I love the characters of the Warrens. Uh, whether or not you believe their their stories or whatnot, uh, it's based on their events and their yeah their stories. So I, I think they executed it pretty well. Um, I loved I love the nun thing. I think the nun's really a cool character. I, hopefully, it spawns a better spinoff movie than Annabelle did. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, but yeah, I give this one a nine out of ten. Nice. Nice. Sweet. Sweet. Still a good film. I enjoyed it. I gave it like an 8.5, I believe, on that episode. I, I gave it a 8, I believe. And I'm the lowest of a 7.5. Yeah, there was a couple moments in the film that actually made me laugh out loud, but like not in a good way. Patrick Wilson singing Elvis? <laughs> No, I mean, I mean that is what it is. But like, there was just a couple scenes, and I don't want to give them away because people might like them. But uh, it was just like, are you? <laughs> like, it burst out laughing a couple times. I actually watched this with the wife. Oh, I, I, she, she, I think she, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I got you. She liked it more than I did because I asked her what you rate. She's like, I give it about an eight, eight and a half. And I'm like, whoa, shit! It's <laughs> <laughs> a really, really well done sequel. Yeah. Oh, it's a good sequel, but. <clears throat> Right. Yeah. So, breaking into my top three to round off the top three here. Um, honestly, all three of my top three kind of went back and forth a bit, and it wasn't until a it, it it wasn't until like I don't know maybe a day ago that I finally settled. Um, my number three is a film that has not been mentioned yet, and it's also oh. a film that a lot of people debated on whether it's horror or not. I thought it was horror enough to sneak into my top ten, uh, and that is the Good Neighbor. Uh, so yeah, wow. I nice. I absolutely love this movie. Um, I first of all, just the concept. Uh, you have to kind of be with it or against it right away. Like if you're against it, you're obviously not going to like this movie. But you have to believe that these characters could set up these cameras in this guy's house. And the only reason I gave it a pass was because they broke out and told you what kind of camera they're using. They broke it all down. They were like, we got a PB-876 to go over here. We got and, and they you know broke it down like exactly what kind of technology they was using and how it could work. So I was like, okay, I'm going to give it a pass. Um, and basically they, the, the very concept of this movie is they're going to plant a bunch of shit in this dude's house. And then film his reactions to it, and if he, uh, you know, see if it has an effect on what his, his beliefs or not, his beliefs on the paranormal. And I'm like, you know what? That's a dumb enough fucking idea for a 16 year old to do. Like, I was like, you know what? Like, a 16 year old me could be convinced to do that shit, right? Think it's just a harmless prank, you know, it ain't gonna be a big deal. Never mind the B and E charge. Um, but, uh, you know, and I was wondering where the hell is this film gonna go? Where the hell is this film gonna go? And I and I was liking where it was going. And they did something that 
uh, Moods sometimes has an issue with is where they showed scenes at the end of the film, not at the end of the film. And, um, I don't, you know, almost like a, well, at least these ones weren't in the beginning of the film. Yeah. They were sort of towards the middle ish area. Exactly. That's fine. That's fine. What sold me on this film 100% and what bumped it up for me was the ending. Um, the ending a hundred percent pays off. And at first, when the first main end part happens, I was like, Oh damn. And then it plays out exactly how it probably would in real life where you have, um, these kids in way over their head and, you know, then at the very end, I was like, well, depending on what happens to everybody will determine if I like this or not. And at first I was like thinking that it should go this way and that's the satisfying ending. And then when it went the other way, I was kind of like, oh wait, that's even worse. Like it's Mm -hmm. even more of a downer ending when I thought that if it went the other way, it would be the better downer ending, but turns out both ways would have been downer endings, but this one's kind of even better of a downer. So I was like, all right, I'm, I'm a hundred percent with this movie. Don't want to spoil anything, obviously. Cause the ending is, is key to this movie. Um, mm-hmm. it just, to me, it seemed like the perfect mixture of just like, what, where the hell is this going to when it got there? I was like, sold, you killed it. You hit it out of the park. That's exactly how you end a movie like this. And I just loved watching the two characters be teenagers and sit in a room drinking beer. The mom reminded me of like tons of my friends' moms who was just kind of there but not kind of there, let you get away with stuff, let you do what you kind of wanted. Like that's how I grew up. Uh, you know, my family, my friends' families, they, they all kind of just let us do our thing. And sometimes that would cause us to get in trouble. And I was like, that's what these kids are doing. But they just took it to the next level. And um, yeah, loved it. Man. <clears throat> great, great, great psychological awesome just just didn't know where it was going um great movie. i'm not gonna lie man this movie right here actually made me cry whoa the end of the movie actually made me tear up man i was i was so involved in this film and i was like the the wife's watching and she's like are you crying i'm like no <laughs> <laughs> fucking wipe it i'm like this is fucking the end of the movie was so damn sad to me i was like what the fuck man that's I actually... if you think of it as a whole my god dude it's so brutal it's so brutal i was like i fucking was wiping this tear away <laughs> what the fuck is happening to me man i, I loved it. it it was so good i actually rewatched it again after i reviewed it and I, I actually enjoyed it a lot more the second time around it's like one of those films where a second time view is good for me because it, it might have been just the mood i was in when i i literally watched in. it the night after you reviewed it i remember when we did it on the uh, last episode yeah, there. It, I yeah. watched it this night and I was like, oh my god. I was like, Derek's review fucking is making me cry more. <laughs> so, did what, who's the actor? James Kahn? Yeah, he's fucking yeah, terrific. Does a great man. job, man. Um, it oh, just, it, to me, you ever watch one of those um, like kids in prison or like uh, any any sort of these documentaries on like people and every once in a while there's these, these one kid kids who just kind of fucked up like they just they just kind of didn't know that something was gonna get that out of hand and it's like now they're fucking paying for it with like life in prison type thing it reminded me kind of of that and i was just like just just fucking damn man and i love man this movie was like a great great watch for me Uh, i gave it a nine out of ten so that's my first nine good stuff man (laughs) damn yeah i loved it man it's just 
I mean, I couldn't tell you how many horror films of recent memory have made me tear up. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's like it just—you get so invested in it. It's, it's a damaging story. Did you see like, any? Oh did you see God. that ending coming at all? Uh, no, no. I—I th- I, I, <laughs> mean, honestly, I, I had of, I, there's no way I would have teared up, man. There's no way. But I was like, it's I felt so like a subtle fuck. too. What I felt happened? Like a little girl once, with a skin knee and shit, man. I was wiping the tears away. <laughs> once you find out what happened, you're just like, oh shit, that's very simple. <laughs> that, it is, man. It's simple, but it's so damn effective, man. I mean, yeah, really, really this good shit. One little thing that happened just caused this catastrophic event. Ugh. Yep, mm, that's right. true. That's so, true. So, um, yeah. Back to you, Derek, for number two. Number two, are you guys ready? Mm-hmm. I am. Sir, Sergio Diabolico. Wow, damn, number two. Wow, shit. I mm-hmm. fucking love this fucking movie so much. Derek's Adrian, getting drunk. <laughs> He's getting bored. <laughs> Adrian Garcia Volgiano, one of my favorite directors. I love every single one of his films that I saw today. The, the ones I've seen, there's a few of like his earlier films that I haven't seen yet, so I can't comment on those, but... I'm a big yeah, fan I'm of like, I'm the big fan of Cold Sweat, Penumbra, Late Phases, uh, Here Comes the Devil, all solid like films. And your have book. you seen Thirty Six Steps yet or Thirty Six Pesos? No, I still gotta grab that one. I heard good things about that one. It's 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 still good, man. For you know, low budget indie film, fuck, dude's yeah. good, man. And this one kind of goes back to his roots, kind of, because it's kind of like a basic like low budget film. Yeah. Uh, it has, it's just a simple story because he just came from back from doing late phases, which was like you know like a werewolf film. If you haven't seen that, it's pretty obvious from the yeah, title. Yeah, I believe that actually made my number two of two thousand. You know, you're looking at his filmography and you, you think of late phases, and it, it it's kind of like an offbeat film for him. You know, he hasn't like he he changes up quite a bit, but like I mean, that one is just out there for him. You know, yeah. it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and it's just. Like the story of like this uh, business guy, and he's just getting shit on every day, and he decides one day I'm gonna get back at them and do something for me. So he does this thing, an event that happens, and it ends up causing like these catastrophic events that leads to this fucking chaotic ending. This yeah. ending blew me the fuck away. Like it was just outstanding, and just the. Lots of good like stuff. There's even some gore in this film. A lot of like dark, humorous moments with like, and a lot of hot girls. I have to say, a lot of like hot, naked Spanish girls in this film, which is fucking awesome. So <laughs> yeah. that's always a plus. And yeah, I just fucking love this one. Hit it out of the park. Amazing soundtrack with a mixture of like uh, up bento music and the sound designer. Uh, ironically, is a uh, Liz Ortega. Who directed Atroz? He was yeah, the sound yeah. designer. He was, he was the sound designer on this one. Oh, that's cool, and, man. That's cool. Yeah, so there's a lot of like cool like sound designs and moments in this film where you hear like certain sounds and it works for like the ability of like jump scares and and it works for like the tension of the scenes and certain scenes that happen in the film. And the endings is fucking awesome. Love this film for a passion. Nine point five out of ten. <laughs> baby, baby. Yeah, man, man, he does a, like amazing work. He really and does. I'm, I'm excited for his new film. It's about a possessed vinyl. Dude, <laughs> you can't get any better than that shit, and man. It's set in it, Sweden and it stars Christina Lindbergh. 
Oh, dude, that's amazing. Thriller. Baby, baby, it was produced by Synapse. Jesus Christ, stop. <laughs> <laughs> he said, Jesus Christ, stop. <laughs> He's like, I can't take it. <laughs> He's getting a boner. Just listen. That's, moods, that's fucking awesome. Number two. <laughs> All right, man. Um, getting into my number two here is one that has been uh, mentioned here. Uh, but man, I love the shit out of this one, and that of course is Masks. Yes. You know the the oldest film on the list, you know, kind of thing. Uh, the this, this one all around was just to me was almost almost a masterpiece, man. Like, I mean, it's like I I, I don't know how these films are still being made like this. It it captures everything you want to see from a giallo, but it's you know it's a German film. But when you when you think of German films, man, you think of like German splatter films and stuff. Yeah, that's kind of what they're known for. But like when I hear a giallo coming out of Germany, I'm just like, what the fuck, man? This this shit blew my mind. It's a great story. It's very influenced, of course, by uh, Argento's Suspiria, you know, the whole school thing and stuff. But this one is is executed in my in my mind almost perfect, almost perfect, man. It's it's very suspenseful. Lots of great kills, but it's it's got this amazing pace to the film. There's never really any downtime. I mean, that's one thing I always hear from people about Suspiria. It's very slow and kind of, you know, kind of melodic and stuff. This one right here has a lot of really good shit going. It develops really good characters. Uh, a lot of oh. characters that you just love to hate and things like that. But but when it gets kind of into the nitty gritty of the film, it, uh, it, de- it just works so well. It delivers mm-hmm. so much in, in its aspect. It's psychological. Oh, the uh, fucking, the killer's weapon's fucking amazing. Totally, totally, man. And it's got some great twists and turns and stuff, man. This one delivers it all with a fantastic score. Cinematography is amazing. The acting is fantastic. The lead girl is beautiful and awesome. She plays it off so well in this one. This one doesn't really have a lot of faults to it at all. You know, it really doesn't, man. Um, I think maybe, you know, it's minor fault. It's a, It might be a little bit tad too long. But this one kind of ripped along at a pace where it didn't really matter to me too, too much, but you know, it caught, it probably could have been cut down a tad bit, but, uh, um, you know, it's a giallo, man. You can't, you can't give details without ruinous. Everybody needs to see masks. It's fantastic, man. Uh, this one for myself is a solid nine and a half out of 10. It's almost perfect. Check it out, man. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. I agree. Right. Loved it. I loved every minute of this film, man. Really, and you know the funny thing upon rewatch, I was just like, "Oh my god!" Watched the film, popped in the soundtrack after, jerked oh, off played... a few times to the soundtrack because it was so damn juicy. Oh, it's good, man. I was walking by the stoplight at night with the soundtrack going because of the green. Yeah, man. it's so good, man. It's just got so many good elements. I, I love how they introduce characters and and what's happening and stuff. And it's got really good twists and turns in this film. Yeah. Really good stuff. What's going on? It's like, yeah, I like it. I like it. <laughs> Andre Michel, awesome job. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Germans are making the giallos, man. Yeah. All right. So, all right. Number two. All right. So, my number two film might surprise you guys in particular. I don't know about the listeners, but it's a film that I've kind of been hyping up 
pretty much all year long. Uh, it's a film that I feel like I talked about too much and want to shut up about, and it is Darling. Wow. I thought Darling was going to be your number one. So. Yeah, that's why I thought I was surprised you guys. Uh, nah, this this film, this film all around is just great. The atmosphere. The first time I saw this and I, I reviewed it, uh, it was I um, compared it to like a film like Rosemary's Baby with the atmosphere. Not saying it is as good as Rosemary's Baby. Of course not. It's that's probably one of the best horror movies ever made. Uh, but this fantastic all around. The psychological aspect of this film is mind boggling. It fucks with you. The the side story about what's potentially behind that door. I'm kind of a little disappointed they didn't really uh, dive into that more. Uh, but really, really good. The only the only real negative thing I had to say about this film, um, something I didn't even know if people would even really notice. Uh, but there's a few scenes when they're they're outside and she's walking around. Uh, the, the confusing thing about this film is you're not really sure when it's set, what time period it's set in. Uh, it leaves you to believe like the style of the film and the way she's dressed. That'd be like the 50s or 60s. Uh, but when they're outside walking, you notice in the background some modernized cars. I don't know if that's just due to uh, like the budget of the film or whatnot. But I th- thought they could have tried to edit that out or whatnot. But that's my only real gripe with the film. Um, the one... But, uh, Killing this film is fantastic. It's kind of just totally mean spirited and kind of fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> all around, just a fantastic film. It's <clears throat> one a nine and a half out of ten. So exactly, right. when is it supposed to take place? Anybody I, have I, any ideas on that one? I have no idea. This one? <laughs> no idea, man. Because you know, I I kind of thought about the same thing, and you know, with the modern, you know, a little bit of the modern stuff in there. I, you know, sometimes that happens in these budget type films. You know, they just kind of they can't I, get I they can't avoid was... using. Does it specifically say when it takes place? No, oh, no, it well, doesn't. I, I it doesn't. I didn't. I when I watched it, like it was a modern film that just felt old school, similar to like it follows. Is it? Is yeah. Is is it one of those cases where you know just being shot in white is kind of obscuring our our thoughts on the time period? It, like it, it's meant to be old, but it's actually not. I don't yeah, know. It totally confused me. That's one the only problem I had with it. <laughs> I wasn't sure yeah. when it was set. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, you know, good point though, man. But uh Lauren Carter, man, she does fucking Oh uh, yeah, it's great performance. So, I'm sure so I'm sure I'll mention that man. again when we get into the awards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean you might hear her name a few times tonight there. Um She's the girl that was in uh, Jug Face. Jug Face mm-hmm. was a film that I fucking loved from two thousand thirteen. It was just Probably, honestly, it's it's one of the best horror films of the decade so far in my. There's opinion. actually a lot of actors from Jugface in this movie, like I mentioned. What? So what yeah, kind of? Sh- yeah, they must have some kind of weird connection. Sean Young and Larry Fessenden. Yeah, yeah. So, but, uh, what was your rating on that, Andy? Nine point five. Oh. Nine point five for Darling. All right. <coughs> so my number two film has been mentioned. A uh, couple oh. of times, I believe. Uh, it is uh, the Neon Demon. Yes. Yeah. Number I dance. I uh, I really love the Neon Demon. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people, before I ever even saw it, it was getting reviewed. Even though I got a press copy, so I got mine early, and I didn't wait long to watch it either. But even like the reviews that I heard out of the festival circuit and stuff like that uh, was style over substance. That was the that was you can pretty much find many 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 articles uh reviews titled uh style over substance or like plenty of style no substance stuff like that (laughs) and um 
I never ever once saw this film as that because it has style, of course. Maybe style is emphasized over substance. That might be true because the style, no doubt, is is the emphasis of the film. But there is definitely substance to this movie, 100%. There's plenty of shit going on in this movie. Tons of stuff going on in this movie. And, um, I, you know, I'm not going to go into it too much because we, we've talked about it three times now. Um, I just thought it was fantastic, uh, start to finish. Uh, I loved the, the things that were going on in the film. I, I 100% love films that are set in, like, an industry, like Starry Eyes. Like, honestly, Starry Eyes probably would have been my number two uh, had I redone my 2014 list because mm-hmm. it, it was really good. And this film is this year's Starry Eyes. And I think this one is probably a little bit better than Starry Eyes, but not by much. Uh, this one, uh, just, I love the colors in it. I love the look of it. I loved just the moments in the movie. Like there was these isolated scenes where I was like, that's a brilliant scene. Like, like mood said, it's a movie that could be taught to, to, you know, classrooms because you can take individual scenes like all great movies and analyze each scene by themselves. And that's what I liked about I love that you can do that with this movie. Um, that's why it didn't feel long or, or slow to me because each scene I was so engulfed and invested in what was happening. And I was like, Oh my God, that scene was, that scene alone was so brilliant. Like that, the director, very smart, like his choices or hers. I don't even know who did this film. Um, I like Keanu Reeves as well. <laughs> Honestly, like yeah, he's such a piece of shit. Yeah, in this movie. yeah. There's so, so much themes going on in this movie. Um, I actually got my rating talked up during during this review. Um, it was going to be a nine, but but uh, during this podcast, rather, uh, I've bumped it up to a nine point five because of Mood's great conversation on it, and it just got oh, me. It got re- me remembering why I liked it so much, and because <laughs> it's been I didn't rewatch this one. It's been a few months since I've checked it out. Um, but, oh my god, don't you know what that means? Uh, Dude, yeah. I really put a lot of thought into <laughs> into what I wanted to say about it, but I could have talked about it forever, but yeah. wow. It would have been it, a great it's a, film it's a, to cover a, on a featured review. Um, but yeah, n- 9.5 out of 10 on the Neon Demon. I literally said that to the wife too. I said, man, it's such a shame that we never got to cover this film as a uh, – you know, a full length review because it would have been fucking fantastic. You know, I mean, to talk about this film for an hour and a half, (laughs) great, but yeah, I can, I can totally understand where, you know, even Dave is coming from. He said he could talk about the neon demon for like, you know, an hour, you know, kind of thing. I'm like, I, Are I you guess better I talk about the witch. Click it. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> you can talk about the witch for probably five hours, but yeah, I don't know. Good stuff. All right. Derek, Derek, we number uh, one time. Is it time for drum rolls? <sighs> drum rolls. Put those in post production. Uh, <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> All right. My number one film of the year. You probably already know what it is. Shin Godzilla. <clears throat> oh, I was choked. Did oh. you? It's <laughs> actually literally taking a drink. You know what's funny about Shin Godzilla is um, when I was doing the definitive top 10 that we'll get to in a little bit, um, one person 
out of all of the participants had Godzilla on their list, and they had it at number one. <laughs> wow. I think I, I think I know who it is too. Who is it? <laughs> Dylan. Yes. <laughs> it, was, I mean, it was Dylan. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good film though, man. It really is. It's. I, I don't think a lot of people saw it though. So it's. Let's see. First off, let's just, I'll get into like the aesthetics of the film. This film is directed by Hideaki Anno, who this is actually his first full feature directing film. He's mostly known for being He's an animated. What was that? <laughs> is he gnome? Is he really short and sitting, no. sits in a garden? No, mostly known. Oh, that's not what you gnome. said. He's mostly gnome. <laughs> I heard known. Known. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's mostly known for being an animated director. He only directed animated films in Japan before. He's known for creating Evangelion, which is a very fantastic series. He directed every series for that up to this point. He's still directing it. And this is something that he wanted to do for a while, is make a Godzilla film. And finally, Toho trusted him to do this, and he wrote the screenplay. And what he pretty much wanted to do with this film, instead of like like Godzilla '94, what '84 did was it was pretty much a sequel to the first Godzilla film, but it excluded like everything that happened after Godzilla '54, and then Godzilla '84 was a sequel to that one, and then everything else was a sequel to the original Godzilla. This one rebooted it to the very beginning. Godzilla '54 never happened. And it was never meant. This is the first Godzilla that ever appeared in Japan. And I gotta say, what they do, they do it for the time period of what Japan is going through with like all its nuclear waste that is being dumped into the ocean, the radiation, the tidal waves. It's all being told through this metaphor of Godzilla, just like back in the 50s when it was told from Hiroshima and the history of like atomic abuse and that has happened happening throughout the world. And it's just phenomenal. The visual, mm, that's a good aesthetic, point. the visual aesthetics of this film are phenomena. And a lot of like, of the things that I were hearing, like negatives of this film, like online after I watched it. And, uh, even Mr. Jason Lloyd even had negatives about this certain thing is the characters of the film, which the characters, what they do with them. It's not really, about, like 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 a lot of Godzilla films center around like one family. This is one like mass group of people, and it involves the government of Japan. And I can see why like certain people would think that would be boring because they're talking a lot of like political things. But this is a group of people trying to think figure out a natural disaster, and Eric, it works. So so do they? You you mentioned about how the, it was like the nuclear thing. So do they directly tie it to Fukushima? They like nuclear waste in the ocean. It yeah, kinda... that memory Fukushima happened a couple years ago. It was like yeah, it's, it's, with... it's exactly mm-hmm. how they don't mention like it doesn't really mention it in direct like response because they don't want to, but they do mention like a little cool reference which I'll get into later uh, about like certain like Easter eggs with this film. It has like this with the, like the nuclear waste dump and and. The way this Godzilla comes is very different than the original. It's not yeah, like yeah. a dinosaur. It's like an organism that builds and builds and grows and grows. And 
without giving a little too much away. Godzilla is basically he's kind of like the uh, monster version of like Toxic it's, Avenger, or like in particular words, like if you ever seen Godzilla versus Destroyer, he's kind of like Destroyer in this film. Yeah, I mean, you know, Godzilla was kind of based on eating nuclear waste and stuff like that, and you know, just. I, when I when I when like, I watched the like film, you, it, it kind of reminded me of watching you know Toxic Avenger. You know, not as silly, obviously, <laughs> but yeah. just kind of similar. But, yeah, uh, yeah, like when the first time you see him, it won't look like Godzilla like we know and see Godzilla. But this one's actually an accident. It's he, an accident. Yeah, so. he goes through a lot of changes throughout the film, mm. and it dwells into like a lot of like the cool like settings. Like the soundtrack, also done by Shiro Sagazi, is fucking amazing. Perversions of Evexion is amazing, like fucking piece of music. I probably posted it on my Facebook page numerous times. It's just very haunting and mesmerizing. It plays in a key scene. But unbeknownst, when I saw this film in theaters, they actually use music from a character who is the famed composer of like all the original Godzilla films. And they use his music in key spots that is fucking mesmerizing and haunting when you hear them on the screen, like in certain key scenes, like when Godzilla is coming ashore, we hear like the famous Godzilla theme and it's fucking phenomenal. Oh, really? Wow. And another thing that they do that's really cool and interesting with this film is they actually use all the old sound effects from the Showa era Godzilla films. Like all the old roars are all from the Showa, like all the old seventies and early sixties and fifties ones. And they use like all the old like sound effects, like tail swoops and the footsteps. They all use them from like the E.G. Subaraya library of sound effects. You're just fucking saying words, bro. <laughs> like half the things you're saying, I don't even know what they're references to. <laughs> E.G. Subaraya <laughs> is the original guy who created all the like suits and animation. Okay, and let sound. me ask uh, you this: He, this kn- he knows what he's talking thing about. I man. care about. Okay, this is the only thing I care about, and and I don't even think you mentioned it yet. How are how is Godzilla like? How are the effects? Fucking outstanding! Godzilla is it CG? Is, is it a guy I, in a what, suit? What, is what it... did I tell you? It... What did I say? I said this is probably the best looking Godzilla of all it's time. It's a mixture of a puppet, like a puppetry, like in certain scenes, and pseudom, not pseudomation, but stop motion suits. It's a guy, it's still an active performance. But it is CG, but it's really good CG. Okay, that's it's all. That, like, if the it, point if it where looks it looks good, like, it, looks, <coughs> it looks fucking real, man. Like the effects in this film are ridiculous. And there's it's a lot like, of like it's top notch. It's like the best shit I've ever seen in, like, in a film like this. It's amazing. Like it's, when when Godzilla's stomping, stomping the cities and roaming through and stuff, it looks so fucking good. It and looks just, amazing. And just knowing like all the small facts, like they use like the original scores and they use like the sound effects from the old films, it makes it really good because you can see that Anno and his team of specializes actually did a good job of observing what Godzilla really is and showing that he is still the true king of the monsters, of being like this pure like metaphor for this horror that happens with like nuclear energy and the uses and the disuses and how you would react to like this situation. And it's a very compelling with some great performances like John Kinnamara, who actually was in the wheel and was also in this film. He plays one of the generals and we also get appearance by, I said this previous in another episode, 
uh, famed director and actor Ashina Toscamato, who plays one of the scientists in this film. And this is a really good cast of like different like character actors that I've seen over the years and certain other films from Japan. And it all works for me, and it's a very phenomenal film. If you're a fan of Godzilla and you're a fan of like giant kaiju and monster films, this is definitely one that you have to see for yourself. I'm giving it a 10 out of 10. It's just a mesmerizing experience, and it's one of the best theater experiences I had all year. It should be the best, not one of the best. Nice. Nice. Well, yeah, it, it I will, you know what I mean. I, I, was I will admit, man, it, it's a really, really fucking good film. That, it really is, man. The, very... the effects are amazing. Like, I was fucking thrown back at how good this movie looked. It looks and it's so damn so good. so dark, too. Cause it is like, so dark, man. It, it's good. it's a that's really good... That's that I want out of a Godzilla film. You know, theoretically, you're, we're talking, like, you know, spec speaking and, you know, things like that. It probably might even be the best Godzilla film ever actually made. If, you're, if we're talking about, you know, you know... Film and, it's the, in and, it's the, and it's the director's first feature length film. Right, it's, cool, so cool. it's so good. It's right. so fucking good. Little matching project. What do I got for number one here? Um, <laughs> we're going to take this thing uh, to South Korea. Nice. Uh, you know, of course, another foreign film, right? Foreign film has ruled the top tens this year. But JP will still argue that American films are so much better. They are. They are better. <laughs> Throughout history, they're better. All right, man. This film right here legitimately blew my socks off. Fucking scared me at times. It, it was insane. It was it was just a great two hour ride, and that is Train to Busan. Loved nice. this motherfucking. I love this movie so much, man. I couldn't believe it, man. It, it's such a simple story. You know, it's another one of these family loving stories. You know, father taking his daughter to Busan. They hop aboard this uh, this train and shit goes crazy. Uh, man, dude, it's frightening, dude. It's such a high high energy, high paced film that I just couldn't look. I, I was so engulfed in it, man. It was so engulfed in this fucking film. And JP, when I fucking laughed, when I laughed when you said Train to Busan was your number ten, this happened last year. The same damn. <laughs> you know what? I, I pretty much that's thought that's why I that burst a laugh. I, I pretty much thought that that was going to happen again based on that little chuckle. I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> so you kind of spoiled your list for me a little bit. At least I was assuming that you did. I um, couldn't believe it, dude. Your number 10 last year was my number one. <laughs> what the fuck, man? That's so funny. No, no, wait. His number 10, your number one wasn't even on his top 10. Huh? No, my that's number right. one was his. Was number edit, no, no, no. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't have the Brand, editor. Brandon. Brandon was at the editor at number ten. Oh, okay, whatever. But same thing. Whatever. <laughs> the point is, I'm the yeah, one my... who doesn't have your number one on his top ten. <laughs> Shit. Shit. Yeah, you didn't have it, did you? Trying to boost on? Did you I, see it, Derek? I did. It's like I said, like that CGI deer scene in the beginning fucking ruined the whole movie for me. Oh god damn dude, there's so much more to pass on. Yeah, that I mean, dude, that whole I fucking movie, man. I love how the story develops and stuff and how you how you learn things and No, it was I, a, enjoy, it, I enjoyed it, it, it still. It said exactly what I wanted to say. It was a it was a fucking huge film. It was a massive, massive film. And it felt like that, but it still felt, you know, almost confined at times, man. It was it, it because you know you're in a train, right? 
Yeah, you're yeah, in this yeah, still got hundred percent great setting. Look, and it it was one of those type of films. It still had heart in it. You know, it was still family. It had this family, you know, kind of element to it. And you know, and I found to me this the infected. I'm not going to say zombies. The infected people in this film were terrifying to me. It was so fucking. They were so fast and quick and brutal. And like I, I've stressed over the years so many times, even on the show. I'm not a big fan of like you know, um, you know. Uh, fucking sprinting zombies you know yeah it's dawn of the dead remake man kind of a lot expect from me over the over the years i liked it when it first came out but watching that film it just it doesn't really do anything for me anymore uh this one right here kind of revamped that this was actually frightening to me it was crazy i think it's probably the setting of it but uh fuck dude i love this movie the the effects were really good um there's a lot of heartfelt moments in this one too and you know just the storyline and stuff it it was it was really really good it it blew my socks off watched it again watched it twice same feeling i was like damn that's such a damn good movie so good it's so good loved it train to busan man nine and a half out of ten no moods. All right, I'm gonna play devil's advocate with your number one real quick because I did also love the movie, but I the reason that it was so low on my list was kind of what I was getting at with like the over the top action shit. Now, mm-hmm. the the main like frustrating things were like, okay, characters like you said how the zombies were so threatening, right? And I would like to believe that, infected. but the only problem is, yeah, the infected are so damn uh, threatening. The only problem with that is you have literal characters dealing with train cars full of zombies or infected and they're, mm-hmm. they're literally just pushing their way through. And like, it just, I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, how could they be doing this? And then to flip it on that towards the end of the film, another character is dealing with one of them and can't deal with them. And I'm like, you just dealt with literal around like 9,000 dozen zombies throughout this entire or infected throughout this entire thing and you're telling me now all of a sudden this one you can't deal with when you literally dealt with other ones in a confined space like it Mm -hmm. just it it seemed like a little too much like action hero oriented that was was yeah man that was my other thing that was my (laughs) other main beef was like what jp said yeah, well, honestly, man, that point right there, I never really noticed it throughout the film. But, you know, yeah, you know, come to think of it, that, uh, you know, dealing with one, <laughs> one, <laughs> one infected person is like a little more than, you know, a thousand or whatever. But, uh, um, I don't know, man. It, it didn't, it just came across to me as like, it was so <sighs> epic. It really was. Like, I couldn't That's believe the, the scope That's of really it. how it was. I was like, holy yeah. shit. It, like, how did they get the money for this? Like, I did like the characters, a too. A film like, like this, man. Like I said, you know, have it, having the film such a wide spectrum, it was such a big film. And being so effective was like, it, it was crazy. Man. I, I, I really dug the ending, too, man. It was good. And yeah. I don't know, man. It just, it just really kind of, it just kind of gripped with me. You know, it just kind of, the film just kind of latched onto me. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch it again. And, you know, kind of, a you know, go from there and assess it from there. And uh, 
And when I did watch it again, it still had the same effect on me. It was it was a very intense film that had me involved for two hours, and I'm like, this is fucking amazing. It was just crazy, crazy. I thought for 100% Masks was my number one film ever since I saw it this year. Yeah, It was my number one, my number one. I watched Train to Busan again, and I was like, fuck, this movie is so crazy. Two-hour running time didn't affect me one bit. Didn't affect me. There is flaws in it a little bit, but I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And again, another film that the core of the story is about a family. You know, the family love. Yeah, you like know, that, father, when, when I mentioned that dynamic yeah. earlier, dude, I really meant it. Like, like most of my movies have that theme. Most mm-hmm. of my top ten. Yep. Yep. Train to Busan, man. Loved it. <laughs> All right. I'm, I can't wait for that uh, Blu-ray to come out so I can watch it. Again. <laughs> Me too. I win one? Can I win one? <laughs> I, I got a review on iTunes. Come on. Well you're in you're in the drawing. Nice. I can win on air. Have a legitimate chance of winning one. I can't. I am actually uneligible. <laughs> I should leave a voicemail too and you just play it. <laughs> <In 20 laughs> Alright, so um Andy. What you got for number uh, one? Okay, so my number one film uh, to keep some trends going here. Uh, since my number two was somebody else's number ten film, uh, it means my number one film is somebody's number ten as well. And uh, not to sound like a broken record and keep the train rolling in the Asian countries, my number one film is Train to Busan. Really? Nice. Yes. Wow. I thought we were all going to have number or different number ones. <laughs> crazy. Oh man, uh, I, I know Moose touched on it earlier with uh, the like the crying aspect in the movie. Uh, this this movie actually literally made me cry at the end. Even though I did know one of the two characters, some unfortunate fate would happen to him. But um, I def I definitely seen it coming. But it's still it's still effectively emotional to me. And um, yeah, this movie is just a roller coaster of emotions. Uh, all the characters are likable. I know. Uh, that doesn't really matter to JP uh, as much as to other people, but uh, that's a huge aspect to me. Uh, 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 drawing emotion from the characters always influences my views of it, and I just found all these characters likable and relatable. Uh, it seemed like everyday people like me. Uh, my only real problem with it is the, with the film is I don't really want to spoil it, but there's kind of like a reveal towards the end of the film about a certain character and his involvement and what's going on. Um, I, I thought that wasn't really necessarily needed, but it definitely I, I still... wasn't necessary. I agree with you on that, but but it, at the same time, like it didn't bug me either. Yeah, yeah, that I understand that. It did, didn't really bug me too much either. It's my only real complaint about it, and uh, it's just a fantastic film. I was generally surprised. Usually, you guys know I'm not the biggest fan of like these Asian films and whatnot. Uh, like getting known for shitting on him quite a bit you but. have no idea how surprised i am right now <laughs> <laughs> I, I just had a good time with this film and I, like well, Lou said it, the review the second viewing of this uh definitely influenced my uh choice for the number one pick man it was just fantastic uh it's a nine and a half in my book nice nice does, that mean, does this mean you're gonna give more asian films a chance huh maybe one Asian year, uh, one Asian film a year. That's why I didn't watch The Wailing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, The Wailing's really, really good, man. It's yeah, really- you. I don't know if you'll like it though. You might not. It's it. You know, yeah, it's long. It's 
Little but that was the biggest detraction for me from watching it. I saw how long it was. I was like, damn, man, there's so many other films I could watch in this time. Yeah, like two and a half, two hours, <laughs> not even two hours and 30 minutes, two hours and 36 minutes. Like, you couldn't even at least get rid of the six. <laughs> yeah. Granted, they're probably credits. So. Oh, and one other, one other little complaint I had about Train to Busan, too. I didn't know if Luke's mentioned it or not. It's the that World War Z part where all the zombies are infected, whatever you want to call them, are grabbing onto the back, of the, off train. The back of the train. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I definitely don't feel like I needed that, but... I still actually like My only that. problem with that scene was is how easy he got them off. <laughs> no, no, the big problem with that scene was how they caught the train. That was bullshit. All right, the 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 way that they caught the train and the train should have been long fucking gone by the time they they were you know that that annoyed me. <laughs> I thought but, I thought they were gonna they, form like a caboose and it's gonna be like some hell driver shit. I like the uh, I I like the the rope zombie thing though. It's kind of cool. Um, but I I don't know like the, when they were like trampling over each other and stuff. I was like. I was like, this is doing what World War Z did, but it actually looks good. Way this. better. Way, way better. better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's that like two films, two horror films in one year can kind of make me tear up a little bit, man. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I, yeah, literally, did like, I literally had to hit pause and like go gather my thoughts. I know. So I'm like, damn, and, and there's a character, there's a big character arc with, is, with the character too. That I was all fucking balling at work because I rewatched their work. You know, feelings for a character and liking characters can really attribute to the end of the film and your overall thoughts on a film is exactly this reason. You know, I mean, I understand JB's like, you know, when I'm watching slasher films, I need to care about anybody, blah, blah, blah. I just want to see some brutal death and stuff like that. But I'm like, it doesn't apply to all films. It's a great example. You know, you get involved in characters and then, you know, when things kind of go mm-hmm. one way, you're like, oh, fuck, man. You know, it's it, it, it's a good feeling. I, I like having that feeling when I watch films because it's, you know, it's real. It fucking feels real. You know, everything is not always going to work out, you know? Yeah. So. Well, what, let me clarify my thing where I say you don't need to like characters in a film. I right? do because this is something for so much. I have never meant that it is not important to like characters in a film. It just fucking depends what kind of movie you're watching. If you're watching a movie that's where the characters have arcs and you don't feel anything for them, yes, that's dumb. But in a film like Kids or a film like The Girl Next Door where you hate everybody or, or you know, any film where, where you hate – the all the characters can be hated. You don't need to like them. Like I've always said, you need to feel an emotion towards somebody, but I don't need to like them. I don't have to have likable characters. I don't have to be able to relate to characters. All it just depends what kind of movie it is. If you have a mm. film like Hush and you don't like the characters, it's going to completely fail. That can't work. It, that type of movie can't work. This is what I try to explain all the time. The plot revolves yeah. around you caring for that character. Now, mm-hmm. a film like fucking Bully or something. Uh, you know, Larry Clark, again, he's the master at making films where you don't like anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, th- those type of films, I don't need to like anybody. Um, you know, fucking Martyrs or, or <coughs> any other type of movie like that. I don't have to like anybody. Um, did you yeah. really like anybody in Gutterballs? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to like anybody in that film, man. Is everybody's just like that jock douchebag character? <laughs> yeah, it's hard to like people like that, man. But, but yeah, uh, I don't. I don't. Need Dan, to Ellis, like... Dan Elsa is kind of funny in the film, you know. But uh, Dan, you know. 
Yeah. Well, anyway, he plays different characters. Journey was okay. Doesn't he? So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, moving along here uh, to round out the top ten list for the year, um, my number one might surprise some people, uh, but it is in fact a film that I had to watch twice. And I will say now, I did review this film earlier in the year, and I shouldn't oh. have. I shouldn't have reviewed it because of the experience I had watching it. And that film is The Witch. Clickety-clackety. Uh, the Witch turns out to be your number one? The Witch <laughs> oh, does turn out to be my number one. You rated that at like a seven and a half or something I did like rate it at seven and a half. So um, one of the things, I watched that movie in a theater with a group of people and without subtitles. And I honestly had a hard time hearing what they were saying because it is such a, a old-timey English where they, uh-huh. the, they're saying things that we don't say anymore. We don't say uh, that they're in the shed, save mother, meaning accept mother, right? We don't say save mother to, to exclude mother. Like, it's just it, – we don't talk like that anymore. So I, I – probably should not have reviewed it because of that reason um but i did and then when i rewatched it with subtitles i was able to hear every single line um and that bumped up my rating quite significantly but then i listened Uh to the commentary and it opened up my eyes to certain other things that i didn't know about the film or uh missed um such as one scene involving a character who was lost some some things that that she loved very much and one of those things was kind of (laughs) insignificant it was it was a material thing um the other two things were were not so materialistic they were flesh and blood and Uh in a scene where she totally sort of gives up to the darkness the devil whatever you want to say In the background of one of those scenes, there is that materialistic possession. Maybe it it was a silver cup. And it's just in the background to signify that she has let go and completely given up to the devil or the dark spirits or whatever you want to say. To trade in what she had for what was valuable to her to get it back in her sort of way. And to me, that was brilliant because it's in the background. I don't, did you guys notice it? Yeah, you bet, man. I did. Yeah, bet. I did, man. Yeah, I didn't even notice it the first watch or the second watch. I noticed it in the commentary uh, when the director points it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that was that up my rating again. And, uh, oh. you know, to me, this this film has like hmm. the, the greatest atmosphere the beginning of the movie, even in the theater when I seen it, the the one thing that happens, characters playing peekaboo, and then when she opens her eyes, something traumatic happens, and then you see the outcome of what that was, uh, what eventually happens. Like I was like, "Yo, this movie is not holding back, shit, dog!" Like straight up, they don't give a fuck. This is a mainstream wide release. I'm watching it with a packed house, and they did that. Literally, mm-hmm. I, I'm mm-hmm. almost certain that people were like straight offended in the theater. You know <laughs> what I mean? And I was like, "Good, good. They need to be offended. 
uh, they need to be feeling this because that that they need to do this more often. This is what I like. This is what I'm always talking about, man. I need a horror film that doesn't hold back, and this one was that. And also, there's there's just plenty of great moments in this film. Uh, one of the one of the best things to me was the acting, um, not only by. Uh, the lead actress, but her father did a fantastic job, and her brother, uh, the the child actor, I couldn't believe the shit that this dude was saying. This little kid remembering all these lines in one take, this giant ass <laughs> monologue um, was insane. I was like, I was like, Jesus Christ, how's how's this kid doing this? Like, this kid got chops, you know what I mean? And then also just the way that the story progressed and. Um, the way that you were sort of unsure about everything. And I, I did have questions revolving around like, okay, why are these characters doing this right now? Why won't they snap out of it and quit playing? Like, why are they still going on with this when this character's like dying in front of them or something? And then like once I listened to the commentary and like paid attention a little bit more, those questions have answers. So that was a huge thing for me to change my rating. Uh, also the, um, I guess what you would call the the final scene. I, I you guys were kind of down on it. That was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Um, I loved how that really and how that wow. how that played out. It's the classic like, um, you know, you call you you call me a wolf. 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 I'm not a wolf. You're calling me a wolf. Okay, fuck it. I'm a fucking wolf, yo. You know what I mean? Like it's it's the classic case of of people just pushing shit down your throat. To where, like, okay, I'm, I guess I'll just be this now. Uh, you know, it, it mm-hmm. happens in in today's society with like the inner city, right? Like, you know, when you're when you're forced to be told this that you're going to be this, you're going to be that, you're not like that's what you become. And um, you know, I, I I love that aspect about the film. Um, just the the classic folklore mythology um, of America that just was handled brilliantly. Uh, I, I believe I, I read that all of the buildings were built with tools that would exist at the time and not the tools that we have. There's a few, <laughs> there's a few inconsistencies. The director points out um, the corn that they had stacked up. They didn't really stack it like that, but it looked good for atmosphere. Um, also, uh, you know, a lot of this film was actually shot in Canada. Um, was there worm placement in this? <laughs> no worm placement but a lot of stuff was shot in canada instead of massachusetts just because it was cheaper yeah um but they do have a few shots of, of it's of, cheaper man shooting in canada it's got great cinematography man or great locations man yeah absolutely boston yeah so um well i mean it was cheaper to get a similar location than to shoot in you know the actual locations Oh, for uh, sure. Yeah. But yeah, I uh, totally loved Witch. Um, actually, surprised that it it's not higher on a lot of y'all's list. Honestly, I expected this to be Moods' number one, this or the Neon Demon before we went into this um, top ten. And uh, I'm gonna go ahead and give it a nine point five out of ten. Nice. Well, I mean, the Witch came at number three, Neon Demon six, number six. I mean, shit, man. Uh, Still number nine. I also expected you maybe to have eyes of my mother and under the shadow on there, but you didn't see him. It is just the way of the dice, man. So, um, one thing that I will say before we exit out of the top ten and go into honorable mentions is I believe only one film qualifies for the uh, 
Hall of Fame, which is a bit surprising to me. Yeah. Um, and I didn't even notice it until now. I thought we didn't have any, and then I was going. Oh, back we have a Hall of Famer. Shit. Yeah, I noticed it. Oh, you did? What is it, Derek? The Neon Demon. Fuck you, Zach. <laughs> yeah. So the Neon Demon. Did man. Uh, a rating of nine point five from myself. A rating of nine point five from Derek, and I believe a rating of nine from Moods. Yep. That uh, is exactly twenty-eight, I think. Yep. Right. That's exactly twenty-eight. <clears throat> so yep. that makes the Hall of Fame. Um, Exploding Heads had four Hall of Famers on their show. What the? What? Okay. I mean, I haven't. I I never listened to the show purposely because I didn't want any type of influence on my own top ten. Uh, I'm curious now. What the fuck made the Hall of Fame here, man? Um, okay, so they had the Neon Demon. Yeah. Uh, the Witch. Yeah. Uh, one that, film that, that we didn't have, so this could have gave us another Hall of Famer, is February. Oh, fuck those guys and their goddamn fucking... <laughs> they cheated. That's a cheater. That's we're a cheater. A single re- we're going to do a single review next year of that one. And I believe yeah. they had The Invitation as well as, as a Hall of Famer. Oh, wow. The Invitation. Wow. Yeah, that was Brandon's number yeah. one, I Brandon's think. number yeah. one was The Invitation. He was jerking off all over that film. He was like, yes, Logan Marshall. It's not in my top ten. It's it's just outside my top you ten. You know what's yeah, not in your top ten? What's that? Train to Basan. Not one person had Train to Basan? Not one. It means oh. we got it right. <laughs> because no Asian one had an autopsy of Jane Doe either. Well, yeah, no, Christian <laughs> actually did have autopsy of Jane Doe after, like, retroactively, he went and changed his list after they recorded the show. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, that wraps up the top ten. Yes, man. It is about that time to get into the definitive list representing the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast Facebook page and everybody out there that you might not even be you know, part of that page or whatever. But the point of this list is that everybody sent in their top 10 lists and uh, JP compiled the list of this definitive top 10 list and we're going to get into it, man. Yes. So, so- what it- Yeah. Uh, this list took a while to put together. We got way more submissions than last year, uh, which I was very happy about. Um, it makes it more definitive the more you have. Um, a lot of podcasts gave their lists, such as the Horror Cast and Horror Movie Podcast. Exploding Heads Crew gave their list. Uh, I was originally going to list off everybody, but guys, there's a lot, and it would just be, be me listing off names. So thank you to everybody who participated. A lot of the homies like Matt and Dylan participated, and a lot of new people who I'm, I'm not familiar with participated. Uh, thank you very much. Um, it took me so long to put this together, but but I did. How I did it was I took everybody's top ten list, and a film got one point for being number ten and ten points for being number one. And then whoever had the most points at the end uh, is number one and so on down the list. So uh, coming in at number ten, we have 10 Cloverfield Lane, uh, which uh, wow. was uh, in the top 10 by four points. So uh, for the longest time, Lights Out was actually at the number 10 spot. Um, it was it was kind of there for a long time. It wasn't until like probably the last couple lists that didn't have Lights Out on it right um, ended up bumping up Cloverfield Lane. Uh, Pretty number- awesome shit, man. You know, I mean, that film never fucking even topped our top 10 list at all. Yeah. Did it? Uh-huh. Yeah, um, number nine is The Wailing, uh, which actually was my number nine. 
which is interesting. <laughs> um, number eight is The Invitation. Number seven mm-hmm. is Train to Busan. Nice. And then number six is Hush. Number five, and really these next five have all been in first place at one time or another when I was doing this list. It was pretty crazy. Uh, the, a couple, the top two films pulled away at the end, but it was only a couple of points. You figure um, if this would have appeared, you know, on three more top ten lists at number one, it would have took the lead or whatever. Uh, but we have um, The Green Room at number five. Mm. Uh, and then we have... The, which I believe was the green room on number five too. <laughs> it might actually been. It might have been. It's too far back. Uh, number four <laughs> is the neon demon. Ooh. So Andy's prediction was this would be number one or two. Number four neon demon. Yes. Wow. <laughs> number Crazy. three. It's higher than I had it though. <laughs> <laughs> number three is don't breathe. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh no. The number two and number one went back and forth and were tied so many times. Like they kept getting tied and then uh, I would get another list submission. Um, Actually, the number two place was actually leading until I got like the final like six submissions. And uh, the number two, believe it or not, is The Conjuring 2. Nice. Yes. Wow. And the number one with nearly 200 points is The Witch. Is The what? The Witch. The Witch. The Witch? The Witch. Figures. You know know who sent in all those submissions? (laughs) Clickety-clackety. <laughs> the the exploding heads crew. All those. <laughs> the exploding heads crew was uh, some of the last lists I added, and believe it or not, they single handedly bumped up the witch into the number one spot. <laughs> <laughs> Dave had that plan, man. He had that plan. Um. So one thing that that I will say is it was incredible seeing how these thing how these films just just sort of hovered and went higher and lower and stuff as I would get lists because you're figuring, um. One ten, number 10 spot or number one spot can instantly give you 10 points, right? If something's at 172 to 172, one gets a 10 and it's automatically at 182. Like it within two submissions, something could completely change by 20 points. It was, it was mm-hmm. really interesting. And mm-hmm. um, man, it was, it was a lot of fun to see, see where this, this went out. Um, uh, there was a couple films on the list that actually, uh, I dis excluded that none of them would have made the top 10 anyway, but three films that, that came up, uh, on people's list that I, uh, excluded was clown, uh, because it was last year's release. Uh, that had a total of 28 points. Uh, we are the flesh popped up on uh, two lists. One of them was at number one, that film, wow. that film don't count until next year. And then the black coat's yep. daughter, um, which had a total of 38 points. Um, most of which were from the exploding heads. <laughs> of course, would have made my list. Like you said, those guys are cheating bastards, man. <laughs> cheating bastards. Um, so, uh, yeah, surprisingly, it the Black Coat's daughter only popped up on five lists, I think, total. Um, mm-hmm. And Clown actually popped up on more people's lists, but it just went in a lower spot. Uh, very, very interesting results. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to do that. Um, even though it takes a ton of work, everybody who 
uh, submitted a list will be entered in uh, the the drawings that we do um, on episode 101 or 100, wherever we do them. So that is the definitive top 10 list. Yes. Nice. Nice. That's pretty cool, man. That's pretty cool. Very, uh, Very good stuff. All right, guys. We're going to get into the 22 Shots Awards. And no we're going to go. Mentions? No honorable oh, mentions, man. Um, are we going to go round trail on this? I'll just, you know, kind of. Yeah, I, I can just name off like three that I really enjoy too. Uh, the Mind's Eye. Barely missed the list. Just didn't have time to rewatch it in time for the show. I did highly enjoy that film. Uh, Train to Busan, one that was on Moods and a lot of other people's lists. It's one that I had to rewatch and revisit. I only watched it by the end of the year. I need to revisit it again. And yes, The Autopsy of Jane Doe, very amazing film that I would like to really revisit and rewatch. I highly enjoyed that film also. <laughs> What you got for honorable mentions, Andy? Uh, I, uh, Lake Nowhere, a really cool throwback slasher. Uh, yeah, I agree, man. Autopsy of Jane Doe just barely missed my top ten. And I'll say, I don't know, that's, that's good enough. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I don't have my, my right, ratings um, in front of me. but My honorable mentions, uh, for a while this this one was in my top ten uh, until I seen Train to Basan, and that is Trash Fire. Absolutely loved Trash Fire, man. It, it was it was one of the highlights of my my watching this year. Uh, the ending was just man, loved that type of ending. And uh, the the second honorable mention, uh, which was at, at my twelve spot, so just barely missed the top ten. Uh, and maybe perhaps if I had longer to sit on it, it could have even found its way into my top ten because I just watched it last night, and that is Under the Shadow. So Moodsy wasn't far off. Uh, I did really love that film. It was great. Uh, I, I, I'm really surprised, man. I'm really surprised. But, uh, yeah, man, just missing my top 11 was a film called Pet. I personally loved this fucking film, man. You know what bumped it out, man, was The Barn. And it really – The Barn went out from not existing to number nine. You know, uh, yeah. I love Pet, man. I thought the Pet – the Pet the pet was amazing. I thought the script was you know, phenomenal. Made my top um, fifteen. It, it was right yeah. at fifteen. I love that one and the monster and I'm not a serial killer. All those were kind of right there. Yeah, and I'm yeah. not a serial killer. Was good. I too. love the green yeah, room. Yeah, I am a serial killer. Room was good too. But... Yeah, I, the green room was another honorable mention. Darling, the mind's eye was another film that's really high up there for me. Love that movie. Um, you know, Good Neighbor, Shin Godzilla, Winter <laughs> Tape, all was right there, and that's all my number nines. You know, right, that kind of awesome. ended up at the number nine. So, but, um, yeah. yeah. All right. Good year. Let's Good year. Let's get into them awards. Okay. Let's yeah. do it, man. So how are we going to do this? Award? Are we going to go, are we going to go round tree or just, are we going to, you announce what the award is. You announce your winner and then, uh, it'll just go in, in a circle and we'll announce our winner and just move on to the next thing. So you want me to start then? Okay. Yeah. All right, so getting to the awards here, man. We got, I think, 22, 23, as usual, you know, lots of awards. First one up here, biggest surprise of the year. I'm going to go with The Barn. Wasn't expecting a whole lot from this film. Blew my socks off, made my top 10. Check it out, peeps. It's amazing. 
Awesome. Yeah. Uh, my biggest surprise of the year was Winners Tape All, the Henderson Brothers story, man. This, I, I fucking love this thing, dude. It was so cool. I knew right away that it was mm-hmm. fake. A lot of people don't, didn't know. Like, it was just, it was too obvious for me that, that they were just too fucking obscure. Like, they were just too out there. They couldn't be this fucking witty and, like, uh, unintentionally <laughs> funny. So I knew it was fake, but I, I mean, this, this thing was so cool. Like, I loved every minute of it. It was the biggest surprise by far. I wish I could have had it on my top 10 because it deserves love and people need to yeah. see it. It's so much fun. Yeah. In the first half of the year, it literally was in my top 10, man. <laughs> it's such a cool it movie, so dude. It it's, was so much it fun. It is awesome. Like, I, I couldn't yeah. be more yeah. happy with that watch. Good. Okay. Derek. My biggest surprise of the year is Night of the Living Deb. Just from the title alone, it just sounds like, ew. Yeah, it does. Plus, it kind of has like the generic kind of like Shaun of the Dead cover art on the Blu-ray. It's a really fun film. I like the character of Deb, and the actress does an amazing job of performing, and the way she performs the character very quirky, and she's kind of like very shyish, but she's very (laughs) loud in her character in a way. And I just liked how the film progressed, and like the characters and Ray Wise. She kills. Yeah, really good stuff. Nine Eleven Deb. All right, what about you, Andy? Biggest surprise? Uh, mine is The Boy, the killer doll, supposedly, movie. Oh, the killer doll one, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I like that movie as well, Andy. Yeah, was, I thought it was, was going to be complete shit. <laughs> it was actually- I actually preferred the other boy film, you know, the Scream Factory one, so we kind of call it, but, uh, yeah. Let's right. hear it for the boy. Yeah. All right, man, so the most disappointing <laughs> film of the year has to go to the abomination of holidays. Horrible. I was looking forward to this film like no tomorrow, and it turned out to be a total shit fest. I hated it, and it was so disappointing because I had high hopes for it, man, and it sucked dick. It it was terrible. It was was shitty. My most disappointing film of the year is not Holidays because I actually enjoyed Holidays. Holidays had <laughs> some too. pretty solid work in it, man. Like, I no, didn't mind like... it at all. Uh, the real disappointment this year, and it should be on everybody's list because of how much we expect from this man, and it is Robert Zombie. What are you doing with 31, son? That was a dagger <laughs> to my heart. I couldn't take it. I was like, why? Why did I was as disappointed in 31 as I was with uh, Holidays. That's because you had a lot of the... The like, oh dude, it's not good. Oh dude, it's not good, and and it lowered your expectations. I seen this in an advanced screening before most of the world. <laughs> and I hey was man, like, no, I, I, I guess it plays into it, right? I guess it plays into it. All right, I don't uh, know. go ahead, Derek, thirty-one. Yes, really. Okay, right, Andy, what's up? <laughs> All right, uh, to keep that train going, I have to say thirty-one. It is really the only <laughs> answer, guys. Asshole. <laughs> no, all days. Because I my love for anthology films, man, is so deep, and I was expecting a lot from holidays. But at least Fucking I terrible. knew holidays could suck. There was no way in hell that I thought Thirty One would suck. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess yeah, we eased but... the blow on you with Thirty One for sure. All right, most original <laughs> film of the year, Neon Demon. Yeah, I also have Neon Demon. <laughs> Me too. And Andy's like, fuck you guys, man. <laughs> um, I, honestly, I was struggling with this one in, until we started recording. And now uh, it, uh, Fender Bender uh, made my choice. I, I didn't know what else to pick. I, 
Not bad. That's not bad, actually, man. Not bad. All right. Uh, most overhyped film of the year. Yes. For myself, for myself, and just coming from. It's actually a film I really enjoy, too. Um, but I just kept hearing such good, damn good things about it. Like, we're talking like number one, number two things of the year. And I'm just going to say The Invitation, man. The Invitation oh, no. was film from myself that was so overhyped that I was like, oh. <laughs> the that's it. Um, my most overhyped film is uh, I did like this movie. I'm not going to lie. Like, it, it, it was, I think I gave it like a 7.5 on, on my. Uh, thing and I believe it is in my probably top twenty five maybe, and it is uh, Darling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I did, I just it just I don't know. It's because it of didn't me. Connect with me. <laughs> Andy was hyping it hard. Him and Zach was like best film of the year, and I was like, all right, all right, all right. And I was just like, ah, it was it was oh, good. My top ten, man. It was such a good. It was in my top ten for so long. But... Yeah, it made Dave's top ten too. Pretty it, high, I think. It, it, it was it, in there forever. It was barely Sorry, like in my I'm top ten. Like, <laughs> all right. So, what you got, Derek? For most overhyped, uh, the witch. Ah, oh. it was yeah, pretty I, hyped. Still, still in my I, top ten. It was pretty hyped. I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Andy. All right. I know you told us not to pick two, but uh, I'm going to pick two. <laughs> <laughs> From a marketing standpoint, I picked the Blair Witch. From a, just a community thing, I picked Neon Demon. Yeah, I, fi- I figured Neon Demon would be your pick. That figures, that figures. Biggest piece of shit of the year, and I'm going to throw a shout out to my main motherfucking man from Exploding Heads, Brandon, and I'm going to say, fuck you. <laughs> you actually recommended me this film and I don't understand how you could ever do this I I swear you watch this on drugs or something like that but it's a film called She Was So Pretty apparently give this one like a six and a half I give it like a two out of ten it is fucking horrible worst piece of shit I've seen all year Um, it it was horrible man it was horrible (laughs) damn it was Um, horrible my uh, biggest piece of shit of the year um has shit in the title and it's violent shit uh did <laughs> lowest rated film that i watched this year i gave it a three out of ten um just so uninteresting God, yeah because all Dolly. the other are so much better they are <laughs> dolly deadly from the good peeps at legless corpse <laughs> I guess we can't have one without them on there. Yeah, oh sure. my god, this film is so jarring to watch just the way it's shot and like the <laughs> acting is fucking terrible. It's like it makes like <laughs> anything else look Oscar worthy. Oh my god. One point five out of ten. Jeez. Andy? Uh, okay. All right, uh, biggest piece of shit of the film it goes to a slasher film uh, called Playing With Dolls. Uh, just imagine Halloween Resurrection set in the woods <laughs> done worse. Who put that on? I'm not even sure if it has a US DVD <laughs> yet. But, uh, oh, okay, okay. But... Yeah, I got you. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Best foreign film of the year. Well, this is pretty damn obvious. Train to Busan. Also pretty obvious for me, it was my highest rated foreign film, and it was The Wailing. 
pretty obvious for me, Shen Godzilla. Pretty obvious, trained of a song. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next. Nice. Uh, best indie film of the year. I got to give it up to Under the Shadow. Under the Shadow, by far. That's my shit, man. Love that movie. All right, uh, I gave it to The Witch. Um, whether it's indie or not was kind of debatable, but it did have a wide release, but I, I don't think it had a major studio attached, did it? I, I, all I know is that Under the Shadow actually was con- 100% considered an indie film, and it was pretty high on my list, so I was like, got to go with it. So, right. Yeah, The Witch, w- <sighs> that was always kind of a... Yeah, it was, I was... didn't really know how to... Yeah. It was iffy for me, so I just went with really good indie stuff, American Guinea Pig, Bloodshock. All right. Yep. Choice. Uh, choice. Darling. Darling. Yeah. Nice. Best studio film of the year. Well, I went with Neon Demon. (laughs) (laughs) Studio film, right? Yes. Who did? Who produced Neon Demon? Uh, shit, man. Amazon. (laughs) Is that that a studio film? (laughs) I don't think that's a studio film, bud. I, I I don't know. I don't know. I, I didn't really know what was and wasn't. I thought Neon Demon was kind of indie. No, I don't think it is, man. Because uh, the the definition is is, uh, you know, produced by a st- major studio. Oh, like like Paramount. Okay, I get you. Yeah, I don't know. It's always fucking blurred with me in the indie no I, I thought it was done by like a major studio, man. It just came across as you know, kind of an indie film, but it actually wasn't but yeah, i don't know i don't know i, I, I don't know but um all right mine is uh don't breathe uh i guess if neon demons considered a studio film it would be uh it would be that but i thought it was but yeah, yeah. <laughs> who knows all right Derek. mine would be probably uh the conjuring 2 yeah definitely a studio film <laughs> yes same with mine conjuring 2 all right Oh, and best remake, I am going, man, you're slim pickings for remakes. Very, very slim pickings on the remakes, man. I got to go with vamp- vampires. Uh, yeah, I'm going vampires, man. Out of pure, like, defaultness, I went with Cabin Fever. <laughs> like, it's not a good remake, but. Did it- you not watch vampires? I never watched it, nope. But oh, even if even if I did, I never seen stuff. the original. Oh, okay, yeah, that that kind of sucks, man, because it's kind of very. It's a nice companion piece of the the original. It's just not as good. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I have for best remake: vampires. What about yeah. you, Andy? The remake. Yeah, mine's the same as yours: Cabin Fever. All right, <laughs> which was actually a pretty good movie. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. They they improved on certain aspects of the film, but its overallness just wasn't as good. Best sequel of two thousand and sixteen: Conjuring Two. Conjuring Two. Yep, Conjuring Two. It's unanimous. All right. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Best film to start off a franchise, I gotta go with the Windmill Massacre or the Windmill if you're in Region 1. Huh. Interesting. Um, I went with Train to Basan since we're already seeing it start. It already got a sequel and a US remake. That sounds like a franchise in the making to me, boys. <laughs> I got I Am Not a Serial Killer because it's based off a book series, so if they make more films. That's smart. Alright. Uh, mine is a film that 
Nobody's even mentioned tonight about anything, and I'm gonna go with Knucklebones. Real cool okay. character. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I was supposed to review that shit, but I never got the fucking film in the mail. So, <laughs> but you know, the windmail, man. Like, I mean, honestly, have you guys seen it? Everyone seen yeah, the film? I seen it. Yeah, I don't yeah. even want to. But it sets it up for a it. fucking sequel. Like, I think it could actually make like it, a. It's actually yeah. the only slasher I saw today. So, spoiler alert for well, well, <laughs> <laughs> shit. Best cinematography of the year in. The, my choice is uh, John Blanke from The Witch. The Witch. Oh, you actually went with the cinematographer's name? I did. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll just piggyback on Moods and say the same thing. I don't know his name. <laughs> but I, I just wrote down The Witch, but I'll just go with what he said. <laughs> I, well, mine's uh, Francesca, Luciano, and Eddie. All right. All right. Nice. Mine might be a little controversial, but The Neon Demon. Okay. <laughs> Dude, just because you say the neon demon doesn't mean you can't respect what you saw, right? Yeah, you don't like yeah. the movie or whatever. It's what it yeah, is. But yeah. nah, it's a beautifully shot yeah. film. Yeah. Really uh, well done. Best gore of 2016, in my opinion, Baskin. Loved it. All right. Um, I actually went with Bloodshock. Bloodshock. Um, but I, but I, now I, thinking about it, I. I yeah, I guess I would still go with Bloodshock, but I didn't really consider Autopsy Jane Doe, which I thought had like decent like gore effects, but it just wasn't. I was thinking more of like a gory movie. So mm-hmm. I went with Bloodshock, Cook and Mills, double teaming it. Yeah, I thought the I thought <laughs> the gore was fantastic, and I also went with Baskin. Nice. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Okay. Best soundtrack of 2016, man. This was a tough one, man. It yeah, really it was. was. So many. I, I didn't even really know what to pick, man, but I ultimately settled on Francesca. Love the music. It's great. All right. Uh, I went with Neon Demon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shin Godzilla. Conjuring 2. Wow. Four different ones on that. Uh, best horror comedy of the year. Hands motherfucking down. This shit made me howl from the second I started watching to the second it ended. Is the funniest movie the goddamn year. It's ridiculously funny, and it's the Greasy Strangler. I, th- I made a joke about this at the beginning, me being the Greasy Podcaster. Holy <laughs> fuck, is this movie ever outrageously funny? Dude, I couldn't even Good. find a goddamn horror comedy on my list. Like, I had to go way down to even find a horror comedy. Night of Living Dead? It is, in fact, Night of the Living Dead, Deb, which I had at 34 on my list. Oh, <laughs> so dude, the Greasy Strangler. I skipped that movie 100%. You I'm would really hate it with a pa- Dude, it's so fucking funny, man. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. So good. So good. It's actually funny oh. you say that, Moods, because I got the Greasy Strangler. <laughs> oh, my God. Isn't it the fucking. <laughs> every part. You know, so bull- that, that's the jokes in the thing, man. I said bullshit artist how many times? In this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh, my God. That's so good. Uh, mine would be Bunny the Killer thing. <laughs> All right. That was actually my right. That actually was my choice until I saw Greasy Strangler. Pussy. Yeah. The Slasher of the Year. Me and Andy already talked about this on the show earlier, and I'm going to go with Fender Bender. All right. Big um, shout out to. Shelf factory. factory. I I went with um, windmill. I guess that's what I went with too. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, unless you count hush, but I, I think yeah. a lot of people don't count hush. No, no, not slasher. 
I gotta get some the vendor. And so Andy's is Fender Bender. Yep. <laughs> Best TV show of the year, which which is so fucking funny because uh, me and the head- TV shows. Me and the hetero life mate, JP, we don't generally watch a lot of TV. We buy a lot of TV shows. We don't watch them because we're fucked like that. But I did watch this one, and it was amazing. Stranger Things. Absolutely. I got that as well. Yep. American Horror Story. Uh, minus minus Stranger Things. Awesome. All right. Best old school or throwback film right. of the now. This is- what this is is you you guys. I I hated calling it this because it doesn't represent what this is. What this is is like the best watching experience out of a film that didn't come out this year. That it's the point to highlight. So like you know a film that came out whatever year, but not this year that you really really got a lot out of uh-huh. that's right man and you know the funny thing is man mine's not going back too far and uh we are going back to 2013 with a film called lord of tears i reviewed this one nice. on 31 days of horror and it's like amazing directed by laurie brewster awesome right, awesome uh, film Mine is actually probably a bit surprising, but this is, I probably had out of the last, you know, 365 days, uh, I had all the films that I rated, all the films that I watched, and I thought about it, and I was like, what film did I have the best experience with? And it was actually Dahmer um, when we did our 2002 show. Like, I loved that movie. It was such a fantastic watch for me. I was into it so hardcore. So, uh, Dahmer from 2002. Nice. Mine is from the year 1981, and it's suddenly in the dark. Wow. I fucking loved it. South Korean goodness. Really amazing film. Good shit. So I kind of struggled with this one because I watched a lot of good films for the first time this year. But when it came down to it and the experience that I had watching it, I had to go with Fight for Your Life. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, The most racist movie ever made. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I, I would have went with um, Drew Bowman's favorite movie. I probably yeah. would have went with like Wake and Fright, but it just it, it it wasn't really like a straight horror film, so I went with Dahmer. Hmm. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, Wake and Fright, so damn good. Uh, best media release of the year. Honestly, man, there was a ton of really damn good ones this year, man. I mean, Arrow just phenomenally killed the fucking industry. Um, and of course, my choice is coming from Arrow, and it's the Herschel Gordon Lewis box set, the serial box set, which I have. That's the one that I picked up. Phenomenal, amazing, nice, love it. Uh, mine is, you know, I, I didn't, I don't have a huge palette to go off of on this one because there's only a few discs that I checked out all the special features for, and out of the ones that I did, I have to give it to the Hills Have Eyes release put out by Arrow. It's just complete. It's a complete release. Yep, another mm-hmm. release. Yep. Mine is uh, the Killer Dames box set from Arrow. Oh. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. My my one is uh, something not really because it's the best best release, but what it represents is Chopping Mall. Nice. Nice. He, he loves his uh, loves his slasher films, and <laughs> I will. I'm with Andy on it. It's a slasher film. It's Me slasher. too. I don't think it is. <laughs> Exactly. We can Have argue a nice day. It is, man. The robot's a slasher, man. Whatever. We're right. Um, 
<laughs> best best script of 2016. Um, I'm going to give it up to Pet. Pet was a film that never even topped any of our top ten lists, man. I loved loved this script, man. It was fantastic. It was great. Awesome. I loved it. Yeah, it was it was definitely definitely uh yeah yeah it was it was good it was good i i, I did want it on my I top loved, 10 <laughs> i loved it it um, actually got bumped out man it got yeah. bumped out so. uh the mine is for the good neighbor based on the nice. ending nice nice mine is sergio diabolical by adrian garcia Valgiano. awesome script mine is the witch nice Sweet. Yeah. All right. Where the fuck are we here, man? Best director. Uh, director. Yeah. Best director. I'm going to give it to Robert Eggers for The Witch. I also am giving it to Robert Eggers, The Witch. I can't wait to see what this guy has next. Here it's a a Nosferatu, which he can probably kill. Well, it's as atmospheric as that film, man. Fuck, it's going to be nuts. Mine is Adrian Garcia Balgiano. Mine is a kind of a cheating one because one of his films don't count for this year, but I'm going with Oz Perkins. Alright, cool. Cool, cool. Oh. Biggest industry story of the year. Um, I gotta say, man, just the fact that uh, there were so many theatrical films that actually did well. I mean, in the previous couple years, man, the theatrical films have not done very well. There hasn't even been that many theatrical films. I think this year actually kind of stepped up its game for, you know, having theatrical films not only in the theater, but actually doing really quite well. I thought that was kind of interesting in itself, so... Yeah, that's actually my biggest industry story as well, um, which is funny because we didn't even talk about it, and you were actually yeah. didn't know for sure what to pick. So uh, I guess once you thought about it, you really saw what the big story is this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Me, I I seen more films in the theater. Now, granted, I did see some old school releases too this year than I have in my entire you know any year of my entire life. I, I seen Blair yeah, Witch. I seen crazy. Don't Breathe. I seen. 31, I've seen 10 Cloverfield Lane, The Witch, uh, The Purge, um, Conjuring, uh, Shallows, like the list goes on and on. I've seen, I've seen a lot of movies this year, and it it's fantastic that horror is returning to the cinemas. Hopefully it continues, because uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. always a good thing. What about you guys? Mine is, well, the formation of the Vestron line from Lionsgate. Just the little hints of it coming out here and there from Jim Warnowski when Chopping Mall was first. Like, he, like, hinted out that it's going to be released soon. It's going to be released soon. Then they announced this whole giant line of, like, uh, retro titles on Blu-ray with these nice slip covers and very retroactive, like, slips and covers and stuff on them. And it was just amazing, like, a new, like, thing in the game of, like, uh, the retro media releases. Awesome. Nice. Nice. Uh, mine's really not an industry story. Uh, it's more of a just like a community story, but it's kind of picking off what Derek said. Mine went with Blu-ray and DVD releases, right. announcements. That's that's fine. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> All right. Uh, go ahead, Moods. Yeah. Um, so last or not last one, second last one here, man. We got uh, best actor and slash actress. 
I got to go with, man, kind of cheating again here, man, but I'm going to give two. I'm going to go with John Goodman uh, from 10 Cloverfield Lane. Amazing. And the only reason why I'm doing this is because I just recently saw Bloodshock, and I'm going to give it up to Dan Ellis, too, as uh, as a kind of a runner-up, you know. Um, for best actress, can never <laughs> yeah, just for, let it at one. Never. I, I I can't, man. You always have to run, have a runner up. It's so hard well, to pick one. Well, moves. Don't um, worry. I best uh, best actresses, man. I'm going to give it up to Kika Magalenas, or I don't know how to say her name, man. From Eyes of Her Mother, Eyes of My Mother, and Lauren Ashley Carter from Darling. You know, I, in my opinion, they all deserve an award for this season for this year. So, double yeah. cheating. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. all right uh so i'm gonna go with nothing wrong with a runner-up man nothing wrong i did not cheat and there's only one answer for the best actor and it is john goodman dan tanner himself uh fantastic nobody even really comes close to that performance too bad the movie wasn't you know good the whole way through uh that would have been a highlight for sure uh and best actress uh i always have trouble with this one because i always feel like I'm more, I'm more identified with he likes guys more <laughs> <laughs> but I went with Anna Taylor Joy from The Witch nice. Nice. nice nice okay best actor Dan Ellis American Guinea Pig Bloodshock best actress Lauren Ashley Carter darling <laughs> okay we were very similar <laughs> those are both my runner ups but yeah okay my Best actor goes to... I'm not even sure of the guy's name, so I apologize. But I'm going to pick the dad from The Witch. Yeah, he was so good. He was close, for sure. Uh, I can tell you his And best actress is Ashley Lauren Carter for Darling. Awesome. Nice. I always get super excited about the awards when they end. I'm like, ah, damn, they ended. So much fun. I love doing it, man. But what we're going to do now, man, we're going to take a look at 2017... Well, you forgot the last final uh, award. Oh, before we get into that, uh, Ralph Edmondson is the name of the actor that plays the father. Yeah, the guy from Harry Potter. Uh, <laughs> the, the last f- award. Okay. Yeah. Do you have it or no? Best. Uh, best uh, borderline uh, horror, horror film. So something oh, shit, that- <laughs> dude, dude, I totally have that here. Oh, my bad, my bad, my bad. So best borderline horror. Fuck me, man. Fuck, I'm retarded. Uh, best borderline horror film. I'm going to give it up to Trash Fire. So fucking funny, man. I loved it. See, I so actually good. counted Trash Fire as horror for me. See, I don't think it's a I horror film. I didn't find it funny. Like, I, I really didn't laugh it's that, that much. That dark in it. ass, com- that dark uh, comedy, man. That just oh, it was so much fun. It was so much fun, man. I love that dick character kind of aspect to it. But Trash Fire is my I choice. Loved that movie. That was, that was definitely a highlight of the year for me. Yeah, it was good. It was um, good. My best borderline horror film. This actually would have made my top ten if we. It would have actually made my top three or four if we would have counted it as horror. But I made. I didn't listen to anybody else. I made my own decisions on what I considered horror or not. And this one just barely missed it. And it is Kill Your Friends. Uh, fucking fantastic movie amazing it's like along the lines of american psycho but better um so yeah neck kill your friends (laughs) nothing's better than american psycho man (laughs) but i did like that film man i sent i sent a copy to Derek, man yeah and that's why it's also mine kill your friends oh there you go (laughs) (laughs) i actually don't have one so 
<laughs> no? All right, that's fine. No. <laughs> really? All right. Really? So. All right, so now we're going to get into the look at 2017 here, the most anticipated films of 2017. Um, the way I've anticipated 2017 so far, it's, it's projected to be the year of the sequel, the franchise entry, and the fucking remake. There's so many damn films. It's like a Star Wars episode, yeah. Return Wait, of the Remake. It's crazy. <laughs> Which is good for me because that just means hype. Like, it seems like people talk about horror more when there's big movies that are uh, identifiable. Um, so hopefully this will be like a repeat of me for 2013, which is my favorite year since we've been doing this, even though I think this year is technically better in terms of ratings. Um, 2013 had a lot of like familiarity, uh, Texas Chainsaw, Evil Dead, uh, Child's Play, like all these movies were, were coming out. So yeah, you're right. I totally see that theme and probably, um, you know, I don't know how you wanted to go down and and do this but uh do you do you want me to just start lift, listing off some films that are coming out or do you have your own list How I, I i can do that too man i mean you know i'll just lift up to list off a bunch of names here man um maybe some you know potential sequels and uh uh remakes and things like that but what we got here man we've got it coming out yeah we got that that one's two. in post-production so it should actually hit 17 because some of these films obviously listed might not come out usually a lot of them don't because you know if you look back on any time we've done these previews often it's like two Uh years later that the movie actually comes out we've actually been talking about the it remake since our first episode our first Mm -hmm. episode of the podcast it was news yes you have ridiculous man we got creep 2 uh, really we excited got, about that. I hear it's supposed to be a, a, a trilogy, right? Yeah, it's really cool. Exactly. exactly. I didn't even do that until now. All right. Uh, we got Deathgasm 2. Yeah. Thanks for that, man. Oh, my God. Hell yeah. Yeah, that should be cool. <clears throat> From what I've heard, it's going to be like ultra gory. Just amazing shit, man. We got the new TTM film. Yeah, that should be uh, coming out soon. And, and anybody who's been wanting us to cover TCM, that'll probably be when we do it. Uh, once that film hits theatrically moods, I don't care how far you have to drive. We're going to, you're going to have to go see it. (laughs) Uh, we also have potentially a new Halloween film happening. Yeah. Um, Who knows if that'll happen? Seems like it's still very early in development. You might as well list off Friday 13th as well. Because those two films are Friday. uh... They both have 2017 release dates, but whether they'll meet them is the question at hand. Exactly. Exactly. So at least I'm safe to like, say I'm safe to say that Friday thirteenth will come out this year. You're, you're, I think you're putting. Are you? Dave said he will quit podcasting if Friday thirteenth comes out this year. So, and are you willing to quit podcasting as well? Yeah. Well, since I don't do it full time, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm willing. So to after stay. TCMN, uh, you know, Halloween, we got fucking Insidious, Insidious Four. I'm excited I mean, for that. I love the franchise. Cool franchise. franchise. I never thought that it was going to go on this far. <laughs> it's crazy. There's a part yeah. four. In my opinion, uh, all got, of them have been good. Yeah, me too. I, totally. 100%. 100%. Uh, we got Friday the 13th, what we just mentioned. Um, I'll be surprised if it comes out this year, too. I really uh, hope it does. They actually attached a really like good director to it, so it might do well. Breck Eisner directed yeah. a few Who, Who's, who's doing cool. it? Breck Eisner, he directed the Crazies remake. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Good remake. 
you guys can see a, a trend happening here. Sequels and remakes. Uh, we got um, potentially Jeepers Creepers 3. I doubt it's going to come yeah, out this year. Talk about this. But it is projected. It's yeah. coming out this year. You know what? A teaser trailer hit like a couple weeks ago, and it was fake. It was not. It was not from the actual actual producers or anything like that. So, um, yeah, uh, another one moods. I doubt it's on your list because this just uh, kind of hit news like this week, and I I I might forget it, so I'm gonna say it now. Um, The director uh, slash writer of the original Behind the Mask recently gave an update on um before the mask and he said he he put out a facebook post that said something along the lines of like 2017 might be the year or something like that so oh that's um, cool that would be huge for me i love behind the mask oh really that's fucking awesome that's totally awesome man i love uh we got the new king kong film kong or uh skull island which i'm actually like oddly interested in that yeah, I like Neil so Marshall. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Neil Marshall's Neil Neil Marshall's directing it, and he's Neil Marshall of the Descent and Dog Soldiers yep. fame. Yeah, yep. oh sweet, yep. I love that dude. Yeah, yeah, yep. And then we got, of course, the final chapter of Resident Evil for the people out there like that. Thank Another fucking one God, God. Yeah, that's Evil right. The franchise, the franchise. Fuck, we should. I'll do it. Film's coming out this year. It's insane. We, we got rings. Painter is in there. Yeah, we got rings. I mean, we. That's a definitely you know, a Hall of Painter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> At least I saw the trailer for it. <laughs> Another remake I just couldn't believe it was coming out, man, is the Invisible Man remake. Can't... Is it is it going to be like part of those Universal Monster Avenger movies? Yeah, I don't know, uh, man. The but there's a few things coming out, man. The mummy's oh, mummy's oh, definitely coming Fuck. out. Guys. I did I did see that trailer. It looks fucking terrible. Oh, the it yeah. did look bad. It looked super bad. And of course, we got the the new soft film, which is another you know entry into the franchise. I'm excited to see what they do with it after the last one. Yeah, I ha- I haven't seen a lot of the later saws, but I did. I, I'm I'm a fan of them, so I'm down. Yeah. Apparently, it's and in post production, so. And of course, we got the famous uh, Child's Play series with Colt and Chucky. Awesome! <laughs> awesome! That actually <laughs> has an October release date, so that one's probably most likely definitely coming. I believe they start filming tomorrow. Uh, so Andy has to go there because cool. he's Andy Parkway. Come on, 2017. It might be later, 2017, but yeah, uh, it has an October release date. I'm just a stunt. Cult of Chucky, terrible title. It's Better horrible. than Curse yes. of Chucky. Better than Matt, no, Chucky. way worse. <laughs> uh, <laughs> of course, of course, Matt, we have oh, okay. the majorly, oh, I don't know, disputed and hated on Suspiria remake that's coming out. I'm excited. I, I'll to see put money that it. that one doesn't hit in 17. It might not. It might not. It's projected for it. But it's this is a girl. I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of curious about, which is Double X. It's an all-female directed anthology oh, film. Oh, yeah. You know we Look recorded on that in, like, 13, like, 2013. Yeah. That's right. That's right. We did. And I'm curious. I'm curious on this. It might be It might be good. Uh, Bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> which is amazing it's amazing to me <laughs> they never came out before but uh this is another one right here that you know is making our show obsolete again and there's a brand new children of the corn film called runaway yep that's wow. definitely coming out 
And uh, also wow. to pair that, you might as well drop uh, Hellraiser Judgment also coming out. Hellraiser. Exactly. Exactly. Hmm. And of course, the oddest thing in the world, we have a Day of the Dead remake happening, which is actually a remake of Day of the Dead. So, yeah, which has which a remake. Our, which <laughs> oh. is already a remake, which is so strange. Yeah, um, this one's I, being I, produced I might, by the uh, same people who did uh, the Texas Chainsaw um, 3D. Well, as long as it doesn't have Nick Cannon, I'm good. Or CGI <laughs> flying spitting zombies. I agree with that. Uh, apparently there's another Ghostbusters film which they they're they're calling Ghostbusters four. <laughs> so, I don't, know. don't understand. But we'll pass that. Maniac Cop remake. Maniac Cop remake is yeah. yeah, it probably should hit this year because they've been working on it for a while. They even released a teaser poster a few like early this year, so Yeah, nice. yeah. And then we got the one film that I've actually been pretty kind of fun, uh, kind of soaked about, just based on the name alone, which is Killer Pinata. <laughs> oh, it looks fucking terrible. Ugh. I'm a little looking forward to it. Isn't man. there looks... already a Killer Pinata from 2002? It's probably be. the same movie. <laughs> it's a remake. Uh, speaking on, you know, you know, but the one, honestly, man, the one film I'm looking forward to is Bye Bye Man. Bye Bye Man. Oh, that, like yeah, a, that's the PG-13 one. That's, it's like a supernatural film, uh, slasher film. It, it kind of looks decent. It looks really good. Uh, quickly, a little shout-out here. Uh, Chris Lax, the homie who um, has followed the podcast for a long time, used to be a Body Bags member, stuff like that. Um, he actually reached out to the production company behind the Bye Bye Man uh, and said that he um, was you know, kind of affiliated with us and wanted to know if they had any swag to give that we could give away for our episode 100 to sponsor the show. And apparently they said yes. So um, that will also be part of the winnings. Thank you, Chris Lax. <laughs> nice. 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 Um, so actually, JP, we, we were talking about you know, franchises that we could do next year to kind of keep up with date. Apparently, new Puppet Master film, The Reich, Oh shit! Coming out, so there you go. So oh, we'll have shit. to kind of wait till that drops. Twenty-two shots—the year of the franchise. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, man! I'm telling you. Now this one right here, I wasn't a hundred percent sure exactly if this is a sequel or if this is like a remake, just in like titled something differently. But it's called Reanimator Evolution. Um, it's anybody knows? Is it a, be a sequel? Remake, I think. It, that, I was confused. Is it a remake yeah, or is we were, it like we covered sequel? the news a little bit? I, yeah. I remember the director, or the writer saying something kind of snarky in his like, or the producer or something, something snarky oh, towards wait. like the original yeah, yeah, or the director or something. I can't really remember what it was, but yeah, we covered yeah, this yeah. news. Yeah, yeah. So and of course, be <laughs> keeping along with that remake, you know, thing, man, we got a remake of the craft is projected. Apparently, that's a sequel. Oh yeah, well <laughs> that was our remember all, our thing with the craft, but okay. So um, the entity, another film that we've covered on here. Apparently, there's a remake of the entity coming out. Ghost I don't know. They could know. improve it's... on it, honestly, because the ending is trash. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> or it could be even worse, like really bad CGI. Yeah. Not 100% sure about this one, man, but it's called The Ice Cream Truck. It looked pretty interesting. I'm not sure if it's like a remake on anything to do with the ice cream, man, or I don't know. Uh, but the one that kind of got my attention here, what, man, was uh, Trick or Treat 2. 
Yeah, that's probably not moving forward by seven. Who knows? You know, who knows? Troll: The Rise of Harry Potter Jr. It's, a, it's, 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 it's from the troll movie from the 80s. Exactly, exactly. Kind of a spinoff from there. Yeah, it's an animated film, I think. Yep, it is. And, of course, we got Annabelle 2. Moods' is most anticipated film. If there's any lovers of Annabelle 2, man, or Annabelle. My God. But the one man that kind of fucking caught my surprise a little bit, man, was Flatliners, the remake. You guys yeah. see <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I see it. Do we really need to remake Flatliners? Like, is that necessary? Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> it's so prevalent. <laughs> so prevalent. Like, enough. Um, Did you mention the Cujo one yet? Not Cujo. No, yeah, Cujo remake, I guess, yeah. I didn't we got know that, that was happening. Yeah, but, it's a cyborg dog. <laughs> <laughs> the one that kind of caught my attention when I was talking to Brandon, because he's a big fan of uh, M. Night Shama Ding Dong, uh, which is split. Yeah, which is but, coming out very soon. It's like I'm already seeing trailers for it on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the big one, apparently in the festivals right now, which is uh, the girl with all the gifts. Yeah. Looks pretty cool. Looks pretty cool. So, yeah. you know, I, there's a little bit of hope for next year. I mean, it just seems like nothing but remakes. Is, and, is that all uh, that you have on your list? Yeah. Uh, I'm, Gerald's I'm, Game? Got, uh, oh, yeah, there's Gerald's Game, of course. And yeah, of course who's directing Gerald's Game? Popcorn Geek. Yeah, Popcorn Fl- Geek sounds amazing. Flanagan's <laughs> doing uh, Gerald's Game, which I believe is going to be a Netflix original. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that sounds awesome. Flanagan hasn't done any bad yet. Uh, there's Death House, which is that huge slasher. Expendables of horror. Yeah, uh, I believe that um, Gunnar Hansen, it was like one of the last things he did. Uh, Adrian Barbeau, D. Wallace, Sid Haig, uh, the list oh, goes on and on. Tons of people involved nice, nice. in that one. Um, some festival films that didn't come out yet: Raw, which is supposed to be like a great cannibal film, uh, made a bunch of like uh, in uh, festival top tens this year. Um, uh, Evolution is another one I think I heard of. Uh, the Devil's Candy, which obviously uh, got a lot oh, yeah, of praise. Yeah. Um, yep. Uh, Jeremy actually seen it. He said it would have been his number one last year, I believe. Um, also, uh, February or the Black Coat's Daughter, which is is a film that um, the exploding heads jerked off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that film got a lot of love. Um, it's really Ma- good. Mom and Dad, which uh, I'm not sure exactly what that is. It's not like an like, American remake of Mom and Dad from the UK or what? Is it like yeah, parents? I, I was kind of wondering yeah. about that actually. But it's not mom and dad. It's actually mom and dad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there's a film called yeah. Sky Sharks coming out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, we saw the trailer oh, for that. Sky. Sharks in the sky, man. The yeah. Nazi zombies. Lying. <laughs> <laughs> gotta love it, man. I love it. It's good shit. Um, there's a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde coming out. That's um, right. That's right. Yep. There is apparently the return to Nukem High. Uh, volume two, fingers returns to return to Newcomb High too. <laughs> Whatever the fuck it's called, it's finally coming out after all these years. After like know. ten years, I just forgot to note that. But uh, yeah, apparently it actually is coming out for hundred percent sure in two thousand seventeen. So, fingers I'm, I'm stoked. I'm stoked. Um, this so. one sounds like sort of a documentary or something. It's called uh, "Band Exploited and Blacklisted: The Underground Works of Controversial Filmmaker Shane Ryan." Hmm. Just wow. kind of sounds a little interesting. Sounds cool. Yeah. Because I don't know who that is. 
I'm um, actually a little flabbergasted. <laughs> <They're, laughs> uh, apparently, Hostel Four has an announcement. Um, Adam Green announced that he's going to be doing another film. Um, it's just untitled right now, I believe. Did you uh, mention Hostel Alien Four. Covenant? Alien Covenant is another one. Looks terrible. Yep. That's right. I forgot. Uh, to does look terrible. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of it for the list that I have. You guys have any other ones that we didn't mention? Well, you forgot uh, the most important one. Popcorn nerd. I was a teenage no, popcorn wear skunk. I was oh, a teenage wear skunk. Fucking lights, man. I actually, <laughs> I actually written down and forgot to say it. That's um, no, so, no, uh, Popcorn geek are going to make the best double feature ever. <laughs> I guess we can um, go and end it on, on what our most anticipated of 2017 film is. Okay. Moods? My most anticipated film of 2017, man. Jesus Christ, dude. It's so hard, man. There's so many sequels and so many remakes and shit. Like, I generally don't get that excited about it, man. But I, honest to God, man, right now is definitely Bye Bye Man. That's the one that I want to fucking see. Even so. though it's PG 13? I don't give a shit, man. It might be good. It might oh, yeah. be good. I'm um, not. I'm, it really looks good. I just didn't know everything as pure garbage under 13 or whatever the fuck he calls it. But uh, yeah. but we learned PG 13 can be really good. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. so. Uh, so me personally, um, I I I I mean, most anticipated is interesting because we obviously don't know. I mentioned this earlier. Like somebody said, somebody said that. You know, 2017 doesn't look like there's anything besides sequels and remakes and, and uh, you know, uh, franchises and stuff. But the thing is, guys, like, if you look at all the films we had in our top ten list, like Sergio Diabolico or something like that, like, nobody knew about those films. Like, you don't know about the ones that are not uh, connected to a franchise until it's out, right? You're not going to yeah. know about the, the weirdo sort of, um, you know indie films until they're out so all yeah. you can go off of is names right now right and descriptions so um my most anticipated is probably i have two um so i will cheat a little bit um my most anticipated is uh the new texas chainsaw film because i, I, I love this <laughs> franchise i honestly don't have high hopes on this one based on how quiet it's been uh, so I'm not good. Uh, like that's not my most anticipated. Just because I have, I'm trying to reserve my feelings towards it a little bit. Uh, my most anticipated, my real most anticipated is it. Um, I'm just really excited to see what they do, and it could let me down, but it might not. So that's mine. Okay, mine is probably going to be it. Bullshit artist. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I'm just really curious to see what they do with like. If they make it like a darker version, like the novel, than the TV. Yeah, because the TV was a TV version. You can't do certain things. Yeah, I want to see like little George get his arm ripped off, like he did in the book. I want to see the gangbang. That's all I care about. Yeah, that's who. I'm changing my shit to it too, man. Fucking it is. I'm I'm (laughs) totally man. I want to see the 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 loser squad fucking gangbang Beverly. (laughs) So what about you, uh, Andy? Well, since mine was it, I'm going to change it up so I could be like a hipster or something. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Cult of Chucky. Are you Chucky. calling me a fucking hipster because I changed it up? 
No, no, I, I, bullshit I, I, artist. I just bullshit artist. <laughs> Andy's wearing fucking VHS. Stop, man. Right, call to Chuck. Now. Call to Chucky's cool. That's a good one. Yeah, I'm excited for that one too. All right, so that's that's <laughs> it, guys. That's a hell of a show. That was epic. I can't believe yes. I survived it. I think that is definitely it, man. That's um, as long I'm as the Oscar show. How fucking early we ended, man. Jesus it's like Christ. Like five I only hours, got, bro. <laughs> I only got 12 beers drank. I apparently talked too much or something. I don't know. I was hammered after fucking. That's weird, man. Eight. I'm a bullshit artist. Bullshit. I can't stop it, man, because I just. <laughs> the greasy strangler was the funniest <laughs> shit I've seen all year. When he goes to that black guy. Oh my God. That's the funniest <laughs> shit I've ever seen. I can't stop, man. It's fucking ridiculous, oh, but. Oh my God. Oh. Fuck, it's funny. Washing the car wash. So anybody who's still with us now, uh, we're not sure exactly when we're coming back, but our next episode, 99, will be the Hatchet Trilogy. So we're finally covering the Hatchet Trilogy. Uh, Should be a lot of fun. And then after that will be episode 100. Um, So send in them voicemails and stuff. And uh, Moods, got anything else? I don't, man, but for sure, you guys... Episode hunters coming in, man. Get your voicemails in if you want to be heard on the episode. Get them in there and the reviews for if you guys want to win some because that's what this shit's all about, man. We're all about giving you guys some shit. Some shit. Yeah, I got you know, arrows. I got fucking uh, art exploitations. I got Blu-rays of Phantasm and Phantasm Ravager. Train to Busan. I got a copy of The Wailing on Blu-ray. Tons of shit to give away, guys. I don't even have a copy of The Wailing. It was in my top ten. come on man but lo and behold man bring the bring those reviews in get them in you guys can win some shit and we will see you guys asap yes take us out of here man all right that's it guys not gonna give you a long list of shit because you should already know it and if you're into it this far uh, I applaud you. Thank you to Derek <laughs> and Andy for coming on. If you want to check out Derek, you can Thanks, do Jay Bougie 95. And I'll uh, see you guys next time. Peace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 95. <laughs> <laughs>